The night was clear and the moon was yellow and the leaves came tumbling down. Stagger Lee from Lloyd Price from 1959. And this is actually an updated version of the original. The original was recorded in 1895. And this is actually a song about an event that occurred at the time. Stagger Lee was named Lee Shelton. And he was, an, he was a black pimp living in St. Louis around that time, the late 19th century. And... He murdered a rival named uh, Bill Lyons, Billy Lyons. So the two had met to discuss something, and uh, Staggerly, uh, I guess Lyons took Staggerly's Stetson hat, and then Staggerly shot him. And over the years, the lore of this story grew bigger and bigger, and there were various songs. One recorded in 1923. This one, the most popular version, recorded in 1959. And there's been other versions since then. Anyway, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am Todd dandruff Wittellis, and I am coming to you from a secret location right now, a very secret location. So if I sound a bit different, that's because I'm not on my usual equipment, which is cumbersome and too large to bring two secret locations that I sometimes broadcast from. So, nevertheless, we're going to have a regular show tonight, and uh, you'll be glad to know, you you guys know how cheap I am, but I actually forked over $8 
to have good enough internet to do this broadcast. Yeah, I did. Eight, eight whole dollars left my wallet to bring this show to you. Otherwise, it was not going to work. It was so painful to pay this $8 because I was supposed to get the internet for free. And they gave me the internet for free. But it was crappy internet. And I said, well, that's not acceptable. If you're going to give me free internet, it should be internet that works. This internet you gave me barely works at all. And they said, too bad. If you want the premium, you've got to pay another $8. So I forked over the $8. And that's very, very hard for me to do. It was very, very hard for me to do. The, the, the principle of the matter, it was so hard for me to do. But I did it because if I don't do it, then you guys don't have a radio show. Someone texted me here, you sound so young. Well, I'm about 45 years old. And I, I know I probably sound a little bit younger than my voice, but I, I was just talking about a story from 1895 and played a song from 1959. So how young am I really? How, how young do I really sound? I'm telling you stories from that long ago and playing music from like almost 60 years ago. But thank you to the person who sent that. Anyway, we have an interesting show tonight because we have another interview. On this show, we don't do many interviews. There's a few reasons. One is because I fear rejection, and I don't ask people to come on the show to be interviewed. I'm not a Chicago Joey. Chicago Joey gets everyone. Okay, I'm not him. So I don't ask people to come on here because if they say no, my soul will be crushed. And... I just don't ask anyone. So we talk about people on this show, but we usually don't talk to people unless I just surprise them with like a cold call. We'll call businesses. We'll call casinos. We'll make prank calls. We do stuff like that. But interviews, we don't have that much. But recently, in 2017, we've had interviews. Last week, we had Ray Davis. We had Steve Fox and Alan Kessler all about that real grinders situation with their female blogger named Brandy who was accused of a number of things. A situation I'm still trying to figure out. I have more clarity than last week, but I still have no clue as to truly what's going on. And I'll admit that. But I I do have some updates for you guys, which I will give to open the show. And then we will get to our main topic tonight. Our main topic is another interview. Our main topic is an interview with a guy named Mark Klang. And you may not have heard of Mark Klang before, but Mark Klang is a degenerate, and I'm not saying that to be degrading or to insult him. He calls himself a degenerate because it's true. He's a degenerate gambler. He admits to freely abusing hard drugs. This is someone who has not lived a very healthy lifestyle or conservative lifestyle. But nevertheless, uh, no matter what kind of lifestyle you lead that might be destructive to yourself, you still should not be a victim of scams. And Mark Klang is alleging that World Series of Poker main event final tableist John Raisner and four others in the poker community scammed him for a very large sum of money. They scammed him for... One million dollars. Well, not quite, but half of that. $500,000. He's claiming that these five guys scammed him. He posted this on 2 Plus 2, and he approached me. I didn't have to get rejected, because he approached me, and he said, I'd like to come on Poker Fraud Alert. And I said, oh, good, we're finally going to get a scoop. Because we don't get many scoops here. We always get, like, the sloppy seconds. We get the people after they've interviewed everywhere. We get the people after they've been on five other shows. Now, I try to do a better interview than the other shows. I try to do a more provocative interview than the other shows. 
But still, to a lot of you, it's old news if you listen to the other shows. So I said, oh, good, he's approaching me just as this thing breaks to come on this show. And I thought I would have an exclusive, and I thought everyone would be lining up to listen to him on this show. And they might be, and I appreciate that he has been promoting that he's going to be on the show tonight. But two days ago, he already appeared on another show. He appeared on Lyman's show, of all things. <laughs> and, you know, Lyman and I don't get along that well. We don't hate each other. And, you know, he's never done anything to me. I've never done anything to him. We just, whenever we talk, we don't get along. We argue, we fight. He screams at me. He loves to scream at me. Like, whenever we disagree about something, he just screams over me. That, that's his debating strategy. If he's low on facts... If he's low on good points, he just screams over you in his raspy voice. Todd, you don't know what you're talking about. Todd, what the hell are you saying? Todd! That's what he does. So I don't even call his show anymore. I don't have him on this show anymore because it's, it's brutal to listen to. So anyway, he somehow got Mark Klang. Actually, I know how he got Mark Klang because I guess he already knew Mark Klang before all this and was assisting him with getting some of the money he was owed. So I guess Lyman had somewhat of an involvement in this story, whereas I did not, and Mark Klang himself just went to me. So I asked Mark Klang, where have you heard of me? Do you listen to this show? What made you come to me to ask to be on here? And he told me that he's actually been part of this community, kind of just as a lurker and a listener, for many, many years. And I said, wow, that's cool. And he even had a story about how me and him played heads up at the Bellagio. Uh, eight years ago, in 2009. I'll have him tell you guys that little story, too. It's kind of entertaining. So that's coming up at 8.30 Pacific Time. And until then, we have some other things. First of all, we have a free roll tonight. We have $112 cash money to give away. $112. We do this every week on Poker Fraud Alert. We give away a minimum of $50. We give away as much as sometimes like $600 on rare occasions. But this is real money. This is money I'll send you through Bitcoin. I'll send it to you cash in envelope. I'll send it to you as a bank transfer or a check. I've done all these things. I, I really pay everybody real cash. You're, you're not getting this money on a crappy poker room that may not let you withdraw. And this is a totally free tournament. There's no catches. You just go sign up on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which you can find near the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com, and you can play. You do have to be aware of the rules to qualify for the free money. You can find those on PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. So go to PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll, all lowercase, and read the rules. They haven't changed in a while, but you have to be aware of them to qualify for the free money. Otherwise, if you win... I will pass it along to the next place finisher if you do not qualify by the rules. The rules are not very stringent, but uh, I do take them very seriously. And they're mainly in place so people don't play the free roll who don't listen to the show or don't post on the forum. Basically, I want someone to only win the money, which mostly comes from our community. I want that money won by people who listen to this show or participate in the community in some way. This week we have $112 to give away. $100 came from C-Money. $12 for second place only came from Daily. Why only second place? Well, I let whoever donates to the free roll 
state how they want their money spent because it's your money. I'm not going to tell you how to spend it. So he wants us all the second place. And he said this is in honor of Matt Ryan, who, of course, is a football player. Uh, future MVP Matt Ryan, who wears number two. So in honor of Matt Ryan, I guess Daly has a prop bet on Matt Ryan being the MVP. There's a good chance that will happen. Daly will win a bunch of money. So Daly has given $12 for second place in honor of Matt Ryan, number two. See, Money gave the $100 because Team MLK was a co-host for a few hours last week and actually did a good job. I hate to admit it, but Team MLK did a good job. I enjoyed having him on here. So See, Money enjoyed it and gave 100 bucks. So thank you. See, Money, he's, he's such a nice and generous guy. He really is. So first place, $50. Second place, which would normally be $25, is 37 thanks to Daly. Third place, $13. Fourth place, $7. Fifth place is $5. It starts at 8.40 p.m. You have 25 minutes to late register. It's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room near the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. If you want to follow along in the chat room, you can chat with other listeners. I I won't listen to... I, I don't read the chat room that often because I'm doing too many things, but my co-host will read the chat room sometimes and tell me things that are said there, and sometimes I'll take a glance at it. And you may say, what co-host? We don't have a co-host. There's no co-host here. It's just me. There's no co-host. Well, that's where you're wrong, because not only do we have a co-host this week, we have two co-hosts. So without further delay, I'm going to put them on, or attempt to, from this secret location. So far, I'm failing. Let me take a shot at the second one. I get at least one of these co-hosts on here. And I'm going to get someone here. Could have done this before the show. I could have. But I choose to produce the show during the show. Okay, we're going to try to put on Trader Ruski, who is our second co-host, while we're looking for Calwat, who's our first co-host. And if I can't get either one... Oh, there we go. Got uh, Trader Ruski. I feel better. Trader Ruski, hello. How's it going? Good, good. I- I'm happy I connected to you because I was getting worried that perhaps where I am the Skype is not working well with the internet. But since I have you here, you sound loud and clear. Everything's good. So welcome to the show. And we'll get CalWatt whenever we can manage to get CalWatt. Sounds good. Okay, so let's see if I turn you down a little bit. I think I think when I'm in these secret locations, I'm a little bit soft and there's nothing I can do. Like I have myself turned all the way up. Just this equipment is not loud enough. So anyway. Let me give the usual phone numbers and everything else, then we'll get going. The main phone number to the show is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. We also have a second phone number, which is known as the Mount Charleston line. Mount Charleston is a mountain near Las Vegas, which has snow on it right now, and I have an old 70s rotary telephone on top of Mount Charleston, and it forwards to me wherever I go, and it's a separate line into the show. That phone number is 702-430-1808, 702-430-1808. That's the Mount Charleston line. No matter which number you call, you have to show your caller ID or your call will not get through. And if I don't answer your call, don't panic. All it means is that I'm just not ready to take phone calls because sometimes I don't want to be interrupted. So just try back in 15 minutes or so, and you'll probably get through. I, I like taking phone calls. 
You can also text me before, after, or during the show. And people do that. People will send me texts at all times of the day and night, and that's totally fine, and I will answer you. I've gotten to know some people, some of the listeners. I didn't even know they existed before because they text me, and we just kind of get to talking. It's the same number as the main show, 775-372-8355. 775-372-8355 is the text number. Don't text the Mount Charleston line or it will not get through because that's an old 70s rotary telephone. Calwatt, hello. How you doing, Druff? Very good. So I have you. I have uh, Troy Daruski. Oh, fantastic. And we, we What's got, happening, Calwatt? We've got it all happening How much, here. man? So that those are the phone numbers into the show. Now, I, I can't go on without reminding everyone of the call to listen line. And I actually have people texting me sometimes saying, hey. You Wait, know, I called up just to hear this. God that, that's what you rushed over to do, yeah. You dropped, you dropped everything to come over to hear me ranting about the call to listen line. So the call to listen line is a revolutionary phone number that you can call to listen to the show from any phone, anywhere in the world. It does not require the Internet. It does not require a smartphone. It does not require a computer. No. All you need is any phone in the world that can dial 712-775-8162, and you can hear the show live. Or, when we're not live, you can hear a streaming rerun of one of our more than 210 episodes we have in our library, where it just picks one at random from the past five years and broadcasts it, and when it's over, it picks another one and broadcasts it. And it does that over and over and over again for the entire week until we come back on again. And then when we're live, you get to hear it again here. The beautiful thing about the Call to Listen line, there's two things. Number one, it's easy. You just call it and listen. And number two, if you have a poor cell phone connection, like you're driving in the hills or mountains and you just barely have like one bar, you're not going to be able to listen to the stream live because it's, it's not going to be good enough. It's not going to be enough data coming through. But the call to listen line doesn't require that much. It just requires a telephone connection that can just barely hang on. So that's all you need. It's very good to use when you're driving. And I recommend it. And it has unlimited, well I shouldn't say unlimited, but more than we'll ever need lines into it. So it'll never be busy. And you can't call into this show using that number. If you call that, you're not going to reach me, but you will hear the show, either the recorded show or the live show. 712-775-8162. And just click on the radio button near the top of the PokerFrodler.com screen, and you will see all the phone numbers that I have told you about, just in case you don't remember any of them. So here's the agenda, and then we will... uh, I'll give you a little update on what's going on with Brandy from Real Grinders, or formerly of Real Grinders, and then we'll get into the interview with Mark Klang at 8.30. Uh, In addition to those two topics, we're going to talk about the Aruba Poker Players Championship lawsuit where they didn't pay the majority of the money owed to the top seven finishers. You know, these people won a live tournament and did not get paid. There is a lawsuit going on. Another casino has been named in the lawsuit, the Tampa Bay Downs. So we'll talk about that. Tom McAvoy, 1983 World Series main event champion and really the all-time champion in exploiting one tournament victory for endless promotional opportunities. I mean, this guy has made so much money off that one win from 20 years before the poker boom. It's it's impressive. I mean, I, I don't know how he did it, but this guy really without winning anything else during the poker boom, made a lot of money through various promotions of himself. 
But I, I guess the good times are over because Tom McAvoy, and he's verified this, this is not rumor, has put his World Series of Poker main event bracelet up for sale. That's pretty harsh. Who buys that stuff? I wondered that, too. I wondered that, too. Though it's not a very high price, so we'll we'll get to that. But, yeah, I do kind of wonder, why would someone want to buy a World Series of Poker bracelet that they did not win? Yeah, it only has meaning if you actually won it, unless you're just looking at the pure value of the thing or... Right. You've got a, like a poker museum or something, I guess. I don't yeah, know. Like, like my bracelet, it, it has a lot of value to me, but that's because it represents a tournament I actually won. But right. somebody else's bracelet, I, I wouldn't find very valuable. Plus, how douchey would it be if you like bought the bracelet and then started wearing it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what tournament did you win? You go, uh, the, 1983, yeah. the 1983 main event. But, but wait a minute, aren't you 35 years old? How did you play in 1983? I, I, just looked, I looked old for my age. They didn't ask any questions. I mean, seriously. That's fucking terrible. Another heads-up grudge match. This seems to be a big thing in 2017. We, we have uh, the one planned with Kate Hall and uh, Mike Dentali. Now we have a second one that's uh, coming across the pike in February, supposedly. William Kasuf and Stacey Madison. This is a grudge match over a uh, televised hand that was very controversial from the World Series this year. Oh, so, my God. Yeah, that's what I thought when I read it. Uh, Antigua, if you want to get pirated music, software, or movies, we've talked about this before, but there's a little new news about it. Antigua is reiterating their threat that if by the time Obama leaves office, which is in two days, that they don't get paid their $21 million the U.S. owes them over a World Trade Organization gambling-related judgment, that Antigua is going to start pirating U.S. Music, software, and movies in order to collect it that way. So maybe if you want to get that stuff, you need to look no further than the country of Antigua. Poker Fraud Alert, uh, a Poker Fraud Alert listener texted me his perspective on his visit to the Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure in the Bahamas. We also had a former co-host go there, Brandon Russell Gerson. He was there. But we're going to I'm going to li- read what the listener had to say about it because I thought this was pretty interesting what his perspectives were. And this was, I think it was this guy's, uh, I think he had been there before. I'll, I'll read it again. I, hey, kept... Drew, when you get a chance, check the link that I sent you in Skype, too. There's apparently a really nasty case of uh, bed bugs that broke out down Ooh. at the PC, at the Atlantis Hotel down there. That is not good. You know, I, I don't always say I'm the luckiest person. A lot of times I get the feeling like I just run bad with a lot of Is Brandon things. okay? Have you talked to him? Yeah, he's okay. He's okay. He wasn't eaten by the bed bugs. Take a look at that link. I put it in the uh, chat, too. It's yeah, I'll, horrible. I'll, I'll, I'll take a look. But uh, yeah, I, I've never had bed bugs ever. I've gone to a lot of hotels. I've never once gotten bed bugs. And I, I I've think seen them. Like, I, I know what to look for because I used to travel all over the place. And you got to look at the sheets and the mattress and look for, like, it's almost like a, a body outline. You look for, like, little. No, I'm serious. You look for, like, little blood stains. Oh. Uh, in the mattress or on the sheets. Interesting. And I've I've checked. I've not gone to a number of hostels and even hotels that I found that in when I checked them. The sad thing is that bed bugs are not even related directly to the cleanliness of the property. However, they, they are related to the property's uh, proper action once they are found. So, a, a property that isn't very clean is also probably one that isn't taking the right actions to rid it of the bed bugs. So that's why 
a lot of times people associate bed bugs with dirty properties, but that's not even true. So it can no, be- it breaks out everywhere, including the Atlantis. Check that out. I mean, it's nasty. I, I mean, that would be so crappy to just wake up and you just have these bites all over you and then then you have to worry about your clothes are they in your clothes you know you should just burn your clothes when you get home <laughs> well and they it it itches like a bitch too i mean it's nasty yeah yeah that's what i mean like it's just it's it, it's horrible we had a guy on here once that got them in in harris uh in lenox city and he mm. told his story and and then he was trying to you know he made a complaint to them about what he you know he wanted some kind of settlement i told him to shoot for 750 750 is the magic number by the way with uh with Caesar's properties, if they, if there's ever kind of some kind of small thing that happens where you feel they owe you something, but it's not like going to be like a major thing, seven fifty is like the magic number to where it gets beyond seven fifty, then they have to go through a lot of stuff like with lawyers and all this other crap. Uh, up to seven fifty, their insurance tends to kick out the money pretty pretty easily. So that's that's a tip for you. If there's ever something where you feel like they owe you somewhere around like five hundred to a thousand dollars, ask for seven fifty. Because that's that's the magic number with them. I, I know this from one of my experiences and experiences that uh, friends of mine have had, and it always seems to land on seven fifty. This guy got five hundred, I think, and I told him he should have pressed for seven fifty, and he agreed. He said that he said they agreed to the five hundred too quickly. <laughs> so uh, we also have another topic. Uh, I hate when Poker Fraud Alert breaks a story, even if it isn't me breaking it, but one of our uh, four members breaks a, a story and we get credit for it and then it turns out the story's not true. And that's what happened, sort of. Uh, Forum Wars, who's a very, very good contributor to the site and the show, found, yeah, that, he's awesome. found that Borgata chip counterfeiter Christian Lusardi was released in July. That he was out of prison. And which we hmm. couldn't believe, but that was just uh, it was like a miscarriage of justice that after what he did in that tournament and just corrupted the whole tournament. And he had been convicted also of pirating DVDs that between those two things, he was convicted of both. How could he be out so fast? Well, it turned out that wasn't true. I don't blame forum wars because it looked like it was true from the research he did, but it it was misleading information that was out there. And uh, we have the true information, but I will give it to you. And Christian Lusardi is indeed still behind bars. So that's, that's our agenda tonight. You never know what else will come up. So before we get to the interview with Mark Klang, I want to give a little update about Brandy and Real Grinders, because uh, that was a big topic last week for about two hours, and we had three different people on, including Ray Davis, Alan Kessler, and Steve Fox. And there were a lot of accusations going around about this girl. Uh, Brandy was a blogger for Real Grinders. She also ran a contest on there in November to win a date with her. She uh, she also supposedly got into a major auto accident in early December, was supposedly in a coma, uh, and then got out of the coma, had two surgeries, and then somehow found the energy in early January to travel around the world playing poker, including Macau and, and China. I guess China's also Macau, but... Uh, and uh, Russia, and I think one other place, I, 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 Hong Kong, I, I don't remember, Wh- whatever. Uh, so there were a lot of doubts about Brandy's stories, and I even heard rumors, that this was brought to me like in the afternoon of radio last Thursday, that Brandy had faked the auto accident and that she was collecting money to pay her medical bills. I'm like, oh, I've heard this one before. 
This is the old hospital scam where someone on the Internet who establishes close friendships or even relationships with people just to have a supposed major accident or major illness, and then they claim they need money to pay the hospital bill, and then these suckers send it, and the person makes out, and of course they were never in the hospital in the first place. So I thought it was something like that. It just seemed to follow the script. And between that and some other things that had already been uncovered, such as the fact that she had posted a picture of, of the plane she was leaving on, like a, a luxury photo, a, a photo of like a luxury plane that she was leaving on to fly to Macau, and it was later proven that that picture, it was said it came from Kylie Jenner's Instagram, but it turned out it wasn't. It was actually just from like a stock photo on Twitter. But still, it was proven to be a phony picture. So between that and some other things, it like looked like her entire story about everything was fake. And there may have been a scam. So as we went through the interviews with Raymond Davis, who owns the Real Grinders site, realgrinders.com, Steve Fox, who works there with Alan Kessler, who's a featured pro there and is, has been friends with Brandy for quite some time. Brandy, by the way, is uh, 29 years old, pretty girl who lives in Colorado. And she's real. Some people are saying, oh, it's a catfish. It's really Raymond Davis. No. I, I verified 100% Brandy's a real person, and she was the one operating these accounts. So there's, there's no question about that. There's still a lot of questions in my mind about this, but there's no question that Brandy is real and was the one behind whatever did or did not happen. So anyway, that's where we were last week, and we had the interviews. And by the time the interviews were over, I, I already learned some new things. First of all, nobody could point to any evidence that Brandy had solicited money or received money from anyone. And in fact, there seemed to be some evidence that she had given money to people, you know, that she, she had bought some presents for people. She would, you know, it wasn't a lot of money, but that if anything, she was generous with people and not asking anyone for money. And no one was putting her in tournaments as far as I know. Like there was no, there seemed to be no money angle to it. And some people said, well, what about a long con? And I said, well, that's possible, but uh, there's no evidence that there's any kind of scamming going on or that a scam was planned. I mean, you, you can speculate and say, oh, maybe that's what was happening, but we had no evidence of that. So I pretty much had to throw that out and say, you know, I, I can't see any evidence that any kind of scam or money angle existed in this. And if you guys remember, five years ago, we had something kind of similar with a girl who went by Peachy Murr that was found to have lied about a lot of things and could have gotten some pros that she got very close to for a whole lot of money. I mean, Peachy Murr could have scammed for like hundreds of thousands if she wanted to, but she never scammed a dollar because it wasn't about money with her. I determined with Peachy Murr it was just about like loneliness. and She just liked attention. So now back to the present with Brandy, it didn't appear to be about money. So then the question is, well, what about the auto accident? That's a tougher one. You know, she said she was in an accident. She claimed she traveled shortly after the accident, which seemed kind of doubtful. But what if the auto accident was real and the travel was fake? You know, like, there's a, there's a lot of different possibilities. So I, I tried to figure this out, and I was not really getting anywhere. I was getting a lot of people coming to me. A lot of people came out of the woodwork. I mean, I can't tell you how many people messaged me on Facebook on the text phone number for this radio show, email. I got so many contacts from people, that uh, most of whom I didn't even know, who wanted to tell me various things about Brandy. Most of whom didn't like her very much for some reason or another. And I even had some listeners of this show who have been listening for a long time that live in Colorado that knew of her 
and that wanted to talk to me about her. Like, everyone came out of the woodwork wanted to talk to me about Brandy. So on Saturday, I, I realized something. We had the show on Thursday. On Saturday, I realized, hey, I never actually made an effort to contact Brandy myself. And the reason I didn't was everyone told me that she just you know, disappeared and isn't answering anyone. So I just took their word for it and didn't try. But on Saturday, I said I should try. So on Saturday, I, I messaged Brandy on Facebook, and surprisingly, I got a response. And at first, the response was hostile, and she's demanding I take the thread down, and you know that I'm telling you know, the thread is inaccurate. And so it started out kind of moderately hostile, but it got better as we talked. And I said, look, I'm not... I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm just trying to find out the truth. I'm not against you. I'm not for the other side. I'm not for anyone. I'm not against anyone. I just, I just want to figure it out because it's interesting. Well, Trev, that, that's, that's how most of your relationships with the women start out anyway, right? <laughs> yeah. They start out moderately hostile and then get a little bit better as time goes on. You know, that's actually true. That's, actually, <laughs> that's, that's a sad thing. That's actually happened a lot. That's actually true. But, but anyway, uh, she eventually got... Uh, more trusting of me and, and, and less hostile. And she sent me some things that were, you know, about about the hospital stay and, and about the travel. And I, I'll be honest, I haven't t- had time this week to go verify these because some of these things are pretty tough to verify. But what she sent me, at least as far as the accident is concerned, uh, it was either real or a very, very good forgery. And yeah, people can forge anything. People can forge any records they want. I could, I could probably make some pretty good and convincing hospital records and claim I was in a terrible accident and send it to you, and you might be able to believe it. But this was pretty good. Like this was, this was better than if I had made a fake one. This is better than I could do. So, unless she had like a template she was working from, where she maybe she was in the hospital you know, many months ago and then just modified it to be December. But I saw a lot of things on on these papers that that I was sent that really made it look real and authentic and not even like a modified one from months ago. So I'm not sure. I haven't verified it. But surprisingly, the accident, it kind of looks real to me, but I have not verified it happened. So that's, and again, this came from her, so that's, you know, that's another (laughs) factor where you could say, well, maybe she's, you know, she sent it to you knowing that you'll believe it and that she falsified something really well. And that's possible. I don't know. Uh, As far as the travel, there are definitely some lies with that. Uh, I got her to ad- admit that the picture that she posted of, of Russia Red Square was, you know, Moscow's Red Square was fake. It was from Prague. So, <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know why. Well, she what did... about the one from that she ripped off from Kylie Jenner's well, Instagram? Well, it wasn't really whatever. Kylie Jenner. It was actually the, a Twitter stock photo from November. But, but yeah, she admitted that was fake too. So there's, <laughs> uh, there, there was some. That, that's the funny thing here. There's like some lies sprinkled in with all this stuff. Like, like I know for sure there were some lies involving the travel, and and so. It's funny because we're, when you talk to Brandy, it's it's always hard to tell with her uh, where the truth ends and the fantasy begins. Okay, like it's it's kind of a hard thing to determine, and but at the same time, I, I kind of deter. I think I don't know her very well, but from what I have seen and what I've, I've just been looking into over the past week with this story, I can't find anything like terrible that she did. Uh, did she tell some lies? Yes, for sure. Uh, did she mislead some people? Yes. But, uh, like, look at all the big scams we have in poker. This this is pretty minor. Like, I, someone posted a summary. Someone asked in the Poker Fraud Alert thread after last week's show, hey, what's this whole story about this Brandy girl? Can you give me a summary really quickly? And one of our listeners 
said the summary is there's a girl named Brandy, there's Alan Kessler, there's Raymond Davis, no one got scammed and no one got laid. <laughs> and, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No one got scammed and no one got laid. And Raymond Davis said he had a crush on her. Alan Kessler didn't say that, but I think there's a good chance he does. A- anyway, uh, th- the point is here that I, I don't I think... I thought he... Ray, David, Ray Davis, didn't he say that Kessler didn't like girls? He said that, but I don't believe that. I've, I've heard otherwise. I don't so, believe that either. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how many girls Kessler's been with, but I, I don't think he's gay or asexual. I'd be very surprised if either of those were, were true. So, anyway, I, I think this has become... Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting story. It involves a pretty girl and and, and, a, and a bunch of people, you know, that, that uh, on this real grinder site that are angry and and a, and an, a bad accident and travel all over the world and lies and so so yeah. Of course, it's an interesting story, but when it comes down to it, I said, you know what? This whole thing's actually kind of minor. This actually isn't that big of a story. It sounded like it was big, but it's actually kind of just minor, stupid BS. And so. I, I'll be honest, I've kind of lost interest in even investigating it because, like, what am I going to find? Like, what, what if I prove she completely lied about the travel? Okay. So, hey, so, I mean, Drop, this sounds like getting in the middle of, you know, some kind of teenage melodrama. That's what I feel like. like you know I, what I mean? That's it's that's just, it's going to end up being just dumb shit. That, that's what I feel like. I feel like if I prove anything, it's just going to be stupid crap that doesn't matter. So, so, right. so why right. am I bothering? So, okay, so here's, here's some stuff that actually does matter. And we're going we're gonna to put him on the phone. This is uh, Mark Klang I'm going to put on. And he is alleging, not that a girl lied about traveling to Macau or posted a, a picture of an airplane that she wasn't really on, but that Mark Klang is accusing John Reisner, who was uh, at the World Series main event final table. And he's, he's the one that chews the gum, right? Yeah. Him and four others scammed him out of $500,000. <laughs> and we're going to put him on. And... Uh, he came to me. He wants. I told. I mentioned before. He actually wanted to be on this show, and I'll tell you something. And I, I don't mind saying this because Lyman's kind of a jerk. Uh, he said people said the Lyman interview sucked. I didn't hear it, so I, I can't say it sucked. But people are saying the Lyman interview sucked. So if that's true, uh, I didn't hear it either. If, so. if that's true, then it's good because we have a low bar here. This way, this this interview can be like average and it'll be great compared to Lyman. So that that's good. If like if Lyman's interview killed it, then we would have a very tough act to follow. I don't know. I don't know why it allegedly sucked, but I was told it sucked. So. Uh oh. Uh oh. Turn off the radio there. Turn off the radio, Mark. Hey. Yep, I got a show. Sorry about that. All right, no problem. No problem. So, Mark Clank, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, and uh, this is a story that a lot of people I know have wanted to hear. A lot of people have messaged me today saying that they are. Very much looking forward to this segment tonight and are not going to miss the show because you are going to be on. And uh, so we're very happy to have you on here and always happy to have anybody on here who has been scammed or screwed over in any way, either in poker or in gambling of any sort, if a casino screws you, whatever it is. If you've got something that you want to get out to the world in poker or gambling that uh, where you got screwed by someone or something, then come on this show. I'll always give you a voice. And, of course, uh, the other side will always have a voice. Anyone who is accused is welcome to come on here and rebut what is claimed about them. I want everyone to be able to give their side at all times. But the most important thing is that this information gets out there so everybody can draw their own conclusions and everybody knows who to watch out for uh, when 
dealing with certain people in the poker community, many of whom are not very honest or trustworthy individuals. So you came to me and said you wanted to tell your story. And I'll tell you, I read your story that you posted on 2 Plus 2 about this alleged scam of $500,000. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a dumb guy, and I'm pretty good at, at reading complicated stories and digesting them and figuring out what happened. But I have to say that you know, reading your story there, I was very confused by the time I got through it. I, I understood the basic gist of it, and I understood you know, a lot of the details, but a lot of it I, I found very confusing. So I'm hoping that tonight on this interview, sure. at the very least, that uh, the listener will get a very good idea of everything that happened, every person that was involved, what what their parts were. And again, if any of the people who are named of, by Mark here tonight want to come on and give their side of it or want to send me a statement that I'll post or read on this show, uh, I'm, I'm happy to do that as well. Everybody gets their side. I, I'm not friends with Mark here. I, I He's met me before, and he's actually played poker with me before, but he, he's not my friend. It's just, he's just an acquaintance as... Uh, you know, I, I really don't have any closeness to anyone in this story, so I just uh, am giving you the, the forum to do this, and I, I think it's a very interesting story, and I, I think it has merit from what I'm reading. If I had to fathom a guess as to whether you're telling the truth, I would say yes, From and that's what most people I know also believe regarding everything you posted. So, um, so you, you're a self-described degenerate, is that correct? Yeah, I mean that's that's a fair word to use. Yeah, so so you uh, you, you do a lot of a lot of gambling. You, uh, you 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 use a lot of drugs. Have where where does your money come from? Are you rich or you just you just gamble every penny you get, or both? No, no, I uh, I've worked. You know, so although I have like this kind of like you know online persona and like I love to get wild and crazy, like uh, I'm an accountant by trade. Uh, so before this, I had, you know, a six-figure year job as the controller uh, of a company here in Tampa, you know, a big company. Um, I've had several small businesses, you know, that I've kind of ran, uh, like a monthly subscription business, uh, residential cleaning company. I did accounting and taxes on the side. And then the rest is just from poker. You know, I'll, I'll have zero disposable income for three or four months, and then I'll get back in the game, and, you know, I'll run it up to 100 k and you know, that'll last me some period of time and then I'll dust that off, you know, just a cycle of, you know, uh, I guess you could call it kind of like a, a wreck whale, wreck fish type thing, you know, where uh, when they sit in the game, it's, it's the, I know, you know, I go there and I drink and, you know, so I can't stand and need a ride home. So, I mean, it is what it is, you know, if I play sober, I could beat the game, but that's not the case the majority of the time. So, yeah, you know, the money, it's not like I'm rich or I have a trust fund or anything like that. Uh, you know, I basically just get in action when I have money and I sit home when I don't. Okay. I understand. Yeah, there's a lot of people, they, you know, when they have money, they, they don't have the mindset, hey, I better save this for the future. They just go, oh, I have money. Let me spend it. Let me gamble it, whatever. So that that's pretty much you. Yeah, exactly. My my biggest problem is holding on to money. It's not making it. To me, making money is extremely easy. Um, it's holding on to it that uh, that becomes the problem. Now, now you're th- you're like 30 years old, right? Yep, I'll be 31 uh, in a month. Okay, so uh, so now you ended up gambling. The, the whole, this whole story is about a private casino situation where it was like casino gambling that was occurring in someone's home. But 
Tell us what led you to have to do that, Where, you know, why you had to gamble in a private home versus in a regular casino. Sure. Well, we're here in Florida uh, for first. So the only place where there's regulated blackjack is at uh, some of the hard rock properties. There's one here in Tampa and one in Hollywood. And uh, I actually self-banned myself uh, from all hard rock properties for life, uh, I think in 2014. So can't go there and play blackjack. I mean, I've done it, you know, several times, maybe even a hundred times since then, but obviously it's a losing proposition. You know, I can't use a player's card. I can't bet over a certain amount. I can't buy in for over 500,000, you know, and, and so they, you know, just sit there and wait. If I ever win money, they come over, you know, they score me out. It's almost like a, a running joke. You know, I played that for so long and everybody knows me. Um, well, you know, I'm, I can't I'm, just walk I'm, in I'm, there. I'm you confused. Know, what, why, do, they, why, they kick me out. Why do you get kicked out for playing? I'm not, I'm not quite getting that. Uh, I did a self-exclusion. Oh, okay, the self-exclusion. Okay, you so, know, I, I myself. Yeah. So, so how, how do you play at all with a self-exclusion? Well, that's the thing. I mean, technically, I can't. So, like, I go there like an idiot sometimes, oh, and, I you know, I, I don't use the player's card, and I just try to buy in for, like, you know, a 1000 or less cash and bet 200 or less, like, I see. I see. The most retarded thing in the world. I, I see. You, you try you to know. fly. You try to fly under the radar and and, and play through your self exclusion. So the funny thing is, so you actually Correct. you put this. Unlike most people who've gotten banned from a casino and can't play, you banned yourself, and then you try to circumvent your own ban, and they try to stop you. <laughs> so okay, I mean it's 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 kind of funny. It was kind of not, but okay. So so you, I guess you got tired of going through all that, and also you can't bet very high limits, or you attract attention, and they kick you out. So. So this led you to have to play blackjack uh, in an unlicensed uh, home casino. Is that correct? Yeah. So the guys, you know, that this is involved with, we play a, a private game. It's called a private game, but it's at the casino uh, at Derby Lane at a card room. You know, we play a, a five, ten, and a quarter game. And, you know, some of these guys are in it. And I bet sports through Paul. He's, he's a well-known bookie in the area. Um, so he pretty much gives me action on whatever I want. You know, he'll flip with me if I want flips. We'll play OFC if I want OFC. You know, basically whatever, you know, the fish says, you know, that's what we play. Um, and so for like the, a few weeks leading up to this, you know, we started, we were playing OFC, but that's still, you know, it's not really action, you know, and, and it's slow and stuff like that. So, you know, they basically would always say when I brought up Blackjack, let's go, buddy. You know, we'll book it anytime. We'll go to our house. And we'll play, you know, we'll get it going. So finally, after like three, four weeks of this one day, we were just at the table. And I was like, are we going to do this? Like, yeah, we'll do it. So we went on Amazon. We ordered the stuff. And, uh, you know, the next day, we picked it up uh, on the way to work, uh, after work, on the way to his house, and go to Zima's house and start playing. Okay, so let me let me stop you here. So so you were playing open-faced Chinese with, with some guys at at the casino. And, and you know, it came up that you'd like to play blackjack and, and have one of them book it and have it run it, run it from their house. So someone, was it you ordered Amazon, things from Amazon, like gambling equipment, cards and chips and all that. So you, you ordered the stuff for the game from Amazon. Is that true? You, you ordered it? Correct. I have Amazon Prime, so we went. Zima already had chips, so I ordered uh, like that cheap green felt, you know, that they put down. Yeah. And then uh, a 12 decks of cards and then uh, a clear acrylic shoe. Uh, you know, it's been posted online. They saw the pictures of it that uh, that you can use for that. We actually wound up not even opening the felt. It's probably still sitting at his house somewhere. Okay, so um, you... The cards we opened 
the box and they were like so cheap paper thin it was like 50 cents or 45 cents a deck they were so bad we couldn't even use them so we wound up using he had actually stopped on the way home that day too and uh picked up cards he didn't realize i already ordered all the stuff um amazon prime comes the same day so we wound up using the cards he had so the only thing we actually used that i ordered was uh the acrylic shoe okay so so to get the listener up to speed um, can you tell, you, you've named a few people here and some people aren't familiar with who these guys are. So, so tell us, uh, slowly who the people involved are. So the, whose house was this at? Sure. Uh, the first session, uh, is at Paul's house. That's Paul Dugazima. He goes by Zima 421 online. Um, a well-known backer, um, you know, and almost like the moral police, if you will, on two plus two. Uh, then the, the, the other three sessions were at John Reisner's house. Uh, who was the runner-up at the 2010 World Series of Poker? Uh, I think you got one of the co-hosts mentioned earlier, the chewing gum guy. Um, and then the three other guys that are all poker pros but uh, less known are Justin Zaki, uh, Philip Kavan, and uh, Anthony Keshish. Yeah, what, what's funny is that I that main event he finished second. I was 88th there, so I wasn't that far from uh, playing with him for. A whole lot of uh, whole lot of money, but I, he he was never at my table. Truff, truff, truff. Yes, come on, let's be truthful. Eighty eighth is pretty far from second in a poker. Well, I'm, not say, I'm, not, I'm not saying we have. I'm not come saying on. we had similar results, but it was eighty eight out of seventy three hundred people. So I, you know, uh, we both got very deep in that. Okay. Anyway, they, they were in the same room together. <laughs> Thank you, Trader. <laughs> okay. Okay. So look at this. I mentioned eighty eighth, and the co-host attacked me. Okay. So. Um, <laughs> So, so okay, let's let's go on here. So so most of the games were at Raisner's house. You said the first one was at Zima's house, and you mentioned that Zima uh, that he considers himself kind of like the moral police of two plus two. He's always calling people out for wrongdoing and things like that, and that's what has made some people, especially, take note that of all people being accused of of cheating someone, that for Zima to be one of them, it's pretty amazing. And uh, not like they don't believe it, but wow, like the guy who's always talking about others and their moral failings. It may have had a huge failing of his own. Uh, now, I last I had seen, I have to admit that I haven't read the thread recently, but last I had seen, he had not responded in the thread, but people saw that he was reading it. So has he responded to any of your accusations? Yeah, we're going to get to these accusations shortly, but ha- has Zima even answered yet to any, publicly to anything? No, there's been no. Uh, from him or any of them, they've all made their Twitter private as far as I could see, um, lost their sponsorships from the Hard Rock, but no posts anywhere, hmm. no response to phone calls or texts. Wow. Okay. Um, you know, they're going about their lives. Uh, four of them were at Derby Lane playing cards yesterday. Zima's there right now playing cards. Wow. Um, so they're just kind of, you know, I, I guess ignoring it. I really don't know what their thought process is. I would love to know. Yeah, so, so that's... We're going to get to the accusation shortly, but I just want to say in general, not necessarily about this one, but in general, when there's a very serious accusation levied publicly against someone, if the person who is accused refuses to respond to the public accusation that makes them look really bad, if they just refuse to answer and, and seem to be avoiding it, I can't think of even one situation in poker where this happened and the person who was accused turned out to be wrongfully accused. I've never never seen it where the person who's kind of hiding from the story, it turns out they were innocent and just hiding because they just didn't feel like answering. I've never seen that once. So the fact that they are hiding from this 
and Zima was seen. It's a fact he was seen, at least his account was seen, reading 2 plus 2 and the specific thread that you posted about this uh, for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. So so it can't even be said, well, maybe he's doing something else, maybe he just hasn't seen it. Uh, if he's reading this much and hasn't given even one answer, even like a one-sentence one answer saying this is incorrect, uh, a statement will follow. Like To give no answer at this point, to me, kind of looks like, yeah, we know we, we screwed up here. Now we're trying to figure out what to say. We don't know what we're going to say yet, so we're just going to you know, hide out for a while and hope this goes away. So why don't you tell and me... And for Zima, for Zima not to comment on 2 plus 2, <laughs> you know something's right, up. Right, right. I mean, that's, I mean, like, like, the guy is not shy about commenting on right, it. Right, and I like, think if I was accused of scamming someone out of 500000 you think I'd just like, not answer it? Like if, it, if it's like a major story all over poker that I scammed someone for five hundred k, Could you ever see me... like? Saying, yeah, I'm just not going to answer this. I'm just going to say nothing. Just pretend it's not happening. Like no one would do that because people assume it's true if you don't answer. If if long time passed and you don't answer, people assume it's true. And he knows that. Raisner knows. Like they all know that. So by not responding, I think the only reason they would not respond is if responding will make it even worse because they don't really have a good answer. So so anyway, let's let's get it to what happened because we haven't described that yet on this show. So. T- tell me the way the uh, the the blackjack went over there. Tell tell me how this started and 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 how it escalated. Sure. So uh, the first time we played, uh, my buddy and I went over to Paul's house. We we played over there. Um, lasted you know a couple hours, two three hours maybe, and uh, busted the whole ten k I brought with me. Uh, got five hundred more from the ATM downstairs busted that and i think i even borrowed a thousand from him on credit and busted that so or maybe 15 because i thought the total number lost that first time was 12k um he was he got a good laugh about it you know i had a chance to run it up at one point but never got there and uh we kind of made it almost like a casino like i started looking around his house telling him you know uh, the casino gives me back about 35 and a half percent but like what am i going to get for comps so just started looking around his house, like jokingly, like, you know, what can I have from here? And got a brand new pair of sandals, got a, a bottle of Louis the 13th with about four shots left in it. And, uh, and I think a hoodie. So that was like our little comp system. And then, uh, we played again next time and I beat him for 10,000, uh, in less than a shoe. So he paid me right there and then actually drove me back to the casino. And then, uh, the next time is really when it, when it all escalated. Uh, up until this point, uh, it had only been his action, uh, so I thought. The first time, all his. The second time, on the drive back to the casino, he told me he had a partner. So he was like, I'm not even worried about this 10K because, you know, it wasn't even all mine. Wouldn't tell me who it was, anything like that. You know, he paid, he paid me all the money right there. So, you know, it's not my fault. He sold off, you know, some of it. Uh, the next time's where it gets tricky. We play, and uh, Justin Zaki's there. Me, Justin, and Paul go out for lunch. And uh, at lunch, Justin is like, you know, I'm going to be watching this. Can I buy 10%? You know, speaking of Paul. So Paul sells him a 10 ball. Uh, we go to Paul's house, start playing. Phil shows up at this point. And, uh, you know, the night goes crazy, but I wind up winning 84K for the night. And uh, about halfway through, you know, Phil goes from cheering me on <laughs> and, like, you know, rooting with me. And I'm thinking, all right, cool. He just wants to see me stuff it to these guys. So I went one huge double down for like 10K and I just saw it in his face and he laid down on the couch. I'm like, damn, man, like you're acting like you have a piece of this. And then like all the other guys start laughing and he thinks I'm needling him. 
he did turn out to have 10%. He texted and asked for it, and I didn't even know that. So I was, like, needling the guy. It was great. So, so uh, um, let's stop. When he, hang on, hang on. Let, let's stop here for a second. Uh, so, so you said that uh, Phil had uh, – Phil had uh, 10% of this and was pretending he didn't. Do you know what the other percentages the other four guys yeah. had in this whole thing? Uh, so it, it seems like it changed and it got different over time. But from what I, from what they told me and what it looks like the final time is, and, and I definitely know Phil and Justin each had 10. The other ones is where it gets tricky because as far as I'm concerned, you know, Paul had the other 80%. I never even knew about this guy, Anthony, until two days after this. Um, but this session, as far as I could tell, uh, it was Justin and Phil each had 10%, and then Paul and Raystar had the balance, which would be 40% each. Um, so the, the fourth guy, Anthony, the starfish guy, uh, I, as far as I know, is wasn't even involved until this next session uh, when I showed up to Raystar's house, and he was there. And then apparently now somehow he has thirty percent, and uh, the the other guys each have twenty. Okay, so so you you won eighty four k, and uh, what were you, what were the limits you were betting towards the end when you were pressing it like like five k per hand or something? Uh yeah, I had a five k cap that first night. Okay, so so that was the max they were letting you bet is five k, and and you were betting five k sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And you know, there was one hand towards the end where I got 15 out there. I think it was a split with a double, uh, and I won that. And uh, so I actually had ran it up to about 50 at first, busted, you know, completely, and then borrowed back four from Paul with 10% juice, how nice of them, and then 1000 from each uh, Phil and Justin. Um, money, which I had owed all of them the same amount before that day started, to pay them back. That's kind of like my credit limit. Uh, with all of them, with Paul, I have a 4K credit limit, and with uh, Zima, uh, excuse me, with Zaki and Phil, I have a 1K credit limit. So, so you so borrowed the 6K back and ran it up to, to 84. Yeah, 84 total profit. So, like my my initial buying back, because I went there after I paid everyone back, I had like eight or 10K cash plus a cashier's check made out to Zima. So I think I was in the game for like 22. And so I made 84, you know, total profit for the day after getting everything back, paying everyone back. My total, total uh, net profit for the day was 84. Okay, so so at this point you're up 84. Now, uh, how much did they give you of this 84? How much did you walk out with? Well, he they he gives me back all my buy-in money, and then like an additional, it was between 20 and 30. Um, Zima gives me. And then as we're about to leave, he asks Phil, who uh, he stakes, if he has any cash on him because he's going to go gamble at a, another private game with one of the bigger whales in town uh, and needs cash. Uh, and before Phil could even answer, I just turned around and said, here, just take all this back um, and give it to me tomorrow. I'm going out partying and drinking right now. I don't need to have all this cash on me. So, so, wait so, so, they, so, they, so, so, so they paid you like 25k, and then you uh, they needed money to go to a private game. You actually uh, loaned them the 25k. Just gave, <laughs> yeah, just gave it right back to them, you know, and didn't think anything of it. I mean, that's why this story seems so absurd to everyone else. But like, to me, my answer is always the same. Like, it's Paul. It's it's Zima for it's Paul Dugu Zima. Like. There, that money is like gold, you know? So, so you just figured, there, there's, even, no, you figured you know, there's no way he was going to screw you, so it, it didn't matter. You're sure you're going to get it back. 
Yeah, I mean, the guy's paid me out 30K, no problem, on sports bets the next day. Like, I mean, I've seen him pay out 100 and get paid 100. Like, I, you know, I well, play yeah, in this I, world. It, I, I can it, understand that. Never and, you know, a problem. Be, being part of the high-stakes uh, poker world myself, uh, I, I saw bigger figures change hands or someone agrees to uh, for, for the other, even with people who are not very respected people. So I can, I can actually understand, despite the laugh track I played, I, I can actually understand... Yeah. Uh, in in hindsight, if this is someone with a good reputation that hadn't screwed anybody that dealt, you've seen deal with large sums before, and and, and always seem to uh, do so with that problem, that that if they just wanted to borrow twenty five k from you, that that you could trust them to pay it back to you. So I, I, as strange as that sounds to the audience, uh, and and of course in hindsight with what happened, it sounds even worse. Uh, this I don't see that as that unreasonable. So you so you gave him back the whatever between twenty and thirty k. So so you basically left with no money other than what you came with. I came with yeah, and and actually and in fairness to them, when we started on Friday, you know, as soon as I walked in the door, he handed me back that entire amount in chips. You know, before we even started. Well, in chips, um, not, but not in. So uh, at that point, you know. Well, hold, he gave it to you in chips. Well, though, not, well, not, in our no, not not in home game chips. In in our casino chips. Oh, okay. You know in, the, in the game that we play. Okay, okay, okay. Basically cash. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you got that. You got that money back in 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 uh, in licensed casino chips, and then. Uh, Correct. So so that, so this was at the Racer game. So so why did the game move to Racer's house? Um, I think just because it's closer to the the uh, dog track that we play at. One and two, like they kind of thought it was a joke to like unveil to me who this secret partner was, because like after that first night when I run it through them for eighty four, you know he's like whatever, no big deal. I didn't have all of it, you know, but he still doesn't tell me who it is. He's like almost making it a game. So like those texts, I don't know if you were able to see any of the Snapchats and YouTube videos I posted with some of this evidence, like where it says like he would he would say to me, you know, like forty two k for me and forty four for my friend. Like Zemo would text me. That's how, like, we keep track of all the numbers just through text. So, like, you know, he was still showing how he was responsible for all of it, but, you know, half would come from him and half from this mystery friend. So I think it was, like, almost a game to them or, like, a joke. I don't really know why, but to, like, give me this random address that I didn't know and me show up, and then it was John's, you know, big house, and John opens the door like, surprise, it's me, I'm the partner. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what, what effect they were trying to have, but – it didn't make a difference to me except for that. I just wanted to beat him more now. <laughs> yeah, okay. So and before we get to this, this Raisner game, the 84K you won in blackjack, and I know this. I'm even a card counter in blackjack, so I, I know blackjack pretty well. And uh, I, I know if it, just as a regular degenerate player, you can go on hot runs, mm-hmm. but if you play long enough, the, the odds against you are going to eat you up. So how, how long did you play, and even if you could estimate how many hands you played, to, to win this 84K? How how long did it take to do this? Because that's when I read this, I'm thinking, wow, this must have really been an incredible run in blackjack to just keep running up, 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 up without counting cards or anything like that. Sure. Well, the, the losing part, you know, the beginning, the up-down swings, that rebuying, borrowing, that was, you know, the bulk of it. That probably took maybe three, four hours. Um, you know, to, to lose all the money, run it up originally, lose, borrow, you know, get back towards even. But from like getting even to that point to blasting up plus 84 was maybe a shoe and a half, you know, we're, okay. we're using either six or eight decks. Yeah, so, mean, you know, it was kind of like, then, you know, break even, you know, choppy, 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 and then just choom, to the moon, you know, where it's 5k, 5k, double 5k, 5k, yeah, split, I can, five, I can, I can you know, like that. table. Yeah. 
Packers win, you know, seven in a row. No, I, I, I can see that because uh, it's, it's, it's very easy to run up that type of money playing, fi- you know, betting 5K, then, yeah, you can get up to 84 really easily. So, okay, I'm just curious. So, so okay, so you, you showed up at the Racer game. Sure. And uh, so, so you started playing there, and, and, and what happened in that game? Yeah, so the, we played at, at uh, Paul's house on a Wednesday. Thursday was a Jewish holiday. We took off Friday is uh, when we started this, you know, kind of adventure. And uh, we play there. We get there. And uh, so basically the 84K now is on credit. That's like kind of my buy-in for the game. So I buy in, you know, between 5 and 10K at a time and just keep rebuying. You know, I'm losing at first. And uh, I get, I'm in for the whole 84 at this point and had one big double down uh, hand towards the uh, the end there where if I lose, I'm at, I have 1,400 chips left out of 84K. Um, I wind up winning the hand and, uh, and you know, shooting up from there uh, and never looking back, paying back that 84K, like, marker, if you will, so that my balance is zero for the day. And then uh, within a few hours, I have 107K in chips in front of me. Uh, and as soon as I crossed that 100K mark, I just uh, stopped. So that was, like, the start, the stop of the first session uh, at Racers. We played basically three sessions that day. So, so, you, so you were 107K up, you're saying, in, the, in this day? Correct. Yep. And, and you were eighty four up from the prior day. Yep. So so that that should put you close to two hundred. Well, like one ninety one k up at that point. And so, something around there. Yep. Okay. Just under two. So so when when you finished that day, and and you won the the hundred seven, and were you betting something similar like five k each? Um, I don't. At some, it started as five k max that day. And at some point, they raised it to 10K. So we played three sessions all that day. They were just broken up. Um, so I don't remember if it was that session or the second session where they raised it to 10K, 10K max. Um, but there were certainly, you know, huge bets uh, throughout that time. As soon as they lifted it to 10K, you know, I, I pretty much didn't do 6, 7, 8, 9K. Like, I was running so pure that I just fucking went like right to 10k. You went right to 10k, okay. And so now everyone in the chat room, they they want to know about this for some reason. That I don't think this is a major part of the story, but everybody wants to know about when you were blasting Yayo in the background. Now, can, can you tell it? Was that at this one or, or what? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that that this is when it started. Actually, we did it a little at Paul's house, but so while we're playing the entire time, no, no pushing this. Go, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I guess Yayo, not Yago, but I, 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 anyway, go, go on. It's, it's, so, so, so in addition, you know, to, to drinking and then uh, you know participating in Yayo here and there, uh, this song I just played on my phone nonstop on repeat the entire time, like it just nonstop repeat, no other songs, no pause, like. Just nonstop. Now, was, so, it, like, was this? Was this on? Really was it, hold on. Was, was this on? Was this playing on a speaker or on like headphones? Well, honestly, yeah, it was on my cell phone, but I had you know like no headphones or anything. It was just okay. playing out loud. So, so not only were you beating them, but they had to hear this over and over and over. So now, were you singing along to the song Yayo is it playing? I have to say, I, 
I don't know what would be worse, like hearing that over and over and over again or, or losing $500,000. I don't know. That's, uh, so, so. <laughs> so, so there's one point <laughs> – there's one point where I go in the back, uh, you know, to, to go do whatever uh, with the Yayo, and my buddy's there, and they go to him, they're like, what's it going to take to get that the guy to turn the fucking song off? Like, please just turn it off. <laughs> and, uh, and now, so the first two and a half sessions that are blasting, finally, at the, towards the end, they couldn't take anymore, so one kid took my phone for like 40 minutes and, and played random songs, but... That was uh, that was pretty much it, and uh, it's kind of taken on a life of its own, like on Twitter and the threads, and people are calling it Yayo Gate now, and like the guy's fucking YouTube channel has like an extra, you know, twenty thousand views since yesterday, just because everyone is uh, is blasting on a repeat. I got probably at least a hundred Snapchats since nine a.m. this morning, just of strangers playing that song in the background and, and like sending me messages. <laughs> Maybe you're going to get some sort of uh, contract there from uh, snooty wild here to, uh, to promote this. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's what they said. Should I should ask for some sort of royalty? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, okay. So you're playing this in the background. You ran up to, uh, to one ninety one from 84. Now, were you seeing it when the session ended? Uh, did the, did these guys seem upset? Did they seem like something was wrong? Um, not upset, like kind of flabbergasted maybe is a better word. You know, like I, I don't think at this point they were like calculating anything in their head, but I could definitely see after the next session when I won, like the wheels turning in their head, like, like doing pods almost like, do we fucking just cut our losses now and, and cut this guy off and pay him? Or do we keep going and let him try to fucking, you know, dump it back? Like when is variance going to catch up? You know? But at this point, you know, I stopped and I was like, look, I want to go back to the casino. I want to go meet my buddies. We have our, our regular scheduled game on Friday. I want to go see everyone, you know. And they were kind of, like, hesitant at first. It took me a little bit to, like, have them drive me there and shit. But uh, I don't think there was any, like, desperation or, or problems with them yet at that point. 200 is a huge number. But, uh, you know, I don't think it, it would have killed them. And, you know, now looking back, I think maybe if we stop at 200, none of this would happen, and I'd fucking already have gambled it away. But, you know, <laughs> I, well, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. I don't know if they even had that because it, it, I, I think if they could have paid that much, I think you would have seen some of it already. You know, if, if this happened the way you're describing it, I, I 200 is enough of a percentage of 500. It's 40 percent that if – think yeah. about this. If you had been paid 40 percent right now, you probably would have made that post. You probably would have uh, – um, held off and seen if they would have uh, continued paying, even if they had to give them some time to get the money together. But the, the fact that you, you know, are not receiving anywhere near that, uh, according to your story here, that that makes me think if you if you had stopped at two hundred, it probably would not have mattered. So you said something you wanted you wanted to go what go go back to the casino and play poker. Was it going to be with them or with someone else? Where, where, where were you yeah. going to go after the one night? Yeah, our, our normal. Our normal game is on Tuesdays and Fridays, so this is a Friday, so it's going. And before I went to his house, I stopped there and uh, put my iPad down and put, uh, you know, just a min buy-in down and left a, a jacket. That way, you know, the guy who runs the game could tell everyone, you know, Mark's coming back. And so I just wanted to go get my stuff, see my friends, and basically just take a break. Like, like you said, in the end, if you play long enough, the edge is going to eat you alive. So the only way to ever make money in that game is just fucking smash in and leave. You know, so as much as degenerate I am, I'm still not a fucking idiot. You know, so I, I smashed in. I just wanted to leave. We could come back and reach up and start a new fucking shoe later. 
So eventually got him to take me there. Um, obviously, I was in no condition drive by that point. And, uh, you know, I go, I play in the game. We're there for about an hour where, you know, so Raysner comes with me and one of his buddies, Paul stays at the house. And, uh, you know, the whole time they're pretty much just begging me to come back and uh, doing flips with me and, and red and black on the flop and shit like that. And how much was that for like each flip? Where, for those of you wondering, a flip is where uh, like if when a flop comes in poker, if you know, there's going to be red and black cards, obviously it's going to be more red or more black since it's only three cards. So whichever one has more, if it's red, then it's considered a red flip. Uh, black is, you know, the black part of it wins. So people play it almost like it's roulette and then they bet on some amount before the flop is delta how much how much were you doing these flips for so one to 5k we were doing and then we would do max pain you know for seat numbers and uh you know doubles things like that so i wind up winning 20k but he's basically our numbers on paper so if we do a flip where more than one person at the table is doing it then he would buy in for cash you know because he had to pay it out right there um but if it was just me him or we were doing red black then it, we basically just played it on the number. So, you know, it would just come up or down the number yeah. depending so, on what so, happened. So that's so – so, right. for, the, for the listener here, by the way, that's important to note because if the intention was not to pay Mark here, then by doing these flips, even though it's it's even money, you know, it's there's no edge for either person there. It's just luck. It's, it's 50% you know, who's going to win each one. If it's just the the number they have on paper, which is 191 when they, when they got to the casino, then uh, if they're never intending to pay him or don't have the money to pay him, then it doesn't matter if the number gets higher because they're not going to pay him anyway. And if the number gets down to zero or gets lower, then they gain from it. So it's a free roll if they were never pa- planning to pay him. So so that's that's why this is significant. And, and again, I don't I don't know if they were planning to pay him. I'm just mentioning that if they weren't, this was a a way to get the number down without really taking additional risk. So. Uh, yeah, sorry, definitely. Go on. So, and so, I, and I wind up winning another twenty as well there, um, which is funny because I never get paid from the blackjack. And uh, originally they said I was cheating, but if we're playing at Derby Lane, you know, if we're playing at a, a casino and the dealer's flipping the red or black, I feel like I should at least gotten twenty dimes for that, huh? So, uh, but they they finally convinced me away by uh, asking what I wanted from the uh, the liquor store. And uh, I get them to get some Dom Perignon and uh, a magnum of Grey Goose and an eight ball of blow. And uh, that was enough to get me back there for another session. Really? Now, by the way, I just this has been on my mind since you said it. You, you talked about, like, getting, you know, comps here from them at their little home casino. You mentioned they gave you some alcohol. You said they also gave you some sandals. <laughs> you, you really got you really got sandals from yeah. these guys like what, what do they do go to their closet and you just got a pair of their sandals like that's just such a weird thing to give you yeah i literally i literally walked around his apartment 20 of things like can i have this can i have this can i have this yeah. until like we found things like and I, he actually had one really nice like leather pair of sandals that i wanted but he wouldn't come off those, so I got a pair of uh, Under Armour sandals. Now, now was he, had he worn these sandals before? Maybe if he had, he had like, athlete's foot, you don't want to wear them. No, they look brand new. This guy, he's, uh, he's a big Amazon guy. They look like they were brand new. Okay, okay. I just, it's just kind of weird, the, the, the getting sandals of all things. Like I would have never expected, like, in this whole story that you got sandals out of it. But uh, that's, that's just... Yeah, that's hey, just... hey. <laughs> yeah. I guess I that's guess, all you I got. Guess, I guess, you know, I, I, you know, maybe, maybe we yeah, could do. I, I got this. 
this bottle of uh, of Louis the Thirteenth, even empty, I think it's worth like two or three hundred bucks at least. Well, uh, I was gonna say maybe. So maybe maybe, maybe what you need to do here is if, that. if you can't get the five hundred in cash, maybe you should get the five hundred k in sandals. <laughs> well, anyway, All right, so so let's let's so, go on here. So so uh, so at the end of this uh, evening, when you were doing the uh, the flips and all that at the casino, what, what was the figure you were owed at that point? Um, it was. It winds up being. I went about twenty more there. So now we're we're over the two hundred mark. Uh, as we're leaving Derby to go back to John's house. Okay, and before we go on, there's a, I see we're getting some phone calls, and someone said, oh, you're ignoring calls. I, I want to get through this interview, and then then there will be a time we take calls, so don't worry about that. I'm not, I'm not trying to shut out anyone from calling in. I, I want to get through this, and then, and then we'll deal with the phone calls. So that's just uh, what we're going to do yep. here. So, okay, let's... By, the way, by the way, Druff, uh, Dom Perignon and an eight ball, that's a pretty nice comp. Yeah, that's a lot better than sandals. Louis that's, the Louis the Thirteenth is not cheap. Yeah, so that's, that's what I'm saying. I, I understand that stuff. The sandals are just kind of weird. Well, <laughs> okay. Yeah, like you know, I I got comp some underwear or something, you know. Yeah, but you, you should have gone into like his drawers. Say, hey, are these are these Hanes you're wearing? Can I have those, some of these Hanes? <laughs> uh, you know, my, my my underwear. The problem yeah, is I mean. Like... <laughs> yeah, you're, 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 my, take, my I would have taken any. Yeah, you're like, hey, my, my underwear, like, the, the, the elastic's still good, but it's kind of ripping in the back where there's kind of, like, a big hole between the elastic and the underwear. <laughs> like, you know, can I take these off right now and just wear your underwear? Your underwear looks a lot better than mine. <laughs> okay. So, so okay, let, let's let's go back to it. So, so when was the next session? After, after you left the casino, did you go directly play blackjack again, or did you come back another day to play the blackjack? No, no, everything happened this night. This was the last night, the, oh, okay. the only night in question. Okay, so you went back so, to the So, now house? we go back. One of my buddies that was in the game comes with us, and also Justin Zaki now leaves the game. He, you know, cause so that those two guys, Phil and Justin, at ten percent, are there the first session at Racers. They're back playing poker. Um, so now Justin's pretty much like, how the fuck can I, you know, play five ten, you know, poker when I just lost ten thousand dollars? Like I, I need to go at least watch this. And uh, so he comes back. My buddy comes. And, uh, you know, we go back now for another session. So their whole syndicate's there, minus the one Anthony guy who's already gone home for the night. Okay. And uh, we play another shoe. It uh, starts off the same way this one. Uh, I don't know if I bought in, uh, and I mentioned it before, ten or 20000 the first time. But whatever my original buy-in was, uh, I never rebought. Like, this, this, shoe, this, this session was pure. Um, it was a little more slow and steady. Um, at this time, it definitely had to be 10K max, but I, I definitely started out smaller. I think my first bet was like 400. Um, you know, so just grinded through maybe three or four shoes and uh, and end up o- a little over another 100. So now you're up uh, over 300. Uh, yep, yeah, right around three total. And these guys yeah, must be losing between... their minds. Yeah, they've got to be wondering. Like these guys are going to be sitting. They've got to be sitting here going, "When's it going to change? When is it going to happen? Come on! Like, how far is it going to go?" But they, they probably thought that if you play enough, that eventually it's going to get you. That you, you can't stay up forever here. Well, they they so thought that they were the going to do sure number, him, You know. Yeah, this number was right around two seventy. Now, I guess they might have uh, me and John's number for the, that had to have been separate because. They after this shoot, they offered me a buyout of around fifty percent, 
um, for and it was 135, which means they my number with you know total was at like 270, 280. Um, so after this is when they really started to sweat and I could like kind of see like their brains turning, like, do we stop now? You know, like try, trying to like calculate the risk at it. Yeah. But like Zach, he looked like he's fucking ghost. Like just the look on his face. Like he, he said out loud, verbalized, like I just lost 30 K to this kid. And he only had 10%. He, he, this all happened because he was fucking eating lunch with us. You know, he thought he was taking like a one K gamble either way. You know, the most I could win or lose was 10K because he asked me before he started. He was like, well, you know, what's your stop loss? What's your, what do you think you would stop if you won? And I basically said, you know, I'm looking to swing 10K each way. You know, I didn't plan to fucking shoot it to the moon. So this they, kid they is thinking he's taking a gonna, 1K. They thought they were bringing you in there to shear them. And they are just losing yeah. their minds at this point. So, so, so right. So, so, here's, <laughs> yeah. so here's the question. Have you played with them before all this happened and lost? Have there been previous sessions where you played with them and and had and lost and had to pay them? Blackjack. Only the time I I've lost was that first time that we talked about the uh, twelve thousand. Um, now I've lost plenty in sports, them plenty in poker, but I don't play on credit with them. Um, I bring all my own cash, and then I have limits with all of them. After I go bust. I could borrow up to a certain amount, you know, with each player in our game. Um, I have a different limit with Zemar. Limit was yeah, four, and like even when I bet with them. Yeah, I just um, find it kind of weird that, that, always, uh, that, that that you play if you play with them uh, in, in anything that's that's not in the casino itself. That if you lose, that they get the full money from you, and if you beat them, that they they're going to buy yeah. out for half. That doesn't sound right to me. Exactly. Yeah. So like sports, anything like that, every time I've ever fucking lost that, you know, they've never said, Oh, you know, sorry about your 15 K week. Why don't you just come with 7,500, you know? And that's where the disconnect in this whole story is where all of a sudden, you know, my dollar is worth 50 cents, you know, just because I'm fucking running it through them. Like the whole point of gambling is to win money. This isn't like an, an ACDC game among friends where shit got out of hand. Like, they're all professional gamblers. They don't do anything else. You know, like this was for them to make money thinking they're going to fucking, you know, be the bank, be the casino and have the opportunity of a lifetime and uh, just don't understand fucking statistics. Yeah. So, so how much did you lose uh, to them? I'm not talking about the poker, like anything in the poker room, not counting, but, but anything directly with them, like sports or, or anything that was played with them private, totally privately, uh, that wasn't at the casino itself. Uh, how much total prior to all this happening did you lose to them, would you estimate? Well, if you don't count poker, poker is a significant part of it, whether it was at the casino or privately. But I'd say probably still between 75 and 100, just sports and, and other prop betting. Okay. Yeah, so they had already beaten you for, for, a, fair, for a, a significant poker. amount, uh, both in, this way and, and in poker. And so now you happen to have the session of a lifetime here and, and uh, run it up hard against them, and they're asking to, to buy out for for 50%. So you, you said no to that. Correct, yeah. I mean, immediately. There wasn't even a thought. And, and I told them my reasoning, too. I said, look, boys, you know, I'm here to gamble. Like, uh, I don't mind. I wouldn't want to, but I don't mind if I sit here and gamble and lose every single penny back. But I'm not taking a buyout. I, you know, I won every dollar when I win. Um, and it was pretty quick. They understood that, you know, they tried to preface it with this whole fucking story. Like, well, you know, we all came here to gamble a little bit and things just got out of hand. You know, I should have fucking realized 
it was a problem then, but didn't even think about it at the time. And, you know, and I told him, no, you know, I'm not interested in it. And, uh, man, I'm doing okay in this free roll right now. This is awesome. Um, so I told them, you know, I'm not interested in it. And at that point, uh, Paul went home and, uh, Zachy went home and we agreed that was going to be it for the night. Um, and I was just going to continue gambling on the side with John, like, uh, doing different prop bets. Like we were shooting basketballs and playing beer pong, uh, stuff like that. And, uh, we did that for a little while. And eventually right before we called it quit, he was like, all right, you want to play more blackjack? I was like, yeah. So he called or texted everyone back, uh, just to make sure they're all okay with it. And of course, you know, none of them are going to fucking quit now. And, uh, they all were, and we played one more shoe. And so at the, at the end of this shoe, that's when you were up to 500K total? Yeah, well, yeah. So in between the second and third, you know, once they all leave for the night, we're at like 270 or 280. They offer me that buyout. I say no. Then the final shoe, we really kill it. He increases the, the max bet again, um, and I put a fucking slaughter on him. I mean, we don't even get through half the shoe before he just throws his hands up and says, that's it, everyone get the fuck out. And uh, and we really slaughtered him. So that shoe, we wound up winning, I think it was 227K. Wow. So, so okay, so, yeah, so, so, you're, so you're up about, total about, what was the just total? Over just over 500. I think it was like 507 total for the blackjack. Okay, so so then at that point, uh, so they ended it, and then what happened? So So it's over. So then what did they say to you as far as getting the money? Well, first, so we count everything down, and then, so that whole third shoot, the one of the kids that were there, Zani, wound up buying 10% uh, of it. I don't know why I even let him buy it, but he wanted 10% of the action, even though he's race nurse friend. Um, so there was that situation, because I hadn't gotten paid anything yet, and this kid wants me to just peel him off, you know, 22K, because he just had a ten ball. Oh, I, I see. So, so this so, guy, um, this guy bought the last shoe you had, and where you won two twenty, like two twenty-seven or something. So he wants, even though they haven't paid you a dime yet, this guy actually wants you to pay him the ten percent of of the action he had of you yeah. on the spot. Yeah, <laughs> he wants me to peel it out right there. I'm like, well, you're fucking insane. Like, come on, <laughs> you're out of your mind. Well, he's friends with Racer, so they go ahead, as I go in the back, you know, to, to powder my nose or whatever, they make out, they work some type of deal out where he's like, John's like, look, buddy, let me pay you now. Like, he's he's going to, whatever they said, you know, they had some sort of deal. And rumor is, you know, from everyone, what we've heard is he winds up getting AK there to settle their number. So he gets AK, and now, you know, John goes ahead and takes the full 27 off of my tab, well, okay, whatever well, it is, 27 in, in, in two their, or 20 in, their, in their defense here, that's actually okay in my opinion because if, if he really had 10%, yeah, if, he really had, if he really had 10% of you, it doesn't matter if, if uh, there's some internal deal between them to not get it at full value. If, if uh, they want to take, you know, if, if they want to basically take that debt from you and, and knock it off the 507 figure, that they can do because that's not money coming to you anyway. But that's that's obviously a small part of this story yeah. since they'd still owe you, you know, over four, yeah, yeah. 480 well, or something. Yeah. yeah. Plus, I would have loved if I fucking got paid, you know, anything first before they pay this kid on my behalf. Yeah. But anyway, so then what he does is the 27, whatever it was, 27.7 that he's paying this guy, he also goes, all right, let me give you that amount too to take it off. So – he had given me cash that night. At this point, I could barely stand, you know. 
And when I get home the next day and do the accounting, and my numbers are worked out to 10, but somehow he's convinced uh, convinced me that it was for the full 27-7. I can't really dispute it. I have no way to. Um, so let's just say he gives me 27-7 that night, even though I don't think that was the number. Um, and so we take that off. So we wind up taking, you know, like 45 uh, total off of the number between what he paid uh, for that kid and paid me the same amount. And uh, and then me and my buddy just take an Uber home. You know, he was basically like, you know, give me a call the next day. You know, we'll all work it out because now there's five of them, you know, so they got to figure out the logistical situation. No one just has 500K sitting there. Yeah. Um. So that's it. We Uber party the rest of the night. And I think, you know, I just had the greatest, you know, win of my life. Okay. So, so right. So, so you thought you had it and uh, it, it's, it's kind of like the people who, uh, who won money on, on full tilt and then uh, thought they had all this money and then they found yeah. out that it wasn't really there. Now they eventually got paid most of them, but it uh, took a very long time. So, so anyway, so you, you thought you just won 500 K you're thrilled. And uh, so, so the next day, what happened? Uh, next, well, so I kind of give them like a, a whole day to cool off. Cause by the time I get home and party all day and then went, picked up my car, slept. So like Saturday was kind of a wash. I think towards the end of the day, or Sunday uh, early, I sent one of them a text saying, hey, you know, can we get together for some cash? Um, and they kind of said, yeah, you know, let it, let me figure it out. I'll get back to you. And then it was kind of like 24, the rest of Sunday, like no response from them, nothing. Um, and so I was at my buddy's house. He was like kind of friends with both of us, you know, so he's kind of in between. He wants to stay out of it. And uh, he starts telling me that, you know, these guys think you cheated, you know, and they don't want to pay you anything. And I'm like, what? You know, like, that's the craziest thing I've ever fucking heard in my life. You know, so we start this and uh, he actually, you know, tells me that he thinks they're right, that I did cheat because, you know, I ordered all the cards and they they found a YouTube video where with a phone you could read the cards, you know, similar to what people talked about was used in Bobby's room for some period of time and all this. But uh, eventually I just, you know, we, I told him, I said, hey, we didn't even use my cards, dummy. You know, like my cards were so cheap. Here, you could go look at Dima's house, tell him to look above his fridge. All my cards are still in the package. We used his cards. And uh, once everyone found that out, they were all like, you know, oh, all right, you didn't cheat. It's impossible. And we thought I was going to get paid. So he called them up, you know, for me, basically telling them, you know, you guys better fucking call this kid and answer him. You know, he's lost because he runs that, that private game we play. You know, I've lost probably quarter million there in the last year or two. And uh, he's like, you know, he's lost all this money. You guys better fucking call him. So they call me and say, you know, sorry, you know, we were just getting all our stuff together. Let's uh, let's meet at this restaurant that we usually meet at on Tuesday uh, before your game. And, uh, you know, we'll all get together and meet there. Now, now you say Tuesday. So I think fine. I think. Before you go on, go what, what uh, when did this all occur? I never asked. The, when was the date or the approximate date when all this was happening? Uh, so it was, I, I originally said it was the end of August, beginning of September. It's actually the, op, the, the next month, the end of September, beginning of October during the Jewish holiday, okay, um, so, right before WPT Jacksonville. So, so this was in, uh, the fall of 2016. Correct. Yep. Okay. Okay. Go on. I just want to establish a timetable here for people. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, we get that and I'm thinking I'm going to meet him on Tuesday well, you know, the, these guys all started talking to each other and talking to other people in the community. 
And uh, so my buddy, you know, finds out that their plan basically is just to, to not pay me, to tell, tell me that I was cheating and, you know, not to pay me. You know, I think this is crazy. Like, there's no way this is the truth. Like, I don't even bother calling him or anything. Uh, so we're supposed to, I'm supposed to meet them on Tuesday. I stop and meet up with my buddies first at the card room, uh, you know, talk to them. They're like, please let us come with you. Like, you're about to go meet five people on your own. Like, you need to have someone with you. They're going to talk over you. And I basically told them, like, no, don't need anyone. Like, you know, and I, I just, again, kept using that excuse. Like, I'm going to see Paul. Like, why, you know, nothing is going to go wrong because Paul's there. You know, like, he would never let that happen. And, uh, well, sure, shit, I go there myself. I get there, have Yayo blasting in the background, uh, come out with a big old duffel bag that I just bought and tell these guys, hey, boys, you think this bag's big enough? you know, thinking I'm making a joke and they're going to love it. And uh, there's this big uh, hillbilly farmer guy there that I don't know, who had nothing to do with it, who they basically brought for muscle. And uh, the guy comes up to me and he's like, no, it's not funny. <laughs> Sorry, go on, go on. So he basically says, we know you cheated. You know, I had a piece of this action too. You're not getting paid shit. Turn around and go home. And, you know, at that point, I'm just flabbergasted. I, I thought they were joking. I, I literally said, are you kidding me? And they're like, it's no joke. You know, and at that point, I could tell they're serious. Like, these other fucking kids are sitting here, you know, look like they're ready to cry. You know, you can tell they don't want to go along with this. And uh, and basically, that was it. You know, a little shouting match uh, ensued, and the other guys pretty much scurried off. And I basically just kept trying to talk to Paul, because even though these other guys were there, and now I have numbers with them. You know, I, I've lost. I paid Paul. I won. He paid me. I went to his house. You know, me and him are the ones with the agreements. I don't have agreements or any of that shit with anyone else. No, I understand. You know, he no, sold for, action. For sure. to... That's true. And that's, you know, so, wh right. When, when there's a – I understand why you're saying these five guys cheated you. And if, if they really did all have pieces of this and they were all kind of part of the story, then they did. But, but yeah, if the agreement you have is with one guy, it, it it's not really your concern – if if these other ones can't pay, it really all falls on the shoulders of the one you had the agreement with, and then if he has to collect from them, then it's between him and them. But yeah, it's it's uh, so definitely uh, the one who you had the agreement with is the one you have the biggest gripe with, and, and you're saying that was Paul. And so so this they claimed you were cheating. What was the exact way they said that that they felt you had cheated? So yeah, that was their their first excuse was that I was cheating. So apparently there's uh, some sort of device uh, that you get from China. Uh, there was an MVG thread about it. Someone said they even used it uh, in Bobby's room. And actually, I think uh, Bob Vulgaris actually said that that's true. I don't know. And uh, it's, uh, you know, a phone that they send you that looks like a normal phone, but it uses the RFID reader uh, apparently to scan the fucking cards. They have some sort of dots on the side of it. Uh, you know, almost like uh, uh, an RF uh, code type thing. I really don't know all of it. It, it looks like science fiction, like craziest fucking thing ever. Um, but on top of it, like, and none of it would have worked for the situation. We have eight decks. Uh, my phone was unused, blasting this music. Uh, you know, everyone was passing my phone around, playing the music towards the end uh, when they were DJing it, you know, and, and we using their cards. So I couldn't have just brought, you know, cards that would have worked with the machine, but they had, they were convinced that that's what it was. They told me they had ordered stuff. They were going to do a thorough investigation. 
uh, this machine was supposed to be on the way. They promised they had it. And, uh, you know, finally, two, three years later, they said, you know, we didn't order the machine. They said, we know the machine works. We know this technology exists. But there's no way we could prove you actually cheated. We would have had a caught you doing it. So that, like, okay, that only works. Oh, hold on. That, that only works if the cards all have RFID chips in them. Well, yeah, or even, even if it's not RFID, yeah. I, think, I think he's talking about that there may be some sort of uh, little uh, code on the side of it that isn't an RFID chip, but there's some kind of code on the side that can be read uh, only but, by a machine. But again, it, it only yeah. works if the cards are known to be marked, and yes, if they're yes. not his right. cards. If, if it's just, right, and if, so if it's not cards that have that. And also, they, in, as, in as he mentioned, and as he mentioned with the cell phone that was playing Yayo the whole time and, and other things, if he yeah. wasn't actively touching his cell phone during the blackjack, then he couldn't have cheated so i'm wondering you know given these points are pretty simple and straightforward to present what did they say back when he said well look i wasn't touching my phone you saw what my phone was doing it was it was annoying you playing yayo the whole time so how how could i have been doing this with my phone you know what did they say back when you asked that question they lost their asses and didn't want to play (laughs) yeah they, they had no response so they never would answer that question they would always just change it like mark you gotta understand this from our point of view this is such a large amount of money we have to do our due diligence, like just give us time to sort through this. But look, you know us, you know our word's good. If the second we feel you didn't cheat, you'll get paid in full. And that's <laughs> what they've said over and over and over again. Like anyone that's called them or my buddies have called or I've talked, their always go-to is, look, you guys know us. You know our reputation. We have so much to lose. As long as you didn't cheat, you will be paid in full. Well, so, so that's and the question. So you said, you said, people, have, you said people have called them. So, so since this has happened, you've had people call them on your behalf, and and they've discussed it, and they've they've just said, as soon as we determine that he didn't cheat, we'll pay him. Is that basically what's been happening? Yeah, like some of my buddies, especially like one of the guys who's ran the game, not that he's on either side, almost like you. You know, he he's just in the middle. He just wants to know what happened. And all these guys, think about the four or five pros that play in our weekly game, whose livelihood are now at stake because I'm not going anymore to donate. Two of the guys <laughs> are involved in this scandal. You know, it's like breaking the poker ecosystem here. So even though it's a huge deal to me, it's like affecting so many other people. So they just want to fucking get it done with in the past and get everything back to how it is. So these guys are frustrated. They, they're friends with both of us, you know. So they just want to know what's going on. And, but, yeah, everyone that's contacted them or when they've spoken to me, that's their answer every time. Well, so- as long as, as soon as we prove he's not cheated. Have they, have, they expl- have they explained to anybody what their process is going to be, uh, a process and a timetable of how they're going to determine? They can't just say, well, when we decided you haven't cheat, you didn't cheat, we're going to pay you. It could be in a day. It could be in a week. It could be in a year. It could be in 50 years. But when we decide you didn't cheat, you're getting paid. <laughs> well, like that. Exactly. What do they tell these people that uh, when and, they speak to them? So there was there was no process. There was no process for it. But I strictly outlined in the beginning. I said, look, let's be fair. Let's do two weeks as like the the experimental period or whatever it's called, the discovery type thing, and figure it out. And if there's something you find or a reason you would need more time, let's do another two weeks. You know, after that. Because the WPT Jacksonville was coming up the next week, and I was going to be gone for a week anyway. I figured that would be a good timetable to get any type of equipment they needed, you know, and to to do some work. And I thought it was fair. And if there was something like, oh, we think we've got it, we figured it out, then uh, then they could have two more weeks. And then 
during this time, I also told them if they get this little fucking magic machine over here, what they can do is go ahead and escrow my 500K with someone else, not them, who now we trust. They put up 500K, and I'll bank the fucking blackjack and let them play where the only thing they rely on is this machine. And then make whatever decision this fucking machine says, since they're so confident I had to use it. Uh, of course, they love that and said, yes, we're going to do that. And uh, obviously, that never fucking happened either because they're so full of shit. Yeah, you shouldn't even have to do that, though, is the truth. But that's an interesting suggestion you gave to them uh, to kind of prove they were full of crap with the with, with the money they probably don't have in the first place. So, so what what do you let me just ask yeah. a question. What do you think would happen if the reverse happened and you dropped 500 K and you accuse them of cheating? I mean, how do you think that would have gone over with them? Yeah, it, it wouldn't have, and it, exactly. would, it wouldn't have got that bad because I wouldn't have to that much money. You know, like, it, it's like just one of these things where it's so fucked because all I could ever do is lose. Like, it's an absolute free roll, you know, what they did. I literally, I didn't go to, you know, I was trying not to play at the hard rock because I was free rolling myself. I thought I was giving myself a better chance to win by playing with these guys, and uh, I got stoned free rolled anyway. Yes. They, they invited you over there, thought they were going to fuck you, and they're the ones that got fucked. Yeah. So, <laughs> and now, so, and so, they don't want to pay. So, and maybe so, they can't pay. Has anybody contacted them ever since uh, you made this story public, which was uh, late last week when you did this? So uh, it's probably been like, what, five days since you made this public? H- has anyone contacted them, and have they answered to anyone regarding this, even privately? Uh, it's been about 72 hours now, and no one has officially contacted them on my behalf. Um, I've texted and called all of them to no response. Um, and they, as far as I can see, like people are sending me pictures and videos of them at the casino and are asking at them, and they're all pretty much just kind of ignoring it. Um, so no real response from anyone. Um, I had someone else try to call today uh, just to see what's going on and nothing. Uh, so n- no response from anyone as far as I could tell, private or otherwise. Now, you mentioned that I didn't hear the Lyman interview that you did on Monday, but you had mentioned something about Lyman assisted you getting a little bit of money out of them or something. What, what was Lyman's part in this? Correct. Well, so originally, so the story that I actually posted on 2 Plus 2, uh, I had just copy and pasted that. I originally emailed that quickly to Lamone, uh, about two weeks after it all happened. So, after that first two-week discovery period, they basically stopped answering my calls, stopped, you know, responding to me, and that's when I really started getting nervous, like even Paul. And then, uh, you know, nothing. And then I saw, I read a text that I posted on Snapchat the other day from Halloween, October 31st. I sent to the kid Phil, who I considered a really good friend at that time, you know, who I was probably closest with, and I said, look, Phil, I need you to tell me the truth. Like, because otherwise I'm going to have to sell my car and move out of my place. You know, like, please, do you think I'm going to get paid? And he replied back, it doesn't look good, buddy. I'm sorry. Hmm. Um, So by that point, I was already freaking out, you know, so I don't know what to do. My main problem with not coming public was my reputation. I was scared. I didn't want to, like, be chastised and and have these people, you know, tell me, oh, you know, karma or clang got clang or all this. So I wasn't really interested in going public, but... I went anyway to, uh, I sent Lamona a message and I sent Joe Ingram a message and Joey had already heard about it, you know, cause for that, that week I was in Jacksonville, I told everyone, cause even though I told these guys, you know, take your time, I wasn't just gonna, you know, sit around on my hands. You know, I told the story to everyone. I didn't lie. 
I didn't say they scammed me at that point. I just told them exactly what happened and told them that they were investigating. You know, so I told everyone. So by the time I contacted Joey and Lamone, Joey had already heard about it from a few different high stakes pros. And uh, he said, you know, it's not really cut out for my, you know, podcast. Why don't you contact Todd or Lamone? And uh, so I wound up reaching out to Lamone and he was like, look, bud, you know, he was like, I've collected debts way bigger, you know, uh, this amount and you know, all this stuff. He was like, you want to start, you know, getting leverage and you don't just want to come out right away, basically, you know. He was like, uh, so I started getting little bits of money from them. I got two different 20K payoffs. And like, you know, I would text, I would send them a message with like pictures of it every time they paid me, you know, like, oh, if I cheated or scammed them, you know, they're really going to pay me 20K. And so I got paid 20K and, and 19K, I think, at some point. Um, the total amount was like 43, I think I've got paid. So there's another five in there somewhere. Now, how are they, how are they explaining uh, why um, they're paying so, you that? How are they explaining why they're paying you 43 K if they're supposedly not paying you because of cheating? Like it should either be zero or the whole thing. Why, why is it 43? That's what I told them. It's so polarized. It's like, look, I, there's no buyout. At this point I was so frustrated. I didn't want to buy out. I said, you know, there, there is no negotiating, no nothing. I want all of it or none of it. And I kept telling them, take as long as you want, you know, like figure out what you got to do, but, but I need to have, you know, some explanation. And, uh, there was never any, and basically even when they were, you know, paying me these amounts, you know, they were like, we don't feel comfortable doing this. We still think, you know, something was wrong, blah, blah, blah. You know, like these guys have such big egos and, uh, are so narcissistic that, uh, they still, it was just, they were like making me seem like the criminal um, in this whole situation. Well, so speaking of that, I, I so the, this was brought up on, on uh, Poker Fraud Alert's thread about this, and uh, I, I think this is probably what you mean by the, by the karma. There, there's been some accusations in, in prior years about you being a scammer yourself. So, like, for example, on September 30th, 2013, this post was made by a guy named AN91, who wasn't, uh, you know, he was like a new user who created the account just to post this. But he said, hello, guys, I have been scammed by a guy named Mark Klang from Florida. On Google, I found threads like these. And he linked two threads, the first of which is mm-hmm. called uh, is called uh, Mark Klang, shady degenerate piece of uh, piece of garbage who owes me one K by a person named uh Red Hat Jane, and then then the second one, a thread, mm-hmm. uh, the Red Hat Jane one was from, uh, what, uh, 2011, December 2011. Then another one from 2009 from a person named Fallon109 called Mark Klang Owes Me 2K, though it does say a note that about uh, a few months afterwards it says that the following has been resolved with a complete payback of all money. So uh, so what? I don't want to go into the stories with Fallon and Red Hat Jane. It's Years ago it's not important, but... Are these accusations true? Were, were, did you actually uh, rip off these people as they were posting? Uh, and and this also this guy in 2013, this AN91. Are, are they making? Did they make accusations about you at the time, which were accurate? Yeah, they were all accurate. So, so now the question is, given that that was these were happening, where. Uh, People did things that were described as a scam, and I—I'll I, even be honest—I I didn't read the full stories here, but someone told me that you had admitted to them. So, but given that uh, as recently as 2013, you've uh, um, admittedly ripped people off, how can people believe your side of the story here 
that uh, that n- not to say that you can't get ripped off yourself. Like if, even if you've ripped people off in in prior years, that doesn't mean you can't be ripped off by someone else in a completely unrelated matter. Uh, but are you saying that's what happened? But if it is ha- what happened, w- what reason do the listeners have to trust that you are telling the truth, and that it's not a matter of uh, uh, something like what happened a few years ago, where you were actually the bad guy? Certainly, yeah, and uh, and that one from 2013, uh, although it was posted in 13, I think that actual incident uh, that he was talking about was from 11 or 12, uh, and it just took him a while to to actually post it on there. Uh, but nevertheless, um, you know, anything in the last three or four years, uh, you won't see anything since then. I've gotten corporate jobs, like I said, I was working as a controller uh, of a big company out here, um, and just playing in those games, uh, even just with these guys. Um, you know, you could ask any of these guys, I've, I've built my credit up with them to a guy who they wouldn't lend $5 for gas money home, you know, back in those days, the 11, 12, 13, uh, up to now where I have credit lines with everyone there, uh, that are all in good standing. Uh, and that's why I didn't want to post it just cause for that, you know, for that reason, someone's going to say, how can we believe you? So I didn't post it, but then, you know, just out of frustration, uh, I finally did, and uh, I think with all those videos of text messages and uh, and videos of the actual being there and that night and uh, the lack of response from these guys, all the other local Tampa pros that have chimed in, all these types of things uh, that at this point is just overwhelmingly, uh, you know, to show that it's something actually existed, even if someone doesn't believe the, the full extent of the story. Uh, you know, at this point, especially, uh, I think what really helped my case too is when Hard Rock fired uh, Justin and uh, and and John Reisner, who both were under contract as ambassadors with them, so, so which you're, was you're worth saying, about a hundred thousand. Where when were they fired? Uh yesterday. And uh, and, and they were fired over this accusation. Yeah, you know, so we still haven't gotten an official press release. Uh, another poker website, Poker News, has been chatting back and forth with their head of PR all day. So there still hasn't been anything official, but uh, and they updated in 2 plus 2. Someone found it, like, as of, like, 7 o'clock yesterday, um, both Justin and John have taken, uh, like, Poker Ambassador off. They had to change their profile pictures. And uh, you can't find any pictures like Hard Rock basically scrubbed all their social media and all their websites wow. um, from no pictures or names of them. And they just opened a new like multi-million dollar room uh, on the 12th. So they spent hundreds and thousands of dollars on marketing material. I mean, there's posters of these guys in the room. Every magazine, flyer, rule sheet, sign-up sheet, comp card has these guys' name and pictures on it. And uh, it's like they never even existed. Uh, just completely scrubbed. Like Reisner's uh, main photo was a picture of him, Justin, and a poker room manager, Tommy Bates. Uh, that's got that's been changed. She's taken his website down because it had too many mentions of that on it. Um, so, 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 so Justin, just, Justin Zaki yeah. and, and John Reisner have been fired from the Hard Rock, according to you, and they, they, everything's been scrubbed off of the sites that have anything to do with. Uh with them being poker ambassadors, even though it hasn't been announced officially that they've been fired. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, that's, I think I, I can't verify it, but someone 
and the two plus two thread that that's not like a troll account, but someone you know that has some substantiated posts uh, mentioned that they had called yesterday uh, to verify that information. I don't know anything about it. I certainly haven't called. Okay. Well, that's, um, if that's true, let, let me say something. If, if that's true, which you know from what you're saying, it sounds like it is. If that's true, that they've been fired. Um, there has to be something to the story because let's let me just say this. Let's say that someone just invented this whole story out of the air. They just they just decided to make it all up uh, that uh, that John Raisner and, and these other guys scammed him out of 500k. They just made up the whole thing or, or took something that was true that they played with them, but but just made up a story that they're owed 500k just because uh, they felt like creating drama or they're mad at these guys. So let's say it's all made up. The Hard Rock is still going to, before firing them, is going to call them in, and they're going to say, explain this. What's this about? And if they respond, this is completely false. It never happened. This didn't, you know, The Hard Rock's less likely to fire them. Now, maybe they're going to get fired for running if they admit that they ran this game, even if they don't admit that they owe you 500 k If they admit they ran this game privately, I can see why a casino wouldn't want them working there as ambassadors if they're running illegal gambling games out of their house. So maybe that's why they got fired, technically, rather than cheating you. But it, 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 whenever there's action like this taken where a company fires them over these accusations, um, like if a company were to fire them when they act, this actually wasn't true, just based on the hearsay from one person, being you, uh, then they're actually they actually could get in trouble. You know, the Hard Rock could get in trouble for firing them for wrongful termination. So I think there has to be something to the story. At at, le- at the very least, them admitting that they ran these games to for them to have gotten fired if that's what happened. Otherwise, I I don't see this occurring such a firing just based upon the the report of one guy who's a degenerate that actually even has a past that that isn't very good. So I I think that uh, anyone listening to this who thinks that there's nothing to this whole story and that we can't trust we can't trust you and that uh, this is probably made up or exaggerated there, to me there's too many red flags right now that we're not getting a response from any of these guys who are accused even though this is really going around the whole poker world that the, that this is happening I've had so many people coming to me saying either we're excited to hear this segment or oh you got to get this guy on the radio I've heard about this like oh yeah we actually are getting it but like like people wanted to hear you on even ones that didn't know you were coming on. So like no one for them not to be commenting and, and refuting this for such a serious accusation and maybe getting fired from, from their position at the hard rock and you know, various other factors here. I, I would be shocked if this is not either true or mostly true just based upon their lack of reaction to this. That's, that's my opinion. I have no information that that's the case. I haven't investigated this. I've only gone by your story and you know hearing the details and and seeing what their lack of response has been in in the three days and the fact that they're very aware it's happening. Uh, I I have to say that this looks highly suspicious to me on their end, and uh, and so I I think this probably happened if if this would be. Uh, up to me to guess what's the truth here, and I think that's that's what most of the other people are now. now that's what most of the other people in poker that I've spoken to seem to feel as well. But there's an, one part of the story we haven't gotten to yet. There's something about one of them calling up your job and getting you fired. Yeah. So what happened? So it's kind of it's kind of a tricky subject too, obviously, uh, to talk about. But 
basically the way it goes is so immediately after this uh, happens, um, there's kind of like uh, a running joke uh, in our little small community about uh, the liberal use of, uh, you know, a company card. Not for gambling, like Lamone, I brought up, and not like I, I, you know, used it for gambling debts or anything like that. But just just use it liberally, whether it's you know a, a hotel or a dinner or you know stuff like that. And uh, so everyone pretty much knew about it. And uh, a couple of days after they decided they weren't going to pay me, um, I wound up losing my job. And uh, John had already told me himself at that point that he had done it. Um, but the person that he had called to inform had also told me that that's who it was. Um, so I wound up, you know, getting, not that I shouldn't have, you know, obviously I was in the wrong. Um, but yeah, so I wound up that happening too. And now I'm unemployed. <laughs> so, so who was the one who called? I missed that. Uh, race, race, uh, John race. Wow. So, um, I saw in the two plus two thread, someone said, that at this point, since it's unlikely you're going to get paid, uh, and since they, you know, since Raisner allegedly called up your job and got you fired, that why don't you just go to the police or the FBI or, or you know some law enforcement body and report what happened to you? You report that you were playing in an illegal gambling game and got cheated in, in said game, and uh, and and you know just throw them to the wolves at that point because if if this really happened as you described, I don't think anyone would feel that they're deserving of any sympathy if they go to prison for this. So, uh, so why have you not done that? And are you planning to perhaps do this? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an option. I haven't done it at this point yet. You know, everything is out there. Um, I don't know. It's, it's you know, it's someone going to the police. I mean, it's just kind of not how it works. I think uh, a lawyer would be a much better route than, than going that way. Um, but I just I, I still would like to to get the money. <laughs> I mean that's that's my main objective would be to collect some of this money. But you know some of these guys could still stay face. You know uh, they they all have parts in the gambling world. Um, so you know even though at this point it's out there and everyone knows about it, you know one of them could come forward and uh, uh, the same way that I settled all my old debts, you know and turned my name around and established credit. You know they could easily fix their reputation just by paying their pro rata share uh, of this 500K. So, you know, is getting some of money. To be honest here, the problem is, and this is, again, just my opinion, but the problem is this is such a large figure that even though they, you know, it's owed spread out through five people, it, it's still a whole lot of money. And while some of them who owed the lesser part, someone who, who had 10% of it, that's 50K, which, you know, that's not a small sum of money, but, you know, 50K is a lot easier to come up with if you than if you, let's say, you had 30% or 40%, which is 150K or 200. That, if you don't have much money liquid, that's very hard to come up with. And, and so what happens in some of these cases where large figures are owed is that, and I've seen this for years and years, and I've been part of poker for 16 years, and I've seen many times where someone who owes a whole lot of people money, and I'm not sure, I'm not saying they do, I'm just uh, giving this as a separate example, where someone owes, like, let's say, mm. 20 pe- different people money, if they're going to pay anyone back, they tend to focus on the smaller debts first because they figure 
if I pay someone partially, they're still going to be unhappy. If I pay someone else fully, they're going to be happy. So yeah. if I owe one guy 1K and another guy 20K, I'm going to pay the 1K guy so he gets off my back and he's gone. If I pay the 20K guy 1K, he's going to say, well, you still owe me 19. You've hardly done a damn thing. So so I'm not even going to bother to pay him anything because the, the figure is so intimidating. I'm never going to get there. I'm just going to get everybody else who's smaller. So I'm afraid that the figure's so big. And I'm not saying you should accept less, by the way. I'm not saying to accept 50%. I'm not making that argument. I'm just saying that I'm afraid this is the reason that no one's going to step forward and say, you know what, my reputation is important. Here's 500K. That's just such a large figure to pay. They should pay it. But uh, but if if you're not honest, if you're not an honest person and you're happy to screw someone uh, to, to save money for yourself, then it's hard to – to for for that type of person to say, hey, I'm going to give you this much money because there's so much of it here, even if it is spread out through five people. So that's why I'm kind of pessimistic that you're ever going to be paid unless some kind of payment plan is come up with where you come forward and say, you know, like they they agree with you to a payment plan, you agree with them, yeah, that you're going to say they're paying you, provided they really stick to it. So so to where at any point you can come forward and say, hey, look, they stopped paying me after the second payment. So that that's I think your closest I think it's the highest chance of you getting paid barring one of them hitting some kind of big tournament score but even then you know let's say when you know they win 200,000 one of them wins 200,000 playing tournaments well that, that's still only 40% of it so you know it would have to be like a really big score for one of them to hit I think to where uh you're going to get paid this sum of money so I, I think like a payment plan were Well but draft let me just throw my two cents in here too cuz I think if there are different figures for the five people, and just like Mark was saying, some of them probably feel they're wrong, at least one of them or two of them. Maybe they only owe 10%, and they'd probably love nothing better than to pay their piece and get out of it and not have their name dragged through the mud. And, you know, so that might be a good way to break it down so that, oh, you know, Jim paid me or whoever it is. I understand what you're saying that someone one of the people who is a lesser figure it might be worth it for them to get out of this whole mess and have their name dragged through the mud to just cough up their share if they have the money you know if they, if like if they have 50k for example they could pay out and not suffer a big uh, lifestyle setback maybe they'll do it but the thing is 50k is still a lot of money you know like a, again if you have a lot of money to your name if let's say you have $500,000 liquid well then 50k you you don't want to pay 10% of your bankroll off but it's not it's not going to change your lifestyle if you have 500k to your name and you pay 50 so but it's but also if, sort of a prisoner's dilemma kind of thing because if one of them does do that they're essentially admitting that they do owe him the money and that they don't think he cheated you know so it would be something that everybody else would strongly not want them to do yeah though oddly, uh, they, oddly they paid 43k already which kind of already acknowledged which is weird <laughs> but i mean and and unfortunately if they lost their ambassador jobs i mean that makes it even less likely that they're going to have yeah. the money to, and i'm know. wondering if the hard rock if there's an attorney you talk to would want to go after the hard rock because if they're ambassadors they're ambassadors 24 7 you know, I don't know. It's well, probably worth a, worth a so, letter. So very least, these guys could go to jail for illegal sports yeah, booking. Yeah, but, but then Bart doesn't get his money, and I don't know. That's that, true. That's doesn't get his money, but if he, if he knows he's not going to ever get paid, I mean, he could always just pull the nuclear option and say, well, fuck you guys. Yeah, you know? and you know, there's kind of an in-between, and you've you probably already thought of this, Mark, but if if you go to them and say, yeah. look, I, I'm, get, I'm getting very close to, you know, to, to going to the to whatever law enforcement body I can, and I'm going to get an attorney who will assist me 
in contacting the proper law enforcement in, in, in the right way to get their attention. And, uh, you know, so I, if you come to and say, look, I'm about to go to law enforcement about this, and you're going to have a lot more trouble than just your reputation, unless right now we work out a payment plan that you stick to, and then you, you, you start paying it, and, and you stick to it, because if you don't stick to it, then I'm going to go right back and, and, uh, and do what I said, and, and you have such and such time, otherwise I'm going to do it, and then see what they do. Because if they don't have the money now, then they don't have the money now, and they, uh, um, you're not going to get it out of them. But, but if they feel there's some kind of real bad consequence here, uh, that, that they could go to prison for this, or they, they may start paying here, and, uh, and then, you, you, of course, you'll still have the right at any point if they stop paying. Because a lot of times the, when these payment plans happen, you get the first or second payment, and then it stops. But then, of course, you have the right at that point, once they've made the first or second payment, to do what you said you were going to do. So uh, I, I, would, uh, I would go some route like that. I think the time for, uh, for, for diplomacy or, or hoping to reason with them or hoping to have others reason with them is over. Uh, if, if this story really went down like you said it did, then uh, I, I think it, the next level has to be reached here. Otherwise, they're not going to pay. So. Yeah, uh, I agree, and that that is the route I'll likely be going, you know, somewhere in the middle there. Um, you know, and I guess a lot of people have told me, too, like, if I had all this evidence, like, I don't know if you've gotten to watch the, the Snapchats that were posted. Like, I literally have every single text message between these guys. I have videos, you know, all, all types of stuff. Like, I never even went to them and, like, threatened them. I didn't tell them this page was going to go up if they didn't pay me, like, I, I just, like, I guess I, was, I held out hope the entire time, even months later, that, like, something's going to fucking happen. Like some, some way, somehow I, I was going to get paid. And then once I realized the point I wasn't, I kind of just gave up and moved on with my life. Like I haven't, you know, had money to gamble. So I've just been staying home with the family, you know, spending more time with the kids and, you know, being a better person basically. Um, and the only reason I even posted it, and I don't know if you're aware of this is because they just opened that new, that new poker room right on the 12th that they've been advertising nonstop with pictures of Raysner and Zachy. Well, they had a charity tournament to open the room. Brian Garrett came down, all these other NFL players. and they Racer's on the news, and uh, the headlines like, philanthropic poker pro John Racer takes $500 out of his own pocket to add on to charity tournament winner. Yeah, I saw and that. And my dad's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> my dad gives me a call and is like, you know, is that the same guy that, that ripped you off for 500000 like my poor dad, he's an old guy. He's pretty much legally blind, and he's sick. And for him to have to see that and know like the situation I'm in, and know that these guys threw me off, like I just went out, it went to my computer, copy and pasted that email Lamone I had sent to him months ago, six months ago, or however long, and just at the end added, and I've received a forty forty three k payment so far, and, and just blasted it on there. Like didn't edit it. Like there's typos and everything. You know, I typed it on my phone originally. So there was no plan. Like, everyone's like, well, what's your play? Like, what's your angle? All this. Like, there wasn't one. I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't realize it was going to get this big. And and uh, I really was just frustrated and wanted people to know, like, this guy Zima is pretty much the moral police on 2 plus 2. You know, like, every, every fucking threat, he just comes in there to pound someone, you know, at the slightest. Like, even good guys like Kime, who have made, like, honest mistakes, you know, like, not even, like, scam someone. Like, he jumps down their throat. And, uh, and for him to hold like all this power and, uh, you can kind of see like his posting has slowed down since like this happened months ago in October, just cause I think he kind of knew 
that at any point I could come in, like if he like slammed someone, he knew that I could come in and just quote it and be like, oh, really? You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So it's supposed to kind of slow down for a while. But, uh, you know, now it's just out there. And uh, I just want to know, like, what these guys' responses are. You know, like, they don't have an answer for, you know, why haven't you paid them? They yeah. can't use the cheating excuse anymore. You know, th- that's all I want. Let's hear that. Like, why haven't they paid me? What's your reasoning? You know, because they're not denying the story. They're not denying blackjack happened. You know, they're not going to come out and say it for whatever legal reasons, you know, but in private, get some trusted third party to fucking talk to. I don't know who, yeah, Jason look, Mercier, look, look, like I'll, I'll someone, even, let's pay I'll, someone a hundred dollars. I will even volunteer if if uh, if if these guys and, and you know I, I know I've sounded uh, sympathetic to your situation here on this interview and I've only heard one side of it, uh, but but look you know maybe when they told me their side I would completely change my mind. It's happened before where where something sounds totally one way and then I, I hear the other side it's the other way. But but I, I guarantee like I'll, I'll volunteer it. They probably it probably wouldn't happen. But if they want, I'll arbitrate if they want to escrow the money, and they and both sides can tell me exactly their story, and uh, I will figure it out from all the information I have from both sides of who is likely in the right. And you know, but but yeah, I'm but sure they would, I'm sure they would they never really think that's in question, Ross. They know they're in the wrong. They they were they you know they thought. There was that, no way they'd run it up that much. Now they're just trying to figure out any way to get out of it. Yeah, that like I know, I know. I'm just, I was just saying this that uh, like I don't see this type of thing ever happen. That's why I'm, I said I, I don't think it'll happen because that's that's part of the reason. Uh, by the way, I wanted to say that uh, you're really bringing the hits here, Mark, because we actually have, uh, from what I can see, the all-time highest live audience that we've ever had for this show. Oh, boy. You're really, uh, you're bringing in the hits here. I was very surprised when I looked at the numbers. I, I'm glad I didn't see earlier. I would have been nervous. I would have had uh, performance anxiety. So uh, to all the new listeners, to all the new listeners here, we do this show every week, usually on Wednesdays at 730 or around 730 Pacific time. Sometimes not. We just go a pretty damn long time, five, six hours. It's a good show to listen to if you grind poker or if you, uh, you know, have a job you want to hear the next day. Uh, you can... It's recorded live. We take phone calls. We haven't taken any uh, so far in this interview, but we take phone calls. We uh, will make calls to casinos and stuff. We'll just make calls out randomly. Uh, we, we just pretty much do anything on this show. It's unfiltered. We say how we really feel. We don't care who we piss off. And if you want to go and listen to any past shows, you can find them on iTunes, on Stitcher, uh, which is an app for the phone, TuneIn, which is another app for your smartphone, uh, Google Play. Or you can just go to our site, go to the forums, and go to the radio shows forum on PokerFraudAlert.com, and you can just go click on the MP3 in each thread, uh, and, and you can listen directly that way. So a lot of ways to listen to the show after it's been broadcast live, and we record it live, and it, play, it plays back exactly as we recorded it. That's why sometimes there's fail, sometimes there's producing the show during the show. But uh, a lot of times new listeners find this show from things like this, some kind of controversy that brings outsiders into listening to this. And we, we pick up some listeners who say, I, I like the style of this show. And it's, it's a little bit different than a lot of other shows out there. So if, if you are a new listener, you'd like to stick around and listen next week, uh, I'll be very happy. If you want to text me, my phone number is 775-372-8355. It's uh, 775-372-8355. You can do it anytime if you have uh, questions about anything. And, of course, anybody listening who 
has a rebuttal to this, whether you're one of the alleged scammers here or if you're someone who knows them. There was someone who kept trying to call in during the interview who says that he's got some information here regarding this that you know won't look good for you. And I, I told the person, you know, I asked, who are you? I, I texted them back, who are you? They hadn't answered last I looked. But uh, if anybody wants to call in, that is our phone number, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. The only thing I ask of you guys here if you call in is that you stick to this topic right now. If you want to call about another topic, then wait till this segment's over. So if you, if you start talking about something else, I'll have to hang up on you. But if you want to talk, call about this topic, 775-372-8355, while we wait to see if we get any calls about this. Uh, one other question. The people who are in that game with you normally that you talked about, what what is their impression? Do they believe you're in the right, or do they believe that uh, these guys are in the right, or do they not really know? A hundred percent. Every single one of them believe that I'm in the right. Um, you know, they've advocated for me. Sometimes they've even shouted on the phone. Uh, you know, just ask these guys, like, how, how can you be doing what you're doing? Um, you know, and it's really caused a bad situation. You know, we, we had a great, strong game that ran every Tuesday and Friday. But now, you know, one-third of the game is me, <laughs> Phil, and Justin. And then on top of that, you know, Phil was usually the bank, most of it being Paul's money. You know how it works in a high-stakes game. When, you know, one player's got to be the bank, you know. And uh, so it's just, it's just really throwing a monkey wrench into our whole economy. Uh, so everyone's pretty upset about the situation. Yeah. Well, okay. That's if there's people who are on your side here, then uh, you know you're saying they're, they're mostly or all on your side in that room. Then that's 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 good because these people probably know those involved and they don't know the situation better than the average observer from the outside. Uh, let's see. Oh, so also tell people. I know this is totally unrelated to this, but tell people about the time you played poker with me in 2009. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. Actually, one of those threads you referenced earlier uh, from the Fallon guy, it's, it's in that time period. And actually in that post before all the pictures removed uh, was uh, a photo. But anyway, so I think we were both waiting for other games. Uh, I don't remember what you were playing at the time. It might have been uh, Limit, um, but I was waiting for uh, a no-limit game uh, on the upper section. And we just happened to both kind of be sitting there, and I obviously noticed you. You know, all fanboy. Oh, it's how we tell dandruff, you know. And uh, so we played sixty-one twenty limit uh, for probably a down, maybe not even a full down. And uh, I think I wind up winning like one and a half big bets. So maybe I win, you know, one hundred and eighty dollars. And uh, as proof, I made you sign a Bellagio cocktail napkin uh, that I still have somewhere that says, you know, Mark Clang beat me for one hundred and eighty dollars. <laughs> on this day, and then you know, and Dandro. <laughs> so, so I'd love to see a scan, like a picture of that napkin. So, yeah, he had me actually sign a napkin that he he, yeah. beat, he beat me slightly in sixty one twenty. We played about half an hour waiting for another game. So that's that's about the extent of my uh, how much I know you. So just just to let everybody know here, this is not some close friend of mine or something that I'm putting on to you know, back his case. This is a and so you were pretty young at that time in oh nine. You were like what twenty three years old or so. Uh, yeah, exactly. Twenty three. Yep. Yeah. So, and if the money doesn't come through, then eBay the napkin. That, that's right. Know. That's that's you know you could sell that. You could that's correct. You could sell the napkin. You could say this is an original napkin signed by two thousand five uh, limit hold'em bracelet winner uh, Todd Dandruff Wittellis, and I'm going to be 
asking a lot, a lot of money for this. It's the only one of its kind. I'm willing to let it go for one million dollars. I should, uh, <laughs> I should get Tom McAvoy's PR people to list it on eBay for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's a Tom McAvoy napkin out there. He can package with the uh, bracelet. He might have a. <laughs> I, I think you should sell. I think to make some money. You said you're in you know, some financial trouble since uh, you've lost your job and you're not getting this money you thought it was coming to you. I think you should sell the napkin and the sandals as a package deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, oh, man. so that's uh, that, I mean, great. That, that's about it. I think uh, I think this has provided a lot of clarity. I think that uh, anybody listening to this story here understands now at, le- at least your side of it. Because you know, reading the two plus two thread, it was kind of confusing. I read this whole thing. And I'm like, it makes more sense now that you kind of just type this up quickly on your phone for Lyman, and then just copy paste it. So it's not. It wasn't put together meant for a mass audience because I read this I'm like what the hell's going on I, like, I, I kind of understand it but I, I, I kind of confused but I, I think this was put out here in, in a clear fashion I think everybody understands now and I, I encourage those who are accused here John Raisner et al to come forward with your answer to this and if you have no answer I think it is likely that you are guilty as charged and if, if you guys did do this you you need to find a way to pay him. This isn't going to go away. At least I don't think it will. And uh, and I that's another thing I encourage is you should be very persistent because this will go away actually if you don't keep pressing it. Because the one who's going to care about this the most and the one who should care about this the most is you. And if you do not keep on top of this and keep pressing and and every time one of them gets a job as an ambassador, every time someone you know he's in in a poker room or something, you know if, if this is constantly dogging them for years to come, or even months to come, at some point they're going to go, I just want this to be over. I just want it to be done. And, and, and that will give them motivation to pay. And so when someone owes some money they don't want to pay for whatever reason, either the, you know, they, either they're broke or close to broke, or, or they just kind of don't feel like paying, or they feel they can get away with not paying, what makes people pay is either frustration or fear. And when I say fear, I don't necessarily mean physical fear, like someone's going to kill them or beat them up. I mean fear of consequences, fear of you know of, of going, of being reported to the to the police or FBI, fear of uh, of what's going to happen to their reputation, fear of uh, uh, just you know any kind of consequence that comes from it, people not trusting them in the future, or frustration with the, the person that that you owe the money to is hassling and hassling and hassling, and just everything you're doing, they're following you. And saying, "Where's my money? Where's my money? Where's my money?" And you know, every time you take a job somewhere, you, you know, they, you know, the boss gets called. This is a very tough way to live, and, and eventually, the, a lot of times, the person will crack and say, "Okay, what do I have to do to put a stop to this?" And then they'll start making payments. There's there's situations like that. In fact, we have someone in our community on Poker Fraud Alert who scammed people for a much smaller sum of money, about twelve thousand dollars total. But he scammed people for about twelve thousand total, and he's been making payments slowly over time, and and you know. A few thousand have already been recovered for, for the victims, which is great. So, and he's still making payments to this yeah. day. So, so that's that's what needs to be done. If you just sit back and say, "I hope just one day they're gonna uh, they're just gonna do this uh, on their own," it's very unlikely to happen. So, just keep on them, keep pressing, keep doing whatever you can to make them know that there will be continued consequences. That the, you're going to be a fixture in their lives for as long as they don't pay you. And uh, and then maybe and Russ, get... I think we could have quarterly updates on the show to keep the story alive. Oh yeah, yeah. If you As, want to come back know, on, right? Yeah, and, and I think people have short memories 
if the, if these guys came clean, worked out a payment, nobody would remember this in a year. It's true, yeah. It, you know? It, right. But if, it, if they don't pay it, then it's going to affect many years. And if you – over five years, they're not getting deals, sponsorship, everything else – the sum's not going to be as big as it seems now. Yeah, especially if, if, if it goes on for years and they're just actively not paying, actively meaning that the, you're constantly asking them to pay, constantly going, where is it, where is it, and they're still not paying. They can't even claim, well, I kind of forgot about it. It kind of fell in the background. Like, if they're still not paying, and the fact that they paid you 43 k that should be pretty much the smoking gun that they didn't really think you were cheating. Because if they thought you were cheating, they should be paying you zero. If they thought you weren't cheating, they should exactly. do the whole thing. There's a, there's no in between. There's no middle ground. And was that from people? Yeah. Mark that owed like the ten percent people to now owe a smaller amount, or was it from the group as a whole? It was uh, combined. Combined four of them. Uh, the way it came, uh, it was from Justin, Phil, Paul, and Reese, or nothing from Starfish. Uh, so it, it reduced their total amount. Uh, you know that they owe between the four of them. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I think because I think dividing and conquering seriously is probably because I'm sure they you know yeah well, just, well just... one of them's probably pushing to say fuck it tell them we're gonna say cheated we're not paying I'm sure a couple of them like I don't want to do this but then they're getting sucked into yeah you know yeah that's a good point that they may not that's what they all depend kind of on Paul. You know, Phil's backed by Paul in the game, so he has to do whatever he says. Justin is best friend with Raisner, lived with him, and, you know, he said his exact words were, I would trust Paul with my bank account, you know, and they basically all agreed that they were going to do whatever Paul and Raisner do. And I, we, we, I and my friends in the game, you know, our mutual friends tried to really tell him, you're your own person, Justin. Like, because he was concerned before any of this came out. Like, he knew what he had to lose. And he even, you know, he, he knows that that there was so much on the line. And for him, even though he only had 10%, he was one of the people where it wasn't as big a percentage of their net worth. Uh, you know, he's done well in poker. He grinds 50, 60 hours a week in big cash games. And uh, he's good with his money. He's not. He doesn't have many leaks. So he had, you know, it would have been much easier for him to just pay that amount, you know, and he still could. He's the one person I think that could come forward, you know, in the next two to three days and say, you know, I'm sorry, like, take it. I want it over with none of this shit and just clear his name, you know, get his name removed. The big post is Justin Zach. He's no longer involved, paid in full. You know, he's sorry. He was going along with what he promised them. He realized it was a mistake. And, uh, and now he's ready to just move on, you know, and, and apologize to me and, uh, you know, Accepted. Thank you for the money, and, and we go on to the next guy. You yeah, know, no, and I and think that that's happens, what that accelerates everything. I think exactly. You know, so and I, and I think it's the best way just for everyone. You know, for it to get over with. Do that. Everyone makes a little payment plan. That's no problem. It'd be better for me probably because I wouldn't have fucking go blow it all at once. You know, and I'd have some <laughs> income coming in over the next year or two. So you know, no one's being unreasonable. There's just no communication. I cannot get a phone call, text, any third party. Um, so I guess the next thing maybe is, you know, law enforcement or a lawyer. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, just yeah. keep, keep And keep I do think, sorry, Jeff, just, I mean, a lawyer is somebody that can negotiate a deal. Or, you know, I think it's sometimes a third party dealing with it puts everybody in easier position. 
Yeah, but, and, and a lawyer, you, you should probably get someone who would do this on contingency so you don't you know, waste money, further money, trying to get this. So someone who say, look, you, the old 500K, you can have you know, whatever whatever percentage we agree to that you collect, and the, you know, and then just whatever it is, just uh, – and you, you can also eventually maybe get back the lawyer's fees, but, but you know, probably not. If you have to go that route and a, a contingency lawyer, you may have to just say, okay, well, I'm not going to get the full amount. If the lawyer gets some, but it's better than nothing, and, you know, that's, that's what I had to do. So anyway uh, – Sorry. Thank, thank you for coming on here. I, I, uh, I'm glad you, you drove some new people to the show, and thank you for promoting this. I know you did on, on your Snapchat and everything, and uh, uh, that's probably what got us some new listeners here. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you got to tell your story. I'm glad you have a napkin that I signed. Uh, and <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that uh, you know this show is being used as it was originally intended, which is to broadcast these sort of things. That was when I started this site. I said, I want this to be a place both the forum and the radio show to where these type of stories can come out and, and it's easy to find them, easy to digest them and, and to where everybody knows who to avoid and everybody knows that they have a place. They always have a voice where they can state these things and they're not going to be censored and, and, and where there's always going to be an audience for this. So thank you. And uh, we will, you're welcome to come back on with updates in the future on this. And my advice, just don't let this die, keep pressing and you might actually get some money out of, um, one or more of these people. Perfect. Well, I appreciate it, Todd. And uh, if you guys have any other questions or follow up stuff, just let me know. I appreciate your time, and uh, I'm going to listen to the rest of the show. Okay, thank you. Good night. Thanks, bud. Good night. So that was Mark Klang. And, uh, yeah, I, I I believe this happened as he described. Maybe a few details could be slightly off. I mean, this, this sounds to me pretty... Uh, Pretty legit to me. What, what do you guys yeah. think? It'd be hard to make up something with that much detail and everything else. And where the other side doesn't respond. Yeah, <laughs> and, and just with the hard rock acting so fast, I'm sure they probably looked at video of him and Racer going back in. Then they're gambling on the flips. <clears throat> you know, so, you know, so I mean, that could be a piece of it. Yeah, too. yeah, that's a good point that they may have looked at the video and figured it out and just put piece it all together and said, yeah, this this was happening. <laughs> we don't want anything to do with these two guys. They're gone. Like, yeah, yeah, it's this is one of these where there's smoke, there's fire sort of thing. And I would be shocked if it came out that the true story was like far off from what we've been told. I it, It's possible, but I, I think pretty unlikely. And if that if that did come out to be the case, I would be shocked. And I think I think you probably would be too. So, yep. So if Cal White, you still with us? Uh oh. See, Cal Watt got quiet. He got a little too quiet. Yeah. I'm Trader Ruski, I'm glad you you chimed in with a lot of stuff. You had a lot of good points that you brought up. But but I noticed that one person who wasn't chiming in towards the end was Cal Watt. And I said, uh oh. Yeah, I didn't know what happened. I, I know I what that means. Listening for a snore, but I didn't hear one. I, I know what that means. It was uh yeah, we haven't had the snoring yet, but Cal Watt is just He's not uh, he's not with us physically anymore. He's with us on the line, right? He's with us physically, but not mentally. He's, he's in go. he's in dreamland. So I you know I I Cal Watt for those of you that don't know he is in New York. So it's one twenty a.m. Uh, he actually wakes up in the morning. So he's not one of these degenerates that wakes up at three p.m. to where one a.m. isn't that late. So he he generously comes on this show you know, just about every week recently as, as the co-host, and uh, he will fall asleep often while we're doing the show. In fact, he told me when he was just a regular listener to this show, 
he told me that he comes on here, he actually listens to this show in order to fall asleep. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's not very flattering. He said, no, 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 it's, it's not that I don't find it interesting, it's that my mind just constantly works, and if I don't hear just somebody else talking, then I just think of so many things where I can't fall asleep, I can't relax. So I, I need something that I'm just listening to some someone else, and it's kind of just an easy thing to do, and then my mind can drift off. So, And I've heard this from other people, including C Money, who donates so much money to our free rolls. He said that he goes to sleep with this show. And I've said this before. I could never picture going to sleep with my voice in your head. I couldn't do it. I couldn't go to sleep hearing my own voice in my head. So somehow people do it. And I know Trader Risco, even you've fallen asleep before doing this show after you've uh, drank your herbal tea. I sure have. Yeah. So probably be happening in an hour or two. <laughs> then I'll be alone again. Yeah, I'll go from two co hosts to zero. So yeah, but seriously, uh, new listeners here. Uh you know, some of you are gonna probably think this show is crap and you're not gonna oh wait, it's, you know, we actually have somebody who's woken back up. Uh Calwatt, I see you're you're bright and awake again. Yeah, no, I I was here. I just walked away for a minute to use the bathroom. Oh, I got disconnected. So you, yeah, here, I, here I thought here I thought you went to sleep. I disconnected you just so we don't hear the snoring. Okay. No, no. not yet. Okay, good. So yeah, and I was saying the new listeners, you know, some of you are going to think the show was crap. You're never going to come back. Some of you will will think it was you know kind of okay and just not really think of coming back here. But but really, you know, take a listen next week. Go listen to some of the old shows if you want. And uh, some of you, I think, a some percentage of you are going to stick around and keep listening every week. Because it seems like the listeners to this show, the ones that listen regularly, are very dedicated. And what amazes me are the ones who actually find the show and like it so much and go back years to listen to shows from like 2012, 2013, where a lot of the topics we're talking about aren't even relevant anymore. And I go, wow, that is dedication. So I, I especially appreciate those people who like the show that much. So anyway. So wait, I would like to hear Kyle Watt's opinion of the whole thing since he was... Uh... Oh, yeah, 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 since you were indisposed, yeah. So what's your opinion? Do you believe this guy, this Mark Klang? Well, I, I mean, it's a little bit hard to judge, but he seemed credible. He he admitted, you know, the things that he did wrong in the past. The story sounded, you know, the story, story to me sounded pretty credible as well. Yeah. Um, I think that it's super unlikely that he was cheating them, at least from the way he described it. I mean, if they're providing the cards um, and I honestly, I think that probably what happened is, you know, they thought he was the big fish and they were going to reel him in and they brought him in and they were just on the wrong side of variance and he ran hot and they're like, holy fuck, what are we going to do now? Oh, that's exactly what happened. They thought yeah. they were just going to take every penny from him. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, and, and then he's up 100k. Oh, we can't continue, you know. Right. 200k. Oh, we're getting this back. That you know, I could see right. it. And now. then they then they went, oh shit, you know. <laughs> and then you know they probably had a meeting to talk about it, and they said, you know, what's this guy going to do if we just say he was cheating and don't pay him? What's he going to do? He can't go to the police. He can't, you know. There's nothing he can do about it. Um, but that was the funny thing about the cards. And then it's you remember we didn't use my cards. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, I would be interested, uh, and you mentioned this a few times, Druff, but I would be interested if Zima or any of these other guys wanted to come on and, and discuss their side, yeah, because maybe to. maybe there is something that, uh, you know, wasn't told here. I yeah, don't know. I, I would love to hear anybody on the other side 
who who can provide perspective that that might cast doubt upon this story I, because I, I want everybody to have their say and I I I don't want this to be a one-sided thing. I think right now it's only a yeah. one-sided thing because the other side won't speak. <laughs> so, yeah, so but, that, you know, I mean, it, again, at least from what was presented, I think that, I mean, he was pretty credible. He admitted all his failings and he admitted his past misdeeds and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, just because every now and again he stiffed someone for something doesn't mean he didn't just get fucked, yep. you know? Well, and it sounded like he went back to those people and took right. care of it, too, so... Yeah, you know, people get in life situations, and you never know what's going on. Well, and it's it's a fallacy, also, I think, to say you know just because someone did something wrong in the past that no one else could have done anything wrong to them. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's just not the way the world works. Or, or that it's okay. It, it happens. It, like it, it depends what it is. Like if it's a if it's something kind of uh, like like for example, if someone cheated Howard Letterer, then then I wouldn't cry for him. But but at the same time, yeah, if someone who's who's done a few kind of small time uh, scams in, in 2009, 11, and 13, that doesn't mean it's it's right to go rip that person off for five hundred thousand. Especially if yeah. you're not, especially if right. you're not the one he scammed. It's not like you're getting let's, back at, you're getting back at him for scamming you. You can't. Yeah, let's put it this way: <laughs> even a hooker can be raped. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's a good that's you know? a good example. Yeah. So I mean, if yeah. that's it. Yep. Yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll follow this if there's uh, changes or updates. Uh, we will keep you guys informed, and I'm just happy that uh, he kept around a napkin that I signed. I think that's, uh, yeah, I, I just think that's great that the guy in the middle. That's pretty baller. Has, that's has, pretty has, baller. Has a, has a, he wanted my signature on a napkin that he beat me. So okay. So anyway, this uh, here, here's a different, entirely different topic, but also about the scam. The Poker Players Championship in Aruba, again, nothing to do with the World Series of Poker, Poker Players Championship, but this was uh, the one that took over for the UB tournament. We've discussed this a number of times in the show. This is where the first through seventh place finishers were only given $10,000, which for first place was 123k short, and told they will be paid later. Uh, this was a c- apparently common practice with this poker tour that shouldn't have been, and stupid poker players were accepting this like it was normal, like it was okay. But uh, it turned out this whole thing was pretty much a Ponzi scheme. And uh, the reason people had to wait to get paid was not the stated reasons. It was actually just because they didn't have the money and found ways to raise it in those weeks in between. But in 2016, were unable to do so, so they just never paid the first through seventh place finishers beyond the first 10K. So they, they collectively owe hundreds of thousands of dollars to these people. And uh, the, the two owners of the PPC who were guilty of this are... Uh, uh, Brian Olton, O-U-L-T-O-N, and Sandy Schwartzbaugh, S-W-A-R-T-Z-B-A-U-G-H. And even though this has not been proven in a court of law or anything, it's uh, this has been covered extensively by poker media, including this show. And uh, these guys have been uh, basically hiding out. They've deleted their social media presence ever since this started. Lawyers are involved. It's, it's very clear at this point that, uh, yes, they're just skipping out on, on uh, what was owed. And they were even trying to raise money by selling off pieces of the PPC poker tour to third parties who didn't know all this was going on. Like right after they owed the money, they're trying to raise it by selling pieces of, of their poker tour. So you, you know what was going on there. So they, they clearly stole the money that was in the prize pool before the tournament took place, which is awful. That's basically outright theft. So uh, we've reported that before on the show. And we also reported on this show that Maryland live, which was one of 14 us based casinos that held PPC events, including satellites into this Aruba event, both for 2016 and for the 
one for 2017, which I'm sure is not going to take place. Maryland Live was named in a lawsuit uh, for the satellites that took place in uh, both in, in November, late November 2016, after this already happened. They still ran more satellites, and, and also for the ones they, they had for this event in 2016. So they were named in the lawsuit, and now a separate lawsuit has been filed by the same lawyer representing these same players. That is for, uh, uh, let's see here, the first place finisher, uh, Stephen Deutsch, then uh, uh, Michael Lerner, Joan Ott, and Joan, uh, John Ott, and Joan Sandoval, I think finished like third, fourth, and sixth. Uh, the second place finisher, James Biednell, strangely was not part of uh, of this lawsuit, but now he's part of he, he wasn't part of the original lawsuit, but now the same lawyer filed a second lawsuit where the second place finisher is part of it. So uh, he's joined in the James Biednell. And this second lawsuit is against Tampa Bay Downs, which is another US based casino which operated a poker a poker room which was associated with the poker players championship and ran, satellites into it. So they filed five counts in this lawsuit. Neg- two of them were negligent misrepresentation. One was negligence. One was unjust enrichment. And one is a negligence per se statutory violation, not to be confused with statutory rape. And so these are uh, basically uh, they're related to the active promotion, co-branding, and running of satellite events at Tampa Bay Downs. That was the first one. The second one is more uh, connected to the the participation of the management and the employees at that poker event. And uh, it, it says the plaintiff's attorney, Maurice Van, uh, Verstandig, said uh, Tampa Bay Downs furnished dealers and floor staff for the PPC main event and did a lot of co-branding with the PPC. So he's, they're also claiming the Tampa Bay Downs actually let some of their employees work at the Aruba event. So that's also making them responsible, he's claiming. Uh, Tampa Bay Downs actually said that they're not going to give comment. Uh, Flush Draw, which is the site that Haley Hintz works for, tried to get comment from Tampa Bay Downs, and they said that they're not going to comment until they evaluate the lawsuit's claims. So uh, so there's another lawsuit filed now against uh, you know, a second poker, uh, sorry, a second yeah, poker room in, based in the U.S. And there's 14 different rooms that were associated with the PPC. And I've always said that I think these poker rooms should be liable because when you go play at a poker room that's allowing you to win a seat into an event in Aruba, you think, okay, I'm getting this seat, and it's a real event I'm playing. It's not an event where uh, where the money's going to be stolen out of the prize pool by the by the organizer by the organizers. So, you think you're you're you know you think you're winning this seat from that casino, not from these these two guys in Florida that you don't even know if you can trust. So yeah, and that's why the casino should be doing due diligence before they sign these guys right. on. Due diligence, yeah. and they should be providing the money to the casino holding the event in Aruba, not not pay these guys. That's the huge mistake that was made. That, you know, I mean, these two should be marketed are marketers. That's all they are. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, I'd I'd say that the casinos are should be held more accountable than these two. Yeah. Well, come on, come on! You're insulting marketers. 
<laughs> yeah, but yeah, the, I I don't agree. These guys shouldn't be held. I think they should be held accountable the most, but they probably have no money. But I I, I would have no problem with the full amount that these people who got stiffed being collected from the casinos running these satellites. Yeah, because the whole thing let was the really casinos missed. go after these two. Yeah, because these the, these satellites were completely misrepresented as to what they were and to what was backing them. And you know, people would go play them, believing they're they're winning something from a legit casino for another event at another casino internationally, which they assume is legit. Not that whatever satellite seats they win, that the, that two guys from Florida get paid, and then you have to trust them to pay you when you go to Aruba and maybe win something. I mean, nobody knew that coming in. No one should have been expected to know that. They just go in trusting the brand of the casino, and they got let down because the casino was letting these two idiots from Florida handle everything and handle all the money, and they ran off with it. So, or not, not so much ran off with it; they they stole it and spent it probably. So, I think the casino should be liable, and it should be a wake up call to any of these casinos that you never associate with these independent poker tours unless you handle all the money. And as Trader Ruski just said, only let them market for you. But don't ever let any third parties handle money for anything that you give away. And since they stupidly did that, I couldn't believe that's the way it was being done. When I heard about this, and I heard that they were handing the satellite money to these two guys and say, hey, hold this for us, and when, you, when the main event comes up in Aruba, you'll make sure to bring it there. That's really what was happening. It's crazy. I, I would have never pictured in a million years that's the way they do it. I assumed if you would win a, a seat to the main event in, in Aruba that the casino you won it from would, would uh, wire the money over there. That's what I thought. Not, not that they give it to these two dudes. So that, that's a big, big problem. And I think the casinos really made a big mistake here, and they should pay. They, they should be liable here. So, so yeah, uh, I, I hope that this attorney is successful in punishing the casinos. It really was negligence. I don't think the casinos were looking to cheat anyone. I don't think that they were in cahoots with these two guys to steal the money. They were just negligent. They did, they did something stupid and left money in the hands of people who should not have been holding it, and then innocent customers got cheated. So it, it would be kind of like uh, if you're playing blackjack and, uh, and, and you, win, you, know, you win money in blackjack in the casino, and, and you go up to the, the cage and they say, sorry, you know, we, we can't pay you. The, pre- the people holding the money to pay you uh, just ran off with it, so we're, we're just not paying you. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened here. So they have to pay. I mean, they, you, you won these seats at the, over there, uh, you trusted the money would have been in the prize pool and, and would have been would have been transferred over to Aruba properly, which it was not, and that's the casino's fault and these guys' fault. So, I, you are you aware of uh, Hanlon's razor? Uh, it's not not the Hanson kids razor, is it? No, no, not the Hanson kids razor. Hanlon's razor. It's a, it basically summarized is never attribute to malice. Uh, that is, which is adequately explained by stupidity, and 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 that's what happened here, right? I yes, mean, yes. In, in terms of the casinos hosting it, they're not in on it. There's no, no. malice; they're just being idiots. Yes, that was negligence. That's, that's total, totally a, a perfect example of negligence versus, uh, yeah, some kind of malicious attempt to cheat anyone. But but they should still be responsible. You know, business negligence; they should still be responsible to pay those who got harmed from it. So. I hope this lawsuit is successful. I hope these people all get their money. And, uh, you know, keep in mind the people who won, th- these were not uh, pros with a deep bankroll. A lot of these were amateur players who I'd never heard of before. 
and I, I don't know what their financial situations are, but I and guys, if Druff in the poker world, if Druff hasn't heard of you, you're nobody. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. But, but look, you know, I, I assume most of the, a lot of these people were not uh, ones who win sums like this all the time. So to to win one hundred thirty three thousand in a tournament, this this could be huge money or or a huge event for these people to win that type of money and to not get paid is just awful. Especially in a live tournament, you never expect that to happen. Caller, you're on the air. Todd. Yeah. Hey, that's double. Are we gonna talk about what I uh, gave you the info for? About the local DJs, I, I mentioned it before. And the I, I mentioned in a previous show. I think we lost. Uh, did we lose? Uh, I think we lost Calawat somehow. No, I'm here. Oh, you're here yeah, too. yeah, you got to keep you got to keep Calawat on. Okay, you know what's weird? For, I've got to fix this in Skype. I've mentioned it before, Scott. It thinks you're Calawat. So it's like it, it, there's actually two Calawats on here, and it's kind of like combining you guys into one on my screen. It's really odd. So it's it's almost like you two are like on top of each other. So I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, <laughs> I'm just um, telling you the way it looks on my screen. Okay, so so Ruff, uh, keep your sick fantasies out of the show. Please. I'm not saying I'm enjoying thinking of that. I'm just saying what I'm seeing. So uh-huh. so, so look, uh, Scott. Yeah, we 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 talked about that. There were four DJs. I'm surprised you didn't hear it uh, on a previous show. There were four DJs who were uh, pr- promoting this uh, Aruba event. You said that they were given seats there. Well, you left a lot. You left a lot of stuff out, and that's what I'm trying to call about. Okay, well, tell us. All right, so the four DJs didn't all win a trip to Aruba, and they did not all get a trip to Aruba. They promoted it for months on end. This year, last year, I believe they did it two years ago. I don't want to say that they did, but I believe they did. And um, basically, they brought a lot of business to Maryland Live, where they would have never had the satellites run, or at least the, the junkies satellite run, where Maryland Live made a lot of money off of it. And the the DJs out of the show, the four of them, the same DJ won back-to-back years, where all he had to do was win was outlast the other three DJs. And no no money was paid by a single one to even get in the tournament. So something was fishy right then and there. Okay? Yeah. So say you have say you have 300 people enter, enter at a $100 at buy-in. You should have 30000 Well, you take those four away... They've only got 29600 So they've already scammed the system there with the PPC. This DJ knew something was up because apparently his father, he wants his – I don't want to give too much info, but the guy doesn't – the guy is a um, – was an orphan, okay, and his adoptive father, who he had passed away within, I don't know, a week of the tournament. I would just think not being blood – and having somebody pass away like that, you're still going to go to Aruba even if the day of the tournament would be my thought. Or at least contact the PPC and say, hey, I can't do it because had a death in the family, can one of the other three do it? None of them stepped up to go at all. Something's really fishy there. So, so and the, then I've tried to tell you that. Did they actually, sorry, have, ask did they actually have a seat that they, there was waiting for them there that they didn't show up for? Or... Uh... Or you're saying they had a seat for for a guy named John Allville, okay, who who won back to back years. Like I said, I think they did it three years. If they did, he won all three years. Um, mind you, three of the guys know how to really play poker. The other one, I don't. They know the basics. They could beat a one-two game, possibly compete in a two-five game. The fourth guy knows how to 
play pocket pairs. I mean, he'd be he'd look he'd he would look like the total noob in a game in in any tournament so, like but, that. But who won? Who in won any this, main who event? Who won the seat to go there? A guy named John Alville. So John Alville won, and, and he chose not to go because of his death in the family. And you think it's yeah. it's fishy because it was a what's it was, it, like, it was like an in law or something? I'm sorry. Repeat that again. You're saying that he he just chose not to go, even though he won the seat and claimed it was the death in the family, but that it was like an in-law. You didn't think it was likely he would have stayed home for that. Like, like is that what that what you're saying? Here? I mean, I mean, you know my situation. How I have foster kids. If I if I ever adopt one, I would think if something came up, I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to be dad to him. I'm going to be Scott to him. You know, I'm not going to treat. I'm not going to treat the same way. I'm. But at the same time, if if he's still really mourning, why didn't one of the other two step up and say, hey, we'll take the seat? It was part of the contract, I guess, that they had with the PPC. So why didn't one of the other two go down? Yeah, I understand, Everything was paid I understand for, what you're supposedly. saying. I understand what you're saying, but the thing is, of, of all people to know about this, I can't see how DJs who've been promoting it, of all people, would know that these guys are broke or stole the money unless they, they had talked to some people who had played in previous years that were slow paid. But uh, so so maybe they had heard rumors like, from people who had played in previous years that went back to them and said, "Hey, we, we were slow paid." And uh, uh, otherwise, it, I, I think it may be just a coincidence because it's uh, it's just not that likely that, that these two, you know, Schwarzbach or Bolton would actually have told them, "Hey, you know, hey DJs, uh, we don't really have the money, so don't bother going." Like I I think there's I I don't think they told anyone. I think these two were the only two that really knew the full extent of the situation. And the only way these DJs would have known is if they spoke to some someone in a previous year who was slow paid. That's the only way I think they may have known. You don't think them being um, – I'm trying to think how to say it. I guess they are promoters or they are doing spot form. You don't think they have some responsibility to their uh, to their listeners Well, to say, hey, we – you know, radio. Well, so the problem is on radio. It's, it's kind of funny with radio. They, they should. It, radio stations is kind of funny because you know they've got to find promotions wherever they can get, especially DJs who are not paid as well as uh, as others. You know, very large stations in large markets. Well, these these guys these guys have a very large. These guys have a very big market in Washington D.C. and make. Well, more than you can imagine. Okay. Well, that's. I mean, I've they, seen. I've seen I'm just, I'm I mean, I'm, there's, there's I'm not trying of, to. Yeah, there's a lot of money in, in radio that goes in in, in promoting of events, and uh, just because you promote something, it's, it's almost like doing a commercial. And if it turns out the thing you're doing a commercial for, and that's why I didn't blame Ronnie Barda or some of these others that that were promoting the PPC when they didn't know there's something wrong with it. I say the only time I blame someone for promoting something that turns out to be a scam is if. They either knew while they were promoting it that something was wrong, or they should have known. And if 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 it was, if the visibility they had into it wasn't enough to where they should have known, and they and they actually didn't know, then I don't blame them. So I know it's frustrating if you you know you're a fan of these DJs and you you come play because they recommended it, and then the whole thing turns out to be a scam. You can be angry at the DJs, but I can see how this would happen. Like I could see if I was a DJ, DJ on that station. And I was offered some money to promote this, and it it sounds like, hey, a, you know, a poker tournament in a live poker room around here, you know, why not promote it? It just seems like, like if someone said, hey, promote this tournament coming up at Commerce, I would do it. Promote this tournament coming up at Bellagio, I'd do it. I, I wouldn't even think for a second that there could be some kind of scam associated with it. So it, only if they had heard from people that that this tournament is having issues and they're not paying people quickly and it's you know, there might be a scam, if this was getting around to them, 
and they were still promoting it. Then they've got some ethical issues here, and maybe even some legal ones if it got proven. But uh, otherwise, no. So that's that's how I feel about it. Hey, Druff, uh, Larry Laffer wants to apologize to S-Double. Oh, okay. S-Double. So, yeah, he, he owes an apology to someone else, but it's all good. Okay, well, that's good. But, but anyway, Scott, yeah, thanks thanks for calling with your perspective on that. And, uh, and, and by the way, I, I got a, mess, a text message from someone who claims that they are friends with one of the accused in the last story we just talked about with, uh, with Mark Klang. And uh, it was funny because this guy was calling him like a madman when we were at the beginning of the segment when I wasn't taking phone calls. But then when I was ready to take phone calls, then he was not calling. And he also wasn't really answering my texts until after the segment was over. So I don't understand that, but maybe he got busy. But anyway, I, I said, look, if you're a friend of one of the – I don't know which one, but he claims he's a friend of one of the accused. I said – and he hasn't answered me yet, but I said uh, – I, I said, why doesn't one of the accused, whoever it is, come forward – and give their side. That's what I'm just not understanding with that situation. That uh, th- there's no excuse right now not to give some kind of answer. And, and yeah, uh, drop an, an analogy I would make. Do you remember Sean Deep? Yeah. When there, so there was some accusation floating around or, or whatever, and uh, ended up not being correct. And uh, you know, the first thing he did was get on the line and call you up and say, "Hey, this is bullshit." Right. You know, blah blah blah. I would expect. The same here, unless yeah. there's some good reason. I bet I know the reason is going to be peddled, that this involves an illegal game. Uh, like an yeah, illegal, and, and they, they don't want to admit they're running an illegal, illegal blackjack game or else they could be arrested for it. But that's, that's BS because they don't have to admit to that. They can come out and say, we, we're not going to get into details of anything, but, but I can tell you we did not scam him for 500 k This is completely not true. He's making up... Uh, these details are made up. It's not true. Uh, I'll be happy to privately discuss this with some of you here. I, I'm not going for various reasons. I'm not going to come out and publicly answer to any of this, but uh, but I'm telling you guys this is not true, and this will be found over time. And that's you can post that without admitting that you were running an illegal casino in your yeah, home. And and Druff also, you know, if well, you're not charging juice on the games, I don't know about the laws in Florida, but is it an illegal game? Yes, they're not charging a, juice. They're but, just playing against each other. No, but it wasn't a poker game. It was a. It's uh, still illegal. It, it was blackjack, yeah, okay. and blackjack especially. Blackjack's like a house banked game. You know, like it's a, it, the, the juice is built into blackjack because it's not it's not an even game. So, you know, that guy did have some. Uh, did guy that guy whoever called him Mark uh, whatever his name was yeah. did have some funky um, stuff he was saying where it didn't make sense where he self excludes himself from the casino. Well, no, Never no, heard that before. No, no, no. What, what he was trying to say is that he, he excluded himself. He said, he said, uh, and you can do this at any, any casino, as I'm sure you know. You can say, uh, "Don't let me come play here because I have a gambling problem." You oh, of course, self yeah. ex- self exclusion laws. But the way he was saying it, it sounded like he was. Enacting it on himself, and he no, never no, went no. to. He just said it. He just said it wrong. Whoever. He just said it wrong. He was. He was. He was actually explaining how he self-excluded there, and that he was trying to get around his self-exclusion by trying to play anyway. And then they'd catch him and keep booting him out. He was telling that little story at the beginning. But see that that doesn't that doesn't make sense because he could have a lawsuit right there. The moment he walks in the casino, if he self-excluded, they should have him tracked on facial recognition. I know it's what we do in Maryland. You are tracked right away if you walk in, and the moment you sit down at a table, your surveillance is calling and basically telling the whoever's running the pit, whether it's a pit boss, a floor man, a dual rate, not to deal with that player. Regardless if they have a card or not, they know who you are, Todd, the moment you walk in, and you know that. 
Well, sometimes. It, and and uh, the, well, I mean, unless you're wearing that stuff that the German person says they're making. But <laughs> come on, let's be ser- let's be serious here. The thing is, there there's they're they're not there's a certain uh, level of requirement of which they have to adhere to. They they're not required to stop you from even playing one hand. But at the same time, if they let you gamble there for weeks and didn't catch you, then they're obviously not doing their job. So it's something in between there, where if within a reasonable amount of time that they catch you, they're not required to have facial recognition software, but, but they are required to uh, have, make some effort to keep out people who are, who are barred or, or self-excluding. So as long as they make some reasonable effort to do this, which it sounds like they were, then they're pretty much in the clear. So I, I think uh, who knows why he was getting away with it with playing a little bit. But I think I believe the story, in fact, is not even a major part of, of his story here. So. There's not much reason to lie about that. I mean, I do, I do a little bit. He sounds like a total drunk and obviously uh, more than recreational drug user by asking for those Under Armour sandals. Yeah, well. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> but did the who, eight ball who, who and the Dom Perignon give that away? Well, he, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's yeah. a, uh, well, he is a drunk, but uh, that's not really the point. Okay, so. I mean, I just wonder if he ever used, I wonder if he ever used drugs before he met these guys. That's the real that's the real question. By, by the way, he just texted me saying, uh, you're explaining it correctly. Tampa Hard Rock doesn't have facial recognition. I was just at MGM National Harbor, and they came up to me right away based upon facial software. So I guess uh, I guess he excluded there, too. And uh, National Harbor is a lot better at catching him because they have facial rec. Okay. Well, you're making, well, you're making gonna, an interesting point. The info. You're, you're making an interesting point, though. I mean, that's what... A lot of these home games, I mean, part of the, re- you know, whether it's poker or blackjack or whatever, they run uh, because of the, the drugs and the women and, and that kind of, you know, perks that are offered. And it's, it would be interesting to know, uh, you know, if he was doing coke before you met these guys or if that's something that they kind of plied him with, you know. Yeah, well, I think his two plus two thread was kind of explaining that too—that they kept giving him more drugs and more alcohol, and they were expecting that he's going to be so screwed—he's going to be so screwed up at some point that uh, that he has to lose. It's not going right. to be just a matter of, of natural blackjack variance. It's a, and, and the, the odds eating you up. It's a matter of just gonna, he's going to play like look. So th- awful this list. guy was the 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 prey, and they were the predators. Oh, right? Yeah, it yeah, for sure. didn't happen to work out that way. Yeah, you for know. Sure. And uh, and uh, I I think about this in a poker sense sometimes. There was a game about two weeks ago I played on, on Ignition, a 3060 limit hold'em game, and, and all the good players went to sleep. And it was me and four players who ranged from like mediocre to, to pretty bad. And I said, I'm going to kill this because this is the, like that type of lineup I just absolutely destroy. Uh, e- even if the, the bad players aren't horrible and even if there's a few people who are kind of just mediocre, you take the good players out of the game, I'm going to kill this uh, even with just average cards. Well, I didn't get average cards. I actually lost in the game. And I was there a long time. I played it without – it was the middle of the night, so the good players were all sleeping. And I was just waiting at any moment to just break out and destroy everybody. It didn't happen. When the whole thing was over, I, I lost. And I, I couldn't believe it. I just said this is – that's the type of game I, I always win in and win big and and I lost and I said I just it just it, it just didn't work out the way it's supposed to because of the way the cards fell so that's what happened yeah. that's what it sounds like happened here that's why yeah. they call it you gambling run, that's right you run it a hundred times that scenario is probably going to happen three times we run it that hey Calloway I got a question for you shoot because we kind of because we kind of play the same game you ever been to Florida and play PLO I have have you ever been to one of these places where they have the um, quote-unquote restrictive game that they'll post it, but you're only invited if 
you know if you know somebody you know in the casino i haven't been there enough to notice that i mean i've played the the plo game at the hard rock uh but that's about it okay but I, I I don't play there yeah, enough cool. that I would be aware of any you know semi private games or whatever. Yeah, I I got, I got a text message by the way. We have a, a new listener, uh, Alan Kessler is listening to this show. Yeah, I guess he's he, a new. He listened last week, didn't he? No, well, no, we, he listened last week because we we had him on, and then he listened after. But but uh, uh, he actually listened this week, knowing he's not going to be on the show. And uh, but he he's been texting me throughout the show, and he but he said that uh, you can self exclude. And then rescind it later. That part makes no sense. So, uh, Scott, do you know about this? Can, can you? You can. You can in the state of Maryland. I don't. I don't want to quote other states. You can in the state of Maryland, but you have to give notice. They have to approve it. I mean, it's it's so much bullshit with the lottery here. I see. So, to go through. So, so maybe, I think because you can have somebody going one day. Sorry, Scott. You could have somebody going one day and, and give it, and then they could wake up a week later and go, "Hey, I didn't mean to do that." And obviously, you have to give reasons why and. A week isn't going to make a difference. You've got to wait about, um, I don't know, a good three months before they'll get back on you. I see. Minimum. So, so, so that's the problem is there's probably time involved. Yeah, otherwise otherwise the self-exclusion doesn't make sense. If you say, yeah, I'm excluding, and then uh, the next time you come when you want to degen again, they go, well, you're excluded. Oh, no, no, I don't want to be excluded anymore. Yeah. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it a year in California, Droff? I seem to think that, but I'm not sure. I've never yeah, I've never looked into that. I bet that. you it varies by county, even in some places. You know. Yeah. In this state, it, this state's so effed up, man. I mean, if you, you can say, "Hey, I, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to play blackjack," and not understand that once you exclude yourself from that, you can't walk in the poker room, you can't sit in the, can't sit a slot machine, you can't do anything. Yeah. I mean, All right. That's, uh, well, you can go to New Jersey. You can go to New Jersey and say, "Hey, I don't want to play this game," and I'm sure it's a tad different. Yeah, I'll take well, your okay. money for anything. Well, thank, thank you, Scott, for your uh, perspective on this here. And you, you know, you want to, you want to stay around? Or you want to, you want to get going? You can stay sure. Around. Keep me on. I'll be on mute. For, I'll be on mute for a couple minutes. So. Okay. So, uh, Tom McAvoy. He, he, this is an interesting character. Uh, Tom McAvoy won the World Series of Poker main event before some of the listeners to this show were even born. 1983 was the year that Tom McAvoy won the World Series of Poker main event. It was not even, uh, forget today's payouts of around $10 million bucks or $8 million, $9 million. No, It wasn't anything like that. He did not even win $1 million. And, and the buy-in was still ten k back then. So it was a much smaller event. And... Obviously, much easier to win, and of course, the players weren't as good back then. So, I'm not trying to take away from his accomplishment accomplishments that he still won the World Series of Poker main event. But unlike most other people who won it many years ago, who have not otherwise had big success in poker, Tom McAvoy really did a good job in marketing himself around that once the poker boom began. In fact, he did even even before the poker boom began. He was a, a columnist and card player. He was uh, a representative of Party Poker for a while and, and of other uh, online poker rooms. Just any anyone that would have him, he would pretty much be a, a representative or, or a featured pro. He was a, and why not? A, 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 I'm not criticizing it. I think, I, think <laughs> yeah. he did a, I think he did a great job taking something that most people would say was pretty irrelevant by then. Because you know, even in 2003 when the poker boom started, this was 20 years earlier. 
That's the equivalent of 1997 today. So, I mean, this was so long ago. And, and no one else, you know, I'm not talking about the Doyle Brunsons or other old-time poker players that, that uh, were famous. I'm talking about someone who won the main event one year in, in 83 and pretty much hadn't done very much since. He had a few other tournament scores, but he didn't even have any post-boom tournament scores. So I'm not saying he didn't cash, but he, he didn't really win anything significant in the entire time that he was appearing as a featured pro on all these sites and doing columns and he really knew how to market himself. And I'm not criticizing this. I think this was very smart of him to do. I think he wrote books. He, he, uh, he Basically, anything that would have him that, would, that he could make money from in relation to his World Series of Poker win, he did. He realized there was an opportunity in that poker blew up so quickly. and that He, he did what Kasuf wants to do. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying desperately to do as well as McAvoy did yeah, it, that so, kind and, of stuff. And McAvoy kind of did this quietly. He, you know, he, McAvoy is not an outrageous character. He's an older guy. He's kind of quiet. He's not, uh, he's not someone who became known through his personality. He just became known because he, he had won the main event. He realized everyone was fa- fascinated with poker and, and specifically the main event because of Moneymaker winning in 2003. And and he knew that by being a past main event winner, that a lot of people are going to want to play with him. A lot of people are going to want to learn poker from him. So so he, I, I it was amazing amazing to me how much he stretched this 1983 main event win into lucrative opportunities for him. Now I don't know how much he made. These weren't super lucrative, but. Compared to how long ago it was, uh, it, it was amazing. I was constantly amazed at, at all the things he did, even into the 2010s. I, Tell I, the truth, Ruff, were you je- just a tiny little bit jealous, too? I, I was because, you know, I had, I had actually thought after I won a bracelet in 05. Now, yes, it wasn't the main event. It was a limit hold'em event. But I, I thought in 05, okay, you know, I should uh, I, I should try to exploit this first, not in a bad way, but exploit this uh, – just Absolutely. Know, using the publicity to make money, and I and I just didn't. I should have written like a Limit Hold'em book. I should maybe, maybe made training videos because uh, n- now Limit Hold'em is, is dying, and people are much less interested in it as you know compared to what they were twelve years ago. Uh, but twelve years ago, uh, and, and I would have produced like real content that I would have thought was was helpful. I wouldn't have just the Druff system. Yeah, I, you're right. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have sold junk, but uh, but still, I, I had something there <laughs> that would have given me instant credibility that I won. Uh, a World Series of Poker bracelet in Limit Hold'em, and I also finished third that same year in a Limit Hold'em event at the World Series. So, you know, people, the average person who wants to learn Limit Hold'em reads this and says, wow, this guy has to know what he's doing. Wow, I want to learn Limit Hold'em from this guy. And that's like like a lot better than just saying, oh, I'm a good player, trust me. So, Do you think you would have outsold the MyCon system with the Druff system? I might have. I'm have. surprised Johnson and Johnson didn't come in with a big offer. <laughs> yeah, for the Dan Trump. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I like I, I the thing was I was doing well enough at the time playing poker. I said I don't feel like hassling with it. Like I, it was one of these things that came to mind, and then I just didn't do Oops. it. Oops. And then by the time I, I I thought, okay, I really should get going with this. I'm like, oh crap! Now limit hold'em's kind of dying out, and also uh, it's it's been now some years since I won the bracelet, so it's not as relevant anymore. So, mm. but now, now had Limit Hold'em remained as popular, it wouldn't have mattered because, I, you know, still I won a, a bracelet in 05 and, and had uh, other final table appearances in Limit Hold'em. But, uh, uh, but still, I, 
I, I, I did kind of wish I had done that. But anyway, McAvoy, he, he did a great job with this. He didn't miss any opportunities. There, one thing Tom McAvoy won't say on his deathbed is, I wish I was able to make more money from the 1983 win I had at the main event. He, Andrew, if I got bad that. news for you. They've done, I've read a bunch of studies that what people end up regret, regretting later on in life is the things that they didn't do. So you're going to be a little bit sad, and, and Tom McAvoy is going to be super happy. Yeah, well, I don't know about that because of what this segment's about. Because Tom Uh-oh. McAvoy, I guess the opportunities have dried up and or whatever they were, they weren't lucrative enough. Because Tom McAvoy is doing something that is almost always indicative, not always, but almost always indicative of financial trouble. Tom McAvoy is selling his 1983 World Series of Poker bracelet. And this has been verified. Poker News came out with this story yesterday. And they contacted Tom McAvoy because they saw an eBay listing where this is being sold and said, is this true or is this just some troll making this up? And he said, no, 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 it's true. I'm really selling it. So for the sum of 13500 which mm. that's not very much money. Like, you know, yes. It's, it's overpriced it's, in my well, it, it is, but as far as like what he's going to get out of it, it's, it's not like someone's going to pay three hundred k for his bracelet. He's like, okay, it's a piece of jewelry. This is a lot of money. I can't turn it. It's thirteen thousand five hundred. I mean, if, if someone yeah. came up to me and said, "Hey, Todd, hey, let me have your bracelet for thirteen thousand five hundred," uh, my reaction to them would be, <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's no way. It's, it it means way more money to me than than that, and. Not because of its sentimental value. So to, this is really Tom McAvoy's big accomplishment. This is what everybody knows him for. This is what he knows himself for, who was being the 1983 World Series of Poker main event champion. And to, to be selling your bracelet not for big money, but but for 13500 is really yeah. odd. And it's also hard to say that Tom doesn't care about it much because he's pretty much based... All, all these opportunities of his upon that win. So, so to be selling it is especially bad. So, so he he put up this eBay listing, and it, you get other things besides the bracelet. For thirteen thousand five hundred dollars total, you can have the following items: the bracelet, which by the way has twelve diamonds on it. You get three of his books, autographed mm. and dedicated upon request. <laughs> but wait, if you think that's not worth very much, you also get you also get two Poker Stars Pro team patches. <laughs> I think they gave me that when I signed a deal with them for the 2010 main event. And uh I th- I think when I busted I threw them away. That's how valuable they were to me. Uh you get a World Series of Poker collectible baseball on brass stand. <laughs> Not just a baseball, you get the brass stand, too. Drew, uh, this is actually depressing hearing. <laughs> I think I've got one. All these, like... How much is it worth? I, well, maybe 13500 uh, So, hold on. You also get the, the Poker Stars 2006 World Series of Poker team baseball in a clear box. 
And, and just in case all of that is But not... wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> call right call right now in the next 20 minutes and you also get 1 hour of private poker lessons with Tom McAvoy. <laughs> and uh, on eBay they always have like a shipping method. Uh, you know, you're going to get it UPS or uh, FedEx or post postal service. The the only way you can receive these items, according to eBay's listing, was that you get free local pickup. <laughs> so you you actually have to go to Tom McAvoy's house, presumably, and say, "Okay, Tom, I'm here for my uh, collect collectible baseball and my brass and the brass stand and the and the clear box and uh, and and the patches." And oh yeah, throw in your bracelet in that hour of lessons too. Oh. So yeah, this this doesn't look good. And he said he now he told Poker News that he's already been contacted by interested buyers, and that uh, the, the eBay posting uh, at, at the time when Poker News did this article yesterday that it had seven watchers and and thirty five inquiries. Now I clicked on the listing, and oddly enough, it it says fifteen thousand now, not uh, not. Thirteen thousand five hundred. The seller. Does that means someone bid on it, or so I don't know. But 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 it, it ended. The auction ended yesterday. Well, Todd, I got to tell you, I'm one of those seven watchers. I just want to see who buys it for how much. Oh, really? You were okay. Well, well, it's it's over. Well, I still it, am. Well, it ended on January seventeenth yesterday at five fourteen p.m. It was. And and it's uh, the seller. I, I assume this is Tom McAvoy. Was Ronnie's college fund? Now, who's Ronnie? Is that his kid or something? That's what does that even mean? Ronnie's college. You need to fund. do some research there and find out. Yeah, so Ronnie's college fund with 318 sales on eBay is the seller, and uh, the price is now 15,000. The auction has ended. It doesn't show that it was bought, so it's possible someone wrote to him. Now, keep in mind, eBay charges like a an eight percent fee, nine percent fee, I, I, something like that. So ten percent, unless you're a, unless okay. you have a store. Okay, so maybe it's gone up even. So, so I haven't sold them there in a little while. So maybe Tom's like. You know, if someone he knows, he's like, you know, just come on over and give me the cash. Screw eBay. We're not giving them 10%. I could totally understand that. But uh, maybe that's why he just ended it. Maybe someone is buying it for this. And uh, Ronnie's college fund will have $15,000 in it. So let's see. I'm, I see that. Is he selling this too? No, there's someone else. I, I was I, I saw it said more more items you might want to see. And I clicked on one was the PokerStars Team Pro patch. But it, but it doesn't like look like that Tom is selling it. It looks like it's being sold by some other person. But, but yeah, people... Uh, people. Hey, you know it. what patches went out for sale today, right? No. I don't know if you discussed it yet. The real grinders one, you can buy them. <laughs> I'll tell you, I I've mean, had... Ray Davis must be so... Ray Davis must be so rich. He must be balling in all that money that he's got that he tells everybody about. You know, I, I've gotten messages... From people because of the, getting involved in this whole Ray Davis and, and Brandy thing, I've gotten messages from two kind of camps of people. I, I some of them saying, "Hey, I want to tell you this about Brandy, that about Brandy," and you know they they want to rant about Brandy in some way or another. And then I also have the camp of people that wants to tell me about Ray Davis and how shady they feel he is. And and so I, I get kind of get both camps. And the, yet the people who are bashing Ray Davis are not necessarily. Defending Brandy, they're just like, "Hey, I want to tell you about Ray Davis," and they focus on him. So that's uh, I, I get both of those groups of people messaging me, and and I'll tell you that 
I, I kind of got worn down over the past week. I, I kind of felt like, oh, why did I get involved in this? This is such, such, such a pain in the ass. I don't, I don't feel like doing this anymore. It was like a story. Well, don't do I, that to your. Don't do that to yourself. I don't feel like doing this. But it anymore. makes me. But it makes me wonder. I mean, if he if he's trying to run a, a legit site, like why are you selling patches? Why aren't you giving that to a select few? If you've got bloggers and you got people paying for the site, why are you selling them? Well, like who wants to go to a poker tournament and wear a patch that they that they had to buy? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, we we give away these hats for free here on Poker Fraud Alert. I forgot patches. We give away we, we haven't in a while, but we gave away our hats last time for free. And, uh, yeah, but you and Calawad and Drexel wearing them, and I mean, people that are going to play the World Series, the few, the few five or ten, and I'm not trying to forget China Maniac. You know who I'm talking. I mean, you know the guys. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just. But why would you want a thousand people? I mean, why would a thousand different people want to buy patches for five dollars each and then put them on when you're not even like you're not really affiliated with anything? No, they wouldn't. I mean, there's some people who who just don't really think that way and just think they're part of something. Like they they have a group of a lot of people. I've noticed there's a lot of casual players in that Facebook group. There's a lot of people who kind of just want to feel like they're part of something. And and Ray has managed to get you know a lot of people in that group and. Some of them are very casual poker fans. They just kind of feel like excited that they're uh, even interacting with some names in poker they know. So, uh, that, that, but I don't think they're selling like a whole lot of these. I think they're probably selling only a small number. I don't know. They're advertising on their site to buy them. So yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's like, pretty. It's weird to me. Yeah, the whole thing's kind of weird. So anyway, Tom McAvoy. I have to imagine that. He must have finally. Uh, How old is this guy? Him. First he, of all, he's he's over sixty for sure. I mean, he, well, he was playing in eighty three. So uh, to to put this in perspective, I was eleven in nineteen eighty three. So. Right. So he's. <laughs> I, I would think he might even be in his seventies. Uh, we could probably look this up. He's definitely. I'm over, googling he's it. He's well over sixty. Like he's got yeah, because I think the pictures of him with the bracelet, if I recall. He's old in the picture when he won the bracelet. Right, right. right. No, yeah, he's got, he probably is over 70. But he's right. He, when he won that bracelet, he didn't look that young. So like, he wasn't just like a 21-year-old kid in 83. And even if he was a 20-year-old kid in 83, he'd still be... 72. Young. Yeah, I was going to say, even if he was as young as he could have been in 83, he'd still be a uh, minimum of 54 right now. World War II was happening when he was born. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. 1944. Yeah, I, I know, right? it's true. That's, that's, so he's like around my parents' age. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, unfortunately, it, it sounds like he's just, uh, you know, someone who probably never really saved anything for retirement. And, you know, he's he's needs the money and uh, he's selling it. Or, or just the marketing himself, just he just ran out of things to do. It just, uh, you know, there's... You mean three... poker stars think of him a Roth or, or a tra- traditional IRA? <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think he I think he just ran out of things that he could get paid for. It's just getting harder and harder to do that sort of thing, and uh, you know, eventually you run out of money to live on. I don't even think necessarily that he just you know blew the money on stupid things. I think. Well, but I mean, if you save for retirement, then you don't need to continue to have that kind of. Well, income. yeah, it, it just there's there's different degrees of, of financial responsibility. There's the, there's the degree of like the the guest we had on tonight who just as soon as he gets money he blows through it and and then there's the you know there's people who aren't quite that bad but also have a problem holding on to money there's ones who are good at holding on to money and making responsible decisions but but don't 
totally prepare for the future where something unexpected happens uh, or they stop making as much money, then they're in trouble. So I, th- I think he was probably, probably in that category. So that, that's Makes just my sense. guess. And by, by the way, there, I think that Kathy Liebert was involved with him for a number of years. I, I had heard that. And I, I know they're friends because I saw them hanging out. Like one time I was walking through the Orleans and they were walking around together. They weren't like holding hands or anything. This is like, I think after they weren't involved anymore and they were just friends. But people. Who do you think would win if they had a grudge heads up match? Oh, I, I think Kathy would win. I think Kathy would clean his clock. Yeah. But, but Kathy, what was funny is like Kathy, there were rumors for years, and I can understand why because of her mannerism. So people were sure for years. Don't say Kathy, it. Don't say it. Yeah, you know what I'm going to say. That Kathy, <laughs> Kathy Lieber was a lesbian, and 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 yet, uh, you know, this was the counter I gave. I said, you know what, I I can understand why you think that, and she definitely has the mannerisms of, of a lesbian. But, but. What are the mannerisms of a lesbian? Well, right? you know, just kind of kind of you know masculine in in. in uh, it, it, you know, just kind of masculine mannerisms. She just comes off as uh, not a very feminine person, uh, Kathy. So, doesn't mean she doesn't like the sausage. Well, but but that's a lot of people assume, and in many cases that's true. In many cases, women who look and act like Kathy are lesbians. But I, I counter with. Are you fact, saying she acts like Vanessa Selps? Well, she doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't look. She doesn't look like Vanessa Selps. But I'm. I'm saying. And then are you saying she acts like Vanessa? No, she doesn't really act like Vanessa, but it's 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 a little bit different. But still, she has she definitely doesn't have feminine mannerisms, and she definitely doesn't uh, you know dress very feminine either. She just she she really does come off like someone that you would expect would be a lesbian. But I, I've countered with that I had heard from reliable sources that she and and Tom really were in in a romantic relationship for 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 some time, and that wouldn't make sense. If she was a lesbian, so I think I think Kathy's just uh, you know it's a little different, but uh, probably is is straight or at least bi. And I and I haven't seen any. Or well, he, he might have turned her uh, that way. <laughs> well, and I haven't seen any evidence that she's ever like dated any women either. So it's not like like I have to say the only evidence I've heard of her dating anyone was uh, was Tom McAvoy. So I think uh, and, and they're still friends afterwards, but. Uh, yeah, that's that's one other note about Tom McAvoy. I remember when I first started playing. That on is Poker, really weird. I remember when I first started playing on Poker Stars. He was like one of the main featured pros. So, do you remember on Poker Stars they had like those little circles where they had someone's faces at the bottom? They had like Money Maker down there eventually. You know when he won, and they had Raymer down there. They had those little circles representing their pros. Like they always had like four circles. The four people there. at the bottom. In, in fact, I remember uh, the the S double account on Poker Stars was down there sometimes for, for winning tournaments. But uh, yeah, that was uh, a yeah. yeah. Not <laughs> so, but, but anyway, uh, I remember seeing Tom McAvoy down there all the time, and you, know, you always saw I always saw his face as I played on Poker Stars in like '03 and '04. So let's uh, let's get over to the next topic. A heads-up grudge match. Another heads-up grudge match has been scheduled for 2017. This seems to be the theme of the early part of this year. Uh, there's already one scheduled for Kate Hall and Mike Dentali, and now we have, uh, similarly, uh, uh, a male versus female heads-up grudge match based upon trash talk that had occurred earlier. This one, however, is not about trash talk on Twitter. This was having to do with a controversy that appeared on TV. 
for the World Series of Poker main event, fairly deep into it. Stacy Madison had a big thing happen with William Kasuf. We had him on this show. Uh, we talked about this. Uh, basically, she had pocket queens. He went all in on her, and she had to decide whether she calls or folds. And it was for her tournament life, and uh, she had queens as an overpair. And uh, she had to term- determine was he, whether he was bluffing or he was not. Now, you may say that's kind of a standard thing in poker, but he was talking and talking and talking as she was deciding. And she was getting more and more frustrated with it and, and, and then started making complaints to the floor. And then the floor told him to be quiet. And then he still wasn't quiet. and He got a penalty. And you guys probably remember that whole story. So when this aired, there were a lot of different opinions about both William and Stacy. Some people kind of sided with Stacy and felt that she was being abused by William on the table and William was a jerk and, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that she was in the right here and, and, and others felt that uh, she was being too sensitive and that this is part of the game, that the talking, and that she, you know, and some of them felt that she received some favoritism because she had some kind of association. She had, like, some dealer school or something that was associated with the World Series and that Jack Effel's picture was right next to hers, Jack Effel, the tournament director, right next to hers on the website, that uh, why is he making rulings on this when they obviously have some kind of association? So they're, you know, she, And then she posted some things in her defense on 2 Plus 2 and didn't come off very well. Some, some people disliked her even more after that. So basically, both she and William Kasuf had their share of haters over the situation. So earlier this week, I don't know why this happened now as opposed to when the controversy uh, occurred in November when this was aired on TV. But now, a few months later, earlier this week, Stacy Madison challenged William Kasuf to a heads-up match at the uh, 888 Live Poker Festival at King's Casino uh, Razvadov in February. And this is when she, she posted this on her Instagram. By the way, I, I, don't, I still don't really understand Instagram. Like I, under, meaning, I, I would understand how to use it from a technical standpoint, but... I, I'm still having trouble, like, kind of understanding the point of it. I think I'm too old to understand Instagram. But you don't like looking at pictures. But but you can do that on the other social media platforms. You don't need an, uh, like Instagram for that. That's why I don't get this. It just it kind of seems like a um, like a, a version of Twitter that's more based on pictures, where you just you can that's, type longer. That's exactly you know it's a lot of what it is. Is that it's you follow various people. And you see stuff just like Twitter, and yeah, I mean that's what it is. But yeah, it seems more to like look at pictures than to actually like like communicate with people. Where Twitter is more about communicating. Well, uh, you can comment on them, but yeah, it's more of a you know as narcissistic as as Twitter is. I mean, <laughs> Instagram is uh, over the top in yeah, that see, regard. I, I, I really think I'm too old to understand it. But anyway, so no, is, yeah, I mean, if you were like you know a hot chick, you would want to be on Instagram, not on Twitter. But if I was a, if I was a hot chick, I wouldn't be 45. So, well, right, you're going to get all ageist on us. First, you're stereotyping lesbians, and now you're saying <laughs> women can't look good over 45. Hey, look, I'm, ba- I'm bashing myself, though. I'm saying that I'm, I'm too old to be using Instagram and, and being hot. So, anyway. The, well, the, the, Ruff, you, you'd make a horrible woman. We've, we both I'm, know I'm that. I'm not talking about being a woman. I'm saying just even being, uh, you know, using it uh, to flaunt myself as a man. I'm just saying I'm just oh, too old. you're going <laughs> to... <laughs> well, if you didn't exploit yourself... Uh, back when you had a real shot at it with uh, the whole limit hold'em bracelet, I don't think you're 
really the Instagram type, you know? No, no. I, I don't think I'm going to – like if I post like bathing suit pictures, I don't think I'm going to get like a million followers. To, oh, to, to dear God, get that image out of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, so uh, this is what she wrote. The secret's out, LOL. Why, why put hashtag LOL? What, like what's the funny thing here? The secret's out, LOL. Hashtag. Uh, after the whole – Oh gosh, but so many hashtags. Hashtag media, hashtag storm on hashtag ESPN, hashtag fans, hashtag 888poker1, hashtag redemption, hashtag heads up, hashtag match, hashtag poker against hashtag William Kasoup. Oh I God. hope she loses already. I don't even know her. I just, after oh all the God, fucking that, hashtags, that I hope horrible. she loses. That's That's even hard to read. Don't you mean hashtag I hope she loses? <laughs> I hope, I, I hashtag hope, hashtag she, hashtag loses. <laughs> let's then, then she quits with a hashtag she just goes let's be real if I called with the queens no one would know who William Kasuf was at that time so it will be happening first week in February at hashtag Prague hashtag live hashtag Kings Casino at the grinder 44 will be commentating commentating play by play that means it's probably, some, it's probably some kind of scam then if the grinder is involved is he, if anything that he agrees to represent turns out to be a scam uh, t- time to play Hashtag excited Hashtag boom Hashtag let the ninja come out Dot 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 Hashtag poker Hashtag pros Hashtag duel Hashtag cheeky Hashtag fun Hashtag heads up Hashtag lol again Hashtag media Hashtag challenges Hashtag trophy Hashtag let's see who the real boss is oh, Drop for the love of fucking god No more hashtags Hashtag sorry Oh <laughs> No. So that's what she wrote, really. This is on Instagram. And so this, this is uh, – let me tell you what's a little suspect about this whole thing. If you're an American player, as she is, and, and you want to challenge someone to a heads-up match, you don't really think of challenging, challenging them to, at the 888 Live Poker Festival at King's Casino Rosvadov in Prague. I mean, uh, maybe you do that if, if you're Brandy from Real Grinders and you pretend to go to Moscow, which is really Prague. <laughs> but, but you don't do this uh, as, like, this is, I would never think of something like that. If I'm challenging anyone, no matter where they live, I would say, okay, uh, let's have our head up match at Commerce or the Bellagio. That, that's what I would say. Uh, or you know, maybe if you're in the East Coast, you the Borgata. You're not going to pick something in Prague. Uh, to, to challenge someone heads up. So, th- and, and and then it seems like she's really you know trying to promote this uh, very hard. So to me, this seems like that she made some kind of deal. Maybe they even approached her, this casino, because this is happening out of nowhere. And uh, and then he he responded back on Instagram, by the way, with, with this defiant-looking picture where he's he's got his arms crossed and he's standing in, some, in front of some sort of painting in a hallway somewhere. He says, so Stacy Madison, who I got to lay down queen to the World Series main event when I bluffed her with nine high like a boss, has challenged me to a heads-up match at the 888 Live Festival in King's Casino Rosvadov on 2nd February. Here's my response. Let the fun and games begin. We, LOL, and he did a bunch of uh, emojis. Hashtag 888 Live, hashtag King's Casino, hashtag heads up. Stop! Trophy hunting, hashtag banner. <laughs> well, you know, you know what? At least he didn't do that many. He, he did like about 10% of the hashtags she did. Yeah, but he's like a 30 or 40-something-year-old dude with fucking emojis all over his Instagram. Yeah, that, that, Jesus fucking Christ. Too. So, so uh, this looks like – this reminds me a lot of the uh, very 
staged heads up match between Liz Lou and Eric one, two, three, many years ago where, where they made up some story that the two of them were playing and that, that Liz called him a fish or no, he called her a fish in Swedish. He, he said, he said she was a fisk and then she was insulted, said, let's play heads up. And then they had this epic heads up match in Vegas. And the whole thing was clearly a publicity stunt for the site that they were both representing They They were conveniently both representing the same site too. So it was obviously set up. I think that, this uh, 888 Live set this up and, and c- contacted both of them and said, let's have this here. We'll pay your way out here. We'll, you know, we'll give you this money. You know, maybe we'll even buy you into this heads-up match against each other. And, uh, and you know, guys promote this. And now people, maybe people will come out to Prague to play also and to be there live for this. Or it just brings people at- attention to the fact that this event exists. Which which it has because I didn't know about this event and now I do. I'm not going to go, but you know I I know it exists now where before I didn't. So it, I guess it kind of worked, and I guess I'm broadcasting this to our listeners now. So I guess they know too. So I guess I kind of fell into the trap. So I I think this is not a real heads up challenge. I think this is kind of manufactured. So. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, if this ends up being um just a publicity stunt, which it really sounds like it is, then, you know, I mean, I guess, sure, whatever, do what you got to do. But, you know, all of these, like, heads-up challenges are just fucking stupid. <laughs> you know? As entertaining, I mean, honestly, like, the, the Dentale Kate Hall one probably will be pretty entertaining, just because of, uh, you know, the characters involved. Yeah, and but, the least... whole, but the whole poker player thing where, ooh, someone insulted me, let's play heads-up for roles is one of the dumbest fucking things ever. It is, and, and uh, I, just because you don't want to do that, if someone challenges you, that doesn't mean you're the worst player. You're chicken. It may just mean you you don't want to uh, you don't want the variance of it. You don't you don't feel the need to play against someone who's also a, a decent or good player, and just no. It's know, just stupid because the the argument yeah. could be about something else entirely. Yeah. Oh, let's settle it by playing heads up. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That really fucking means anything. Yeah. You know? I, I will say, at least the Dentali and Kate Hall one, at least this is based, at least this isn't a publicity stunt in that they, right. they were having a legitimate argument on Twitter and legitimately didn't like each other. And then, and then this, and, and he was, you know, criticizing her poker player and she's criticizing him back. So at least, at least the origins of that were pure. Oh, and that one will probably be entertaining as yeah, hell. Yeah, and it'll probably be entertaining. Because you know seems... neither one of them is going to be able to keep their mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> no and way. And they're so opposite, too. So like, it, it, it will be entertaining. And, and that, at least that one had its pure origins. I, I, I hate the You know what I hope, Druff? You know what I hope? I know I gave an image of her, like, you know, diving over the table and grabbing his balls. But <laughs> even better than that, it would be so awesome if they just were, like, at each other's throats the whole time. And then she just can't take it anymore, and she just grudge fucks him right on the table. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or she's it's it's that that hate, this is intense hate, and she just can't stand it anymore, and and just bangs him right on TV. That would be fantastic. Yeah, that would be great. They could they could you know Poker Night in America. I know they 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 broadcast on a, on a station that can't really show that, but what they could do is they could they could put a censored thing, and then say if you want to see the full version, then you, know, you go to the website and you can download the X rated version for. Yeah, they could do the the Japanese porn thing where they pixelate the uh, you know the genital areas. Not that I would know what happens with Japanese porn or anything like that. Just saying. Yeah. Well, so that's that's going on on February second, and I, I have to say I'm not very excited about this. Hashtag I don't care. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I'm already turned off just by all the fucking hashtags. No, I am too. I, I'm not going to pay attention to the, this. The whole thing. thing has an air of, of just kind of phoniness to it. So, yeah, it's. I mean, it's probably like Kasuf because he, you know, he seems like he really does want to maximize his exposure. Um, you know, both the way he was talking about stuff, the media circuit that he did. I mean, he was on every podcast under yes, the sun, yes. including, including this one. Um, and then, you know, just the buying or agreeing to, uh, take less money in order to win that title, the 25 K event or whatever. My guess is that he probably was like, Hey, look, you know, we've got this thing. Why don't we leverage this? We already had this. Let's, let's do an event and we can get some publicity yeah, out of it. it, it it's probably right, how it went this down. This may have been you know? his idea. You know, he, he, maybe he approached the poker room and said, uh, you know, mm-hmm. here's, here's what I'm offering, you know, give us this and, you know, I'll get Stacy on board and, uh, and we'll do it. Almost certainly that's what happened. Yeah. You know, well, I, I know this didn't just happen. I know Stacy didn't just like wake up one day and go, I'm going to, challenge him to a heads-up match in Prague. Like, there's no way... He that... woke up one day and said, I'm just going to post something with 50,000 hashtags. Yeah, and, and, and I'm going to pick Prague as the as the location for a yeah. heads-up match. It's, it's just, for some reason, months later, I've just decided I'm going to play William Kasuf in Prague. No reason, that's just Prague. Like, we're, we're just going there. That's... Okay, so... It's, you're, you're definitely right. Like, it, it <laughs> sounds like very contrived. Yeah. So, uh... Antigua... We've talked about this before. They may soon be the go-to place for pirated U.S. Uh, media, where you can uh, get music, software, movies. Instead of having to go to some shady torrent to get it, instead of having to go to the Pirate Bay and go to some torrent and hope that uh, the torrent is not actually being uh, put out there by one of the studios to then grab your IP address and then uh, you get an expensive lawsuit in the mail, which I've seen. Uh, I haven't personally seen it, but I've heard of. Uh, This, you might be able to just go to a site in Antigua and just download directly because this goes back a long way where the U.S. was saying, was not letting people play on unlicensed gambling sites or you know unlicensed for US players that were operating out of Antigua. Antigua had a large industry of online gambling, not just poker, but you know a lot of different online gambling. I even knew someone personally who owned both a poker room and an online casino in Antigua. In fact, I went to visit this person in Antigua and it's not Mike on. Uh, so it's got a big industry there. But, of course, U.S. players, that was their biggest market. And when the U.S. Uh, started to take steps to prevent this, such as the UIGEA in 2006, Antigua lost a lot of business. So Antigua filed a World Trade Organization uh, claim against the U.S., saying that this is an unfair, uh, it's unfair interference by the U.S. in international trade. Now, I think that's BS. I think that if the U.S. had prevented Antigua from offering games to the rest of the world or, or, or tried to push it you know, in favor of their own sites, if they did things like that, then I think they were should be in violation. But not if the U.S. says we don't want our own citizens gambling on your sites, uh, because either because we don't want people gambling online or because we don't like the protections you have in place. We want our own laws and our own uh, licensing procedure. So... Whatever the reasons, the U.S. has every right to say that they don't want its residents to play 
on uh, foreign sites. I'm not saying that uh, I'm for those laws. I'm just saying that the U.S. has the right to pass them, and they're not. I don't feel they're actually violating any kind of uh, free trade agreements. But believe it or not, the World Trade Organization did side with Antigua, and they gave a $21 million judgment against the U.S., which which isn't very much money, $21 million. But but nevertheless, that judgment has stood for a long time. Uh, so the uh, they've been trying for 12 years now, since that judgment first came down, to collect on this. And uh, and I guess it's not just 21 million. I guess it's 21 million um, each year. So it's, it's actually added up to well over 100 now, since over 12 years. But, uh, of course, what is Antigua going to do if the U.S. won't pay them? And that's been the U.S.'s response, is we don't care what the World Trade Organization says. They can't force us to pay. You're a tiny nation of 55,000 people, which is what they are. You can't force us to pay. What are you going to do, invade the U.S.? <laughs> what, what are you going to do? What, what, what can Antigua do to the U.S. if the U.S. just won't pay? So Antigua has been grappling with this and the idea they came up with, which they've floated a, a number of times over the last few years, they haven't actually done yet, is they have threatened to collect it through selling copyrighted U.S. stuff, U.S. intellectual property, such as movies, music, software, on websites they set up out of Antigua, where you can buy these things very cheap, uh, much cheaper than you could buy it in the U.S., uh, that Antigua will sell you on, on their sites that the government will run to collect it. They're going to be in for a rude awakening if they try that. Well, that's that's what I think that they've been afraid of. So, so they threatened and threatened, but they haven't done it. And a few months ago, they threatened again and still didn't do it. Well, now now they've uh, given the deadline, which is coming very very soon, for when they're going to start taking action. And that is the end of the Obama administration, which is going to be occurring in two days. This is from Sir Williams, who, uh, what, what is Williams' uh, exact title? Sir Williams, is he the, uh, he's, he's the Governor General, Sir Rodney Williams, the Governor General of Antigua. And this is what he said during his speech. One of the greatest challenges facing my country's diplomacy is the resistance which Antigua has encountered from its great friend and neighbor, the USA, in the outstanding World Trade Organization matter. Having successfully prosecuted our case at the World World Trade Organization more than 12 years ago and having been awarded $21 million U.S. annually by the world body, getting the USA to make good on its obligations has been impossible. For more than 30 months, my government had tried to get the U.S. to come to a meaningful settlement. It was my government's view that a settlement would have been achieved before the Obama administration demitted office on January 20, 2017. That date will soon pass. Consequently, it is the intention of my government to apply the remedies permitted by the World Trade Organization. It is my government's intention to proceed to Parliament to adopt legislation consistent with the ruling, allowing Antigua to nullify U.S. copyright protections and to benefit from so doing. So they're basically saying that uh, they've g- given this deadline of, of Ob- the end of the Obama administration, and once that happens, he's going to have the government pass legislation to allow them to just 
break U.S. copyright law and sell U.S. copyrighted uh, goods, uh, pr- probably media, online, and, and collect money that way. He said, the U.S. is a very powerful and wealthy state, capable of inflicting harm. Yeah, you, you think so? Uh, my government believes that the new administration that is about to take office will recognize the lawfulness and justness of our actions and quickly settle the differences that have kept, kept our negotiators apart. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He thinks the Trump administration is going to back down? <laughs> he thinks the Trump is going to say, all right, Antigua, it's, it's, it's a tremendous country. I love Antigua. We've, we've owed them uh, $144 million over the past 12 years. I think it's time we pay. I'm going to write them a check right now. I'm going to, I'm going to pay them from the Trump account. I, I think they deserve so much. Like, what do they think is going to happen here? So he says they wrote. He said the USA will not turn to intimidation and revenge. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, talk to Cuba about that. Yeah. So he thinks, <laughs> he thinks the Trump administration is just going to recognize that they deserve this money, and and then they're not going to they're not going to resort to intimidation or revenge if if they try to collect by violating U.S. copyrights. So. Uh, if they try this, it's going to be a disaster. There's there's no way this is going to last long. There's no way the U.S. is going to permit such a site to operate without interfering with it. Uh, th- this is not going to go over. So I, I still think this is an idle threat. I don't think they're actually going to go through with it. I think they just want... some reason, they, they, they feel that the U.S. is going to tremble in their boots. This may be some sort of trial balloon they're pu- pulling out to see if... Uh, by... Petruff, I mean, I talked about this before, but just take a step back and what we talked about uh, before about it is that it's pretty amazing that the, the world trade organization exists and they got a ruling in their favor and the USA just said, fuck you. We don't like it. Yeah. Like what, what's the point of even having a body like that? There isn't. The, if it has no teeth whatsoever, a lot of these things, even the UN's like that, you know, like the, a lot of times these, these organizations, the international organizations, they like to posture like they're powerful and like they, uh, that they actually have jurisdiction over countries that they can they can just uh, force their will of whatever they decide, and they can't. They, they when it comes down to it, the, the countries that are part of them, especially the more powerful countries, can just give them the middle finger, and nothing happens. So, so they, they shouldn't exist. There's no point. So, a- anyway, th- this I don't think they're going to really do it. I think maybe they're hoping that Trump would just do this to kind of like be anti-Obama, to just be different from Obama. But I don't see – I don't even think the U.S. is in the wrong here. I don't think Obama felt that the U.S. was in the wrong. I don't think Trump is going to feel that the U.S. is in the wrong. I think every most people in the U.S., whether they agree with these anti-gambling laws or not, at, at the very least agrees that the U.S. is not interfering with free trade by making them. So – I, I don't think they're going to find many fans in the U.S. that says, "Oh yeah, you know, pay the pay Antigua 144 million because we couldn't gamble on their sites." It, and, it reminds me uh, a little bit of the opium war. Do you know anything about that? Uh, no, not that much. So the East India Trading Company was a hugely powerful uh, company back in the day, and one of the things that they were selling was opium. Right, so they were selling opium all over the place, and China was one of the places that were they were selling just tons and tons of opium, right? 
And what ended up happening is uh, the uh, England made opium illegal, right? So it was something that they said, look, we're not selling, we're not letting you sell to any of our citizens. But the East India Trading Company was still wanted to sell them into China, right? And they, there was, a, you know, some ruler in China said, look, you can't sell this to the people here. They're, they're getting sick. You know, this, this is not going to work out. And the U.K., um, actually brought in gunships into Shanghai, I think it was, and <laughs> under the uh, the uh, under the gun, literally forced them to allow the East India Trading Company to keep selling the opium that they themselves declared illegal. Wow, <laughs> it was just absolutely insane. But you know, it's it's that kind of thing where. Um, you know, you can't force you can't force free trade when a country has declared something illegal, whether you know we agree with it or not. In terms of the gambling, you know, it, it would be like uh, Colombia saying it's restricting free trade because we don't yeah. uh, allow to buy cocaine here. You know, yeah, and and uh, saw twenty four in chat's claiming he says we're in the wrong. Uh, we, the U.S. is breaking agreements we signed. I'm not sure what what agreements he's talking about. I I don't. It's believe... probably true though. <laughs> well, the U.S. may have agreed. What I think they may have agreed was that the World Trade Organization is going to decide this, and and if and, and the U.S. will abide by the decision or something like yeah, that. Yeah, binding I, arbitration. Yeah, essentially. so it probably yeah. was something like that. And then the U.S. didn't like the result and backed and said, "Forget it." Which Since I, they, I, fuck I, you. I, yeah. On one hand, is kind of crappy when when anyone or anything does that. But but on the other hand. The, the, I still feel the whole basis of this was wrong. That there was no, I don't believe the U.S. ever had an agreement with Antigua. Oh yeah, you can keep offering uh, gambling to our residents, and we're, we're not going to interfere with that. We we're, I don't think the U.S. ever signed an agreement that they can offer gambling to U.S. residents online. I, I'd be shocked if there's any kind of uh, agreement like that signed. So they may have agreed to the arbitration, but I I just think the arbitration got it wrong. I think the the WTO got it wrong. And that's, I think that's what the U.S. is feeling, that they just kind of got screwed with this. <laughs> they're just not paying. They think they're, they're just, it's kind of like going into court. Picture this. You go into court, and you know you're 100% in the right. Someone's suing you with a completely frivolous lawsuit. That's not just your opinion. You, you, you feel so strongly that you're 100% in the right, and you're sure you're going to just kick ass and win the lawsuit. And you go into court, and you lose. And, and uh, let's say you file an appeal, and you lose. So now you owe the money. And and so you may feel like, you know, if you can get out of paying this in some way, you would do so and not feel bad about it because you feel like you got screwed by the court system. That's kind of how the U.S. feels. Like they, they felt like they went there. They, they felt like it was going to be ruled in their favor. It didn't. And they're like, okay, well, the ruling screwed us. We don't agree with it. So we're going back on what we said. So. Uh, truthfully, they shouldn't have agreed to such arbitration if they were not going to pay up if the result was this way. I agree with that. But at the same time, I think this whole thing's bogus. I think that Antigua has should not be able to tell the U.S. what they should allow or should not allow for its own citizens. They don't have the right to do that. So, Okay, so getting to the next topic. Uh, a poker fraud alert listener... Well, several Poker Fraud Alert listeners, as you probably heard last week, went to the Poker Stars Caribbean adventure in the Bahamas. 
So I, uh, one of them told me his, uh, his perspective of, uh, of going to the Bahamas. Let me get to this here. Uh, should have had this ready, but of course I don't. And I thought it was really interesting, and I wanted to share this with you guys. He was texting this to me on 775-372-8355, as you guys can always do if you want, whenever uh, you listen to this show, or when, basically any time, if you feel like texting me. Let's see, I think I just had it here. Okay, so this guy went to the PCA. He saw Brandon while he was there. Brandon went there, too. Uh, the side dish who called in last week, he was there. Uh, Alan Kessler, who's listening this week, he was there. We called him while he was there. So uh, this is uh, th- this is his perspective on the uh, the PCA. He said, "Here's some feedback on the Poker Stars Championship Bahamas event. Attendance seemed very low this year." Last two to three days, there's only been about three to five cash game tables running at any one time, mostly one, two, and two, five. Occasionally a 10-25 game, is talking about no limit, and occasionally a PLO game. This is the second year in a row that the main event numbers have been down. First place in the main was under 500K this year. By the way, it was won by Charter, who used to be a member of our community, uh, Christian Harder. All the side events have gotten very low numbers. This was my very first time here, and honestly, I was disappointed. I know Lee Jones fairly well. While he seems to try to put out a positive spin on things, I think he is wearing rose-colored glasses in his perspective on the turnout this year. Uh, and, and, you know, Lee Jones, he's, he's paid to put on the, the rose-colored glasses. And by the, the guy writing this identified himself as a, a longtime listener who's actually good friends with Chris Moneymaker. And he's from, uh, he's from where Chris Moneymaker's from, from Tennessee. So uh, I, I believe him. So he wrote, uh, as for Atlantis, I'm staying at the Cove, which is a tower at Atlantis, which is nice. But this whole place just seems overpriced and not quite worth what everyone's paying. Having been here and done that, I don't really have an urge to come back, even for poker. The series just doesn't seem to have the appeal it used to have, and I can think of a lot more places I'd rather spend this kind of money. The whole property kind of has that feel that you get when you're at the Rio, that it used to be better. They seem to be doing just enough on the maintenance front to be keeping the place together. Well... If that is true, then it's not very much like the Rio. <laughs> yeah, I heard it was dead this year, too. Yeah, they, they seem to be doing just enough on the maintenance front. Oh, said that. Uh, my wife commented when we got here that she got a distinctive 90s vibe from the place. I do, too. The service has actually overall been decent. Maybe that's because we're at the Cove, but the service staff here seems mostly attentive and nice. I had heard different. If I had to guess whether or not they'll come back after this year, I'd say they probably will. Lee Jones told me that they've made a large financial investment over the years here in getting stronger and more reliable Wi-Fi coverage in the convention space. I guess he's talking about they, meaning Atlantis, which they which they occupy. Oh, maybe it means poker stars, which they occupy pretty much in its entirety. I know that alone wouldn't be reason for them to keep coming back here, but it also could indicate that they made other investments in this property over the years to ensure it's what they need. Also, I'd say it's easier to continue an existing business relationship with Atlantis than it is to establish new ones with other resorts or locations. That being said, I would I would be surprised if they don't start to rethink their strategy here. They're going to have to do something about what this is, event has become. I heard several people talk about how surprised they were with the low turnout and the down year, and if we are seeing that and talking about it, you think they are too. So, then I responded to him, mentioning that I can actually get a 
free trip there, not free airfare, but uh, a free stay there where with the resort fees covered and, and, and some food credits. And so I, I can get a pretty nice package that's worth several thousand dollars I, I, when I priced it out to stay at the Cove as a seven star. And uh, and told them I'm considering doing that, despite my uh, concern that maybe I'm going to be thrown in the refugee camp and have to eat anchovies. So he said, being seven stars, you can stay at the Cove on the, on the comp. You should, and I really wouldn't want to stay anywhere else here on the property. Th- this part is actually pretty nice. They price it like an ultra high end property, like 750 to 900 per night. I, I didn't even I didn't see those prices when I looked. Maybe during this tournament. Uh, and while it may look like that from a distance, it isn't up to those standards when you start to look at the finer details. The Poker Stars price here during this series is about 550 per night, which is inclusive of taxes and all that crap. So not worth what they ask for a room, but if you get a comp at the Cove, you should take advantage of that. So he's basically saying if you're going to pay for it, it's not worth that kind of money, even if you're paying the Poker Stars price. But if you can get it free or cheap through these uh, marketing partnerships with Caesars, then, then go ahead because then it's then it's fairly nice. And uh, the reason I haven't done this yet is not really about the fear of the refugee camp. It, it's because of the pain in the ass getting there. When you're from the West, to have to fly all the way to Florida and then have to take another flight to get to the Bahamas, and that, that's a short flight. At least the Puerto Rico thing you know, where I went, that's pretty far even from Puerto Rico. you got to still stay on the plane for the, you know, another two and a half hours or so. Uh, here, it's it's a very short flight over to the Bahamas from Puerto Rico. It's like 35 minutes from uh, Fort Lauderdale. But uh, it's still changing planes and the hassle with all that. So that's the only reason I haven't done it, just the the flights getting over there. And uh, But, yeah, it, it is a, a fairly nice comp that you're getting. So one, one of these times, I'll probably do it. And then he also said, regarding the security in the Bahamas airport, uh, you know, where they've confiscated money from people before. They, were, they, they seem to be targeting in customs the poker players and trying to find excuses to confiscate money from them. This is not Atlantis, of course. This is the uh, U.S. government doing it. He says, although security in the Bahamas airport did seem a little strict coming in through customs, after you've been cleared by the customs agent and pick up your bag, you have to go to another agent where they're pretty much opening every bag. I don't know how we got so lucky, but they waved us through without doing that. But everyone else, they were opening every bag. In the Bahamas, as you probably know, you clear U.S. customs here instead of stateside. So I imagine the screening will be kind of strict on the way home. And that's true. So so there's a number of places, Aruba, uh, the Bahamas apparently, even in Toronto I experienced this, where you do U.S. customs in the foreign country. And uh, I guess in Bahamas, especially during this tournament, he's saying they're opening every bag and being you know, really checking. So... As I've said before, uh, bringing more than $10,000 home in cash, they're going to get you and then confiscate it. And there were even reports in previous years, I hadn't heard of this year, where they were confiscating money when you didn't have 10 k They were just saying, you know, 8 k uh, how can we need to declare the 8 k Well, I don't have to. It's less than 10000 Yeah, I think you're probably bringing it for someone else. Uh, you know, and then they start just saying they're, t- they're taking it because they believe you're bringing it for someone else that, that already had money that you know, would, would have pushed over 10 k without any kind of real evidence. They just would take it, and then you had to fight to get it back. They, they did this to some players. They also tried to get them to sign things that they're giving it up, claiming that if they don't sign it, they're going to go to prison. So uh, crap like that was happening in prior years, really, really nasty stuff, and they were targeting it because this was a poker tournament, and they knew people would be coming back with a lot of cash. So really lousy. I don't know if that was happening this year, but just 
that's something I'm not going to do. I'm not going to carry much cash there. Yeah, I don't want to run into this, even if I go when it's not when they're having this tournament, when they probably won't be as strict. But uh, if you do go to the Bahamas, be very careful what you bring back. Be very careful that if customs expected, inspected every little thing you had, that you would not be violating anything and do not bring a lot of cash. If necessary, if you want to gamble there, you know, go through the procedure of wiring money in and then wiring money back out. Do not uh, do not travel with cash unless it's a relatively small amount. Like, you know, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars probably fine, but don't get anywhere near the ten thousand limit. Especially if during the PCA, which may or may not exist again. So Charter won it. Uh, congratulations to him. He's one of the people who actually final tabled that event in Aruba where everyone got screwed at the PPC, but he did not get screwed because he won less than 10000 He won like 9000 so he got his money. So I was surprised Charter was actually going to play that event knowing that was going on. Like, how, how can an experienced player like him have been okay with them paying 10000 now and the rest weeks later? Like, how, how did he not see red flags there? And I, I asked him that on Twitter, and he didn't answer me because he probably didn't really have an answer without making himself look kind of foolish. So, But, you know, overall, I like Charter. He seems like a pretty good guy. Uh, final topic We're not going to do general topics Because I have to do some stuff tonight After the show So I, I don't have that much time left But uh, final topic Borgata chip counterfeiter Christian Lusardi Was reported on PokerFraudAlert.com Slash to, thanks to our I think it was Forum Wars I'm going to go check to make sure I gave Forum Wars credit And then anti-credit But I'm going to make sure that it was him who posted this and not uh, somebody else? Let us see here. Uh, let's see who, who did this. It was Forum Wars. So, yeah, he found this on January 10th, and we reported this on the previous show, I believe. Maybe we did, maybe we didn't, I forget. But Christian Lusardi was released, uh, supposedly, in July of 2016 after serving only a little bit more than six months for both a three-year and five-year sentence that were being served concurrently in New Jersey. And I don't blame Forum Wars for coming up with the wrong information because it appeared to be right. In fact, he printed, or he, he screenshotted this where it said, date in custody, December 1st, 2015, date out of custody, July 25th, 2016. So it looked like that he was released. And he reported it, and then Poker News picked it up and and did a story and, in fact, credited us, which I give them credit for crediting us. And I was all proud. Ah, look, you know, Poker poker Fraud Alert's getting a link from Poker News for breaking this story about Christian Lusardi, and no one caught it until Forum Wars did. Well, it turned out it was not true. Again, I don't blame Forum Wars. He did a great job catching this, but it was misleading what he found. Because it turns out that he was not released, but he was transferred to a South Carolina facility. This was researched by uh, poker journalist uh, Jess Wellman. She worked for the World Series before. She's kind of been one of these uh, kind of poker media people that's done a lot of different things. Seems like a pretty smart girl. Yeah, she seems pretty together. Yeah. So, uh, so Jess Wellman uh, researched this and found that he was actually just transferred to a federal prison in Edgefield, South Carolina, which is closer to where he's from. 
So it's not known for sure, but uh, it, it's it, you know, he's from North Carolina. So it, it's believed that uh, maybe he had to serve some of the sentence in, in New Jersey, and then they uh, agreed at some point to move him to South Carolina to be closer to where uh, the rest of his family is in North Carolina. Uh, it, it, there is also that, that is possible that uh, you know he needed to get some kind of gambling treatment, and that uh, they may have only had such treatment in the New Jersey facility. So they they had him there until the treatment was done, and then they sent him to South Carolina. That's also been speculated. That's not. I'm not saying that's what happened, but that's been speculated as well as to why he was in New Jersey for some time and then shipped to South Carolina. So. But he has been. He's not going to be released for a while. Uh, it, in Jess Wellman's piece, she noted that the Federal Bureau of Prison Records show that he's incarcerated at this Edgefield facility in South Carolina with a scheduled release date of June 8, 2019, which is more than two years from now. It's almost two and a half years. Uh, federal sentencing guidelines generally require inmates to serve 85% of their sentences before being considered for early release, so he isn't being released, and uh, that's good. When I when I first read this story that uh, forum news po- forum wars posted, I was like, oh boy, that's terrible. Like after after everything he did, after he screwed up this whole tournament, screwed so many players, and you know, it's such a large impact of what he did, and convicted for that, plus this DVD, this counterfeit DVD scheme he had going on. How can you have all that and serve less than six months? It didn't make sense to me. But I thought maybe... Well, all he, has to do is get his, all he has to do is get his lawyer to say his heart trouble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Scott, I, was right. I forgot you are here. But that's, uh, that's I'm good. sorry. Yeah, you're right. He should, he should have gotten Bittar's lawyer and had him say uh, he's not compatible with prison because he's got heart problems that miraculously get cured as soon as you uh, walk out of prison. So, yeah, Lusardi is going to still be there for at least two and a half years. And... Uh, Turned out it was incorrect. So pr- pretty good though. Like I, I give Forum Wars credit for like thinking about Christian Lusardi and just researching this and looking him up and finding this, and then you know that's this guy's very good with digging out information. So I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm criticizing or saying that he screwed up. I would have made the same mistake. It looked like he was released, and uh, the New Jersey site, the New Jersey site, the problem was it should have said something like. Uh, date transferred out of custody, not just date out of custody, or date out of custody July 25th, parentheses, parentheses transferred. This, this really makes it look like he got released. So, Thankfully, he did not. And here, here's a bonus story now, not having to do with anything we've discussed yet. That is uh, about Caesars and its bankruptcy. Um, it, it was, you know, so Caesars, they, they finally came to an agreement a few months ago and it looked like uh, even though at one point it was looking really bad for them they snatched uh, victory from the jaws of defeat and were able to get uh, a deal made that uh, was able to prevent this whole bankruptcy and, and pretty much uh, put an end to everything in theory they, they they hadn't had official agreements yet but it was definitely going in that direction and it was pretty much uh, considered done however uh, there were a few uh, lien holders. There were 173 lien holders 
they were involved here. Uh, the large majority of those lien holders ha- had uh, made a deal with Caesars about this. But you hear? Uh, I can hear you I, now. Did, did I drop off somehow? Yes, you did. Okay, that's what I thought. I, I, I heard like a clicking, and then I looked, and I saw my my levels were just gone. My computer just did something weird. But okay, we're back. That's that's good. So, so I think I think something happened with my portable sound card. So I don't know what it was. But uh, anyway, they they were still dealing with a few holdouts there, especially some of the second lien holders, and. Uh, there was, there, but however, they they still had a few holdouts, and it looked like uh, maybe the the whole thing could fall apart. But but it, apparently, it's it's back on track, and uh, they have released. They've reached deals with uh, with a handful of of those holdouts. So th- this was a uh, a statement. Uh, the plan was accepted by more than 90% of voting creditors. Each of the creditor classes for the debtors, first de- first lien note holders, first lien bank lenders, se- second lien note holders, subsidiary guaranteed note holders, and unsecured note holders voted to accept the plan in numbers well in excess of what is necessary to confirm the plan. The overwhelming support for the plan is an important milestone towards uh, Caesars uh, Entertainment Operating uh, Company, which is the you know, the version of... Caesars, you know, they split up into a bunch of different little subsidiaries, the one that was declaring bankruptcy, uh, confirming its plan and emerging from bankruptcy protection in 2017. Uh, one of the key caveats, though, came in a couple of paragraphs later, and it said that uh, although there are certain unsecured creditor classes voting to reject the plan at certain debtor, debtor entities, there are a significant number of classes voting in favor of the plan at each debtor, debtor entity, and the plan can be confirmed under the bankruptcy code, notwithstanding of the rejecting classes. <laughs> Figure that one out. So, so basically, uh, uh, this th- this looks like it's uh, it, it's it's going forward again. And the uh, on January seventeenth, which was yesterday, the uh, the whole thing was going to begin in a bankruptcy courtroom in Chicago, and there will be the the formal filing of that uh, CEOC uh, bankruptcy plan. And uh, anyway, it, it looks like the whole thing's going forward, and and the uh, it's going to get approved in bankruptcy court. And uh, yeah, the lien holders will get what they agree to, and it looks like this whole thing's going to be pretty much over. Which means that uh, the World Series is not going to be sold, and uh, it's looking like we're not going to see that much change here in Caesars as a result of this whole bankruptcy. The customer it should probably be pretty transparent. The World Series uh, will probably stay at the Rio. There is also rumors that maybe they're just going to sell the Rio and and move it over to uh, a different property. That's probably not going to happen. So it's looking like everything is going to go forward as as it seemed it was a few months ago when this, these agreements were first announced, and uh, and Caesar is going to somehow worm out of this one. <laughs> they're they're going to get away with this whole mess, and uh, and that's going to be that. And for the average Caesar's customer, they they may continue to see some fail, but that's it. And and that reminds me, I had some Caesar's fail. Would you like to hear about it? Sure. 
Okay. Cal White, you still with us? I'm here. Make it good. Okay. Reward credits at Caesars, uh, any Caesars property, you can use them anywhere, and they are uh, basically you earn them mostly from play. You can also earn them from staying in the properties, but they're 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 worth a penny each at Caesars properties. Where uh, uh, you can use them for food, you can use them for rooms, you can use them for uh, gift shop purchases. Uh, basically, most things you can buy on property. Show tickets, most things you can buy on property, you can use reward credits for, and often you get to get out of paying tax on them. And the reason that is. It's because tax is usually sales tax, and if a sale isn't actually being made, if you're just using reward credits, then it's just it's seen as something they're just giving you for free, and therefore you don't have to pay taxes on it. So that's a way to get out of sales tax too, is uh, using reward credits. So uh, I use re- reward credits for food exclusively. I could exchange them for free play at a rate of uh, one twenty-five to one. One one you know one and a quarter to one that is so you could be generous like Kessler and take you know a bunch of PFA guys to dinner once a month or something. I could, but but I don't. <laughs> so. Well, calm down. He does that every summer for one particular person. <laughs> but but I well, that person is not me. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. So, so I so I use it just I, I save them, I hoard them, and then I use them for nice meals with with my family. That, that's what I do. Yeah. I I thought you were going to say that you you give it away to homeless people. Well, you know, just maybe, as a mag, magnanimous gesture of goodwill. I don't know. Maybe some of my family's homeless, and I I'm helping them out. You never know. <laughs> so so anyway, that that's how I use my rewards credits. And some outlets that are in Caesar's property, some restaurants in Caesar's properties, are not owned by Caesar's, and they're pretty much renting the space. So people come in, and they, you know the average customer doesn't know who which restaurant Caesars owns and does not. So they'll say, hey, I want to use my rewards credits. And if, if the restaurant says, no, we don't accept those, then the, the customer gets irritated or may not even may walk back out and, and, and go to a different restaurant on property that does accept them. So some of these properties have come up with, a, you know, have decided to take rewards credits, but at a two to one ratio, meaning that each reward credit is only worth half a penny instead of a penny. So if you uh, if you have a, a meal that costs a hundred dollars, you have to pay two hundred dollars in reward credits at these at these restaurants, uh, which are like this. And this is decided at the restaurant level, and and the reason this is decided is because third party restaurant third party owned restaurants don't get reimbursed one to one by Caesars. They because if Caesars doesn't own the place, Caesars does not want to have to pay a real hard penny out for each re- reward credit spent because. That's not what they intended when they give you these reward credits. They, they give you the reward credits to spend on property because it doesn't actually cost them that amount. So, like, if, if I go to a restaurant in a Caesars property that they do own and I buy $100 worth of food and use my reward credits for $100, it isn't actually costing them $100 to give me that food. It's costing only a fraction of that because it's their own place. But if it's a third-party place where they actually have to send $100 to this place, then it really costs Caesars a, a real $100. So that's why for this two-for-one thing that they do with these third-party places, because they probably only get reimbursed about half. So I, I don't know the full details on that, but it's something like that. So whenever I go to a restaurant in a Caesars property, I ask them, number one, do you accept rewards credits, yes or no? And number two, is it two-to-one or one-to-one? It's never any different. It's either they don't accept it at all, it's two to one or it's one to one. Now, if it's owned by Caesars, 
then it's always accepted at one-to-one. If it's not owned by Caesars, it's usually two-to-one, but sometimes still one-to-one, and sometimes they don't accept it at all. I don't like to ask, are you owned by Caesars, because you often get the wrong answer. A lot of times the employees don't know who owns it, and you'll get the wrong thing. And So I, so I just ask the simpler question, is, is it two-to-one reward credit, or is it one-to-one here? So that always works, and they give me the answer. Until the last time I tried to go to a restaurant at a Caesars property. So I walk into a restaurant. I, I have no knowledge whether Caesars owns it or not, but it's at a Caesars property. And I ask them, do you take rewards credits? They said, yes. I said, okay. Is it two-to-one or one-to-one? And the waitress looks at me like I'm speaking Greek to her. And I say, well, no, once again, uh, rewards credits, you know, you can use these at restaurants on this property. Uh, I want to know... If I do this, is it two reward credit for every penny or one reward credit for every penny? If I, if I get billed for $100, do I have to use $100 of reward credit or, two to, or $200 to pay it? She still looks at me like I, I don't know what I'm doing. Like she's, she still looks at me like I'm crazy. So I say, you know, maybe this is a question for the manager. Can you get the manager? She said, okay. So she gets the manager. Manager comes out. I repeat the question to her. And she, again, looks at me like I'm crazy, like I, I'm speaking another language to her. And she says, well, um, um, I'm not really sure. I think, you know, this is a question that uh, you have to ask Total Rewards because they handle this whole thing. I go, no, 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 no. Total Rewards is the program. They, they process the transaction. They're not making this decision how much to charge. So the, the restaurant decides, are they going to charge two to one or one to one? And every restaurant knows what they're charging because they're the ones who made the decision of what to charge. So, so again, is it two-to-one or one-to-one here? She says, well, um, I don't really know. Um, you know, you're welcome to try to use them and see what happens. And I said, so, so wait a minute. So you're telling me because you don't know, I should just order my meal and then pay with reward credits, and if you happen to charge me double, then just, you know, tough luck on me? <laughs> said, yeah, should, shouldn't I know advance what I'm paying for? <laughs> shouldn't I know the price of what I'm ordering? Instead of just order it and then you know when we'll, we'll run it and whatever it comes out it comes out I'm sorry that's that's all I can tell you, so she says well I I don't know you know that's uh, that's the best I can tell you here and I said well okay how about this since you don't know the answer um, can you can we just assume it's one to one and then if it comes out as two to one that you'll cut my meal price in half so it comes out as one to one the same way no I can't do that she says. But you're welcome to try to use them if you like, and you can see how it comes out. So I, I'm sitting here like I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. Like nobody's understanding why, the, like why I, I feel the restaurant should know its own policy of what it's charging. And no one's understanding why it's unreasonable for me to just order something and just hope it ends up the right price. Like hope it doesn't end up costing me double. Like can you imagine going to a restaurant and it says, okay, this steak is either $30 or $60. You'll, you'll find out after you eat it. Like, nobody would accept that, so why are they asking me to, to do that, basically? So it's their own policy. It's not, it, this is not something from total rewards they need to find. This is their own policy. So anyway, she's getting frustrated because I'm not just accepting these dumb answers. And I'm being polite to her. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of mocking it here on the radio, but I, I was being polite to her. I was being cordial to her. I was just telling her matter-of-factly that the— Did you grab her by the pussy? No, but you'll, you'll, from your reaction, I might as well have. You'll, you'll hear this. Oh. Uh, and she, she was like in her late twenties. This manager, 
So I, she was getting frustrated that I wasn't just accepting her answer and, and, and just uh, using my rewards credits and whatever happens, happens. She wasn't happy that I, I wanted to know the price of my meal before I order it. So, um, so, I, so I said something to her that made her hair stand up on end. I didn't think it was very offensive, but I said, uh, you know, again, the restaurant sets this policy. I, I'm surprised the manager doesn't know whether it's two to one or one to one. So somehow that was really, really offensive to her that I said, I'm surprised the manager doesn't know this. Well, I was. I am surprised the manager doesn't know because they're supposed to. So you called her stupid. So, so well, that's what she took it you as. You called her yeah. incompetent at her job. <laughs> that, that, that's what she took it as. So, so she says to me, well, actually, I'm the assistant manager, and I'm going to try to call the manager on her day off to find this out. But And then she raises her voice. I'd appreciate if you don't tell me how I should be managing my restaurant. And she says that and turns around and storms off. And every, I look, and all the eyeballs in the restaurant are on me because she raised her voice like that. So all they heard was her saying that to me. They weren't really paying attention to the restaurant. They're like, what a jerk. Yeah, what a jerk. So this middle-aged guy sitting here, and, and she sees uh, – everybody sees me make this, this you know, 20-something-year-old employee. They're upset and storm away. And that I'm telling her how to manage. Can you imagine what a jerk I look like? What an asshole I must look like to everybody here? All I want to know is what I'm going to pay for my meal. That's all I want to know is what it's going to cost me reward credits to pay for this thing. You know, is it two to one or one to one? This is a question that every single property should know. Every single restaurant at the property should know. Because they're the ones who said it. So, um, so she, and even if she felt that question was offensive, or that, that statement was offensive, that, that I'm surprised the manager doesn't know this, which is what I said. Um, you, you don't say that to the customer of, uh, don't tell me how to, ma- I'd appreciate it if you don't tell me how to, how to manage my, my restaurant and store them away in a loud tone of voice. You, you know, if, you, if you're the manager, you have to learn the customer service skills that even if you don't like the person or feel they're being rude to you, that you, you just have to suck it up and walk away. And if you can't do that, without, without uh, scolding the customer, then you should not be in management. You should not be dealing with customers like that. You should be in the back where you don't deal with anybody. So anyway, I'm sitting I know. Here. I mean, Hooker still moans for ugly guys. So. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, so I'm sitting here shocked, though, that she just did this with, 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 with scolding me about, uh, um, you know, I'd appreciate it if you don't tell me how to manage. Like, whoa, I just want to know. So at this point, I realize it wouldn't be very wise for me to eat there at this point because I haven't ordered any food yet. You think I, there might be something in your food? Yes, yes. I, I yeah, think. I was going to say, Jeff, you don't want to eat after that. Right, right. When she storms away that angrily, and, and the, you know, like I really did grab her by the pussy. That's, that's the way she was acting. Uh, when she storms away, storms away this angrily, like, like I just did a thing awful. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to have that person uh, managing those who are making my food. So... I wonder what would have ended up in your food. <laughs> so I, I, I just stood up and walked out. So I walked out, and I was about to just, you know, leave and go back to my room and uh, just go somewhere else to eat. And then I, I, as I'm walking away, I happen to walk by Total Rewards. And I go, you know what? I, I still want to know the answer. So I go to Total Rewards, and I say, do you guys happen to know the answer here? And I told them the name of the restaurant. They said, oh, yeah, that's a Caesars-owned restaurant. Uh, all Caesars-owned restaurants have to charge one-to-one. That's the way we do it. Oh, uh, tell me you didn't go back. So, well, so, hold on. So I, <laughs> I, I, so I said, 
So I told them what happened there. Total, I, I know, oh, boy. I, I know Total Rewards doesn't have any kind of jurisdiction over them or anything, but I just mentioned, and I said, hey, can you guys also get me the name of the full manager? I want to tell her what happened here. Or tell him. Or, yeah, she told us of her, but uh, I, I wanted to make sure I was really being told the right person. So she gave me the name of the, of the manager of the place at Total Rewards. Uh, and they said, we're very surprised they don't know that down there. They should have known this. Like I, they, Everybody at Total Rewards was shocked that they didn't know in the restaurant what, what, they're, what they were charging. So, uh, anyway, I said, so you're sure it's one-to-one? Yes, totally sure. It's Caesar's own, 100%. So I said, okay. So I decided to go back down, not to eat there, but just to uh, basically confront her, tell her I I don't appreciate the way I was talked to, and that that Total Rewards knew the answer and said that that she should have known the whole time, that, that, that it was totally unreasonable that they didn't know this. So, anyway... I wanted to basically come down and, and, and uh, gloat that I was right and that she was rude to me for no reason. So I went down there and uh, you know, just, just basically tell her I didn't appreciate this. And I, I had no intention of eating there after this. So I went down, asked, asked for her again. At first she didn't want I to knew come. you went back. At, at first she, <laughs> I at, knew it. At first she didn't want to come out. At first she, you know, they, they went back to ask her to come out and talk to me. She made him an excuse that she's busy. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, but I said, look, look, okay, you can, I, I have something I want to talk about. What just happened? If she, she I can't force her to come out, but uh, I'm, I'm going to the real manager tomorrow, so you know, it, I, I can add to the pile that she's refusing to come out to talk to me. So they went back and told her that, and then she came out and talked to me. So she came back and said, okay, well, I found out the answer for you. I, I know how much we're charging now. For, and I said, oh, really? I said, well, that's not, I said, that's not really what I'm coming back for. I'm not, I'm not eating here today anyway after all this, but I just want to tell you I don't appreciate the way I was being talked to. And she goes, well, let me, let me give you the answer here. So the answer is if you're a gold member, you have to pay – then it's two-to-one rewards credits. If you're a platinum member – it's a, it's 1.75 to 1 rewards credits and if you're a diamond or seven star it's a, it's 1.25 to 1 rewards credits <laughs> i said no what, what, you, what you're telling me here is very similar to but not quite exactly but very similar to what they do for free play you you just got the free play uh, ratio if you want to trade in your rewards credits for free play but I, I learned upstairs from Total Rewards it actually is one to one. So even this information's wrong. Oh, Jeff, you're the reason this girl drinks. <laughs> well, so 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 then I I said, but but that's I go look. That's not even the point here. I don't even care what you charge anymore because I'm not going to eat here. But but I don't appreciate you know when you said this that uh, you know to tell me don't don't tell you how to manage when all I was trying to do was find out an answer to a question that, that uh, you know that tells me how much my meal's going to cost. And and you kept dismissing me like like uh, like I I, it, I shouldn't have to know this. And so she said that the reason that she said that to me and stormed away is that I was attacking her. So I said I was attacking you. How was attacking you? I, tell me one thing I said to you that was attacking. And she said, I don't want to discuss this anymore. You need to leave now, or I'm calling security. <laughs> And I said, security, what are you talking about? I'm not, I'm not creating any danger here. I'm just, I got an answer from Total Rewards. I came down to give an update and also to tell you I didn't appreciate the way I was being talked to. I'm not, you know, I, you don't need security here. I'm not, I'm not causing any problem. I'm not creating any threat. And I wasn't in her face or anything. I was keeping a respectful distance away. And, I, you know, I was talking in a no- normal tone of voice. So I, I, I said, look, just, you feel that I 
was attacking you. Tell me one statement I made that was an attack. I didn't, I didn't use any insult. I didn't use any profanity. And she says, well, you, you said that, uh, you, you were attacking uh, my knowledge of the job. You're attack. I said, I was stating that, that the manager should know how much, uh, things should cost in rewards credits here because it's true. And that wasn't an attack. And I, I'm not even saying that you should know. Because Assistant manager. I said, I wasn't even attacking. Well, she didn't tell me that until, until afterwards. <laughs> I, I said, I, I'm not even attacking you for not knowing that. You know, it's possible they just didn't tell you when they should have. But but the bottom line is uh, uh, this is something you should know, and you, and, and you shouldn't be mad at me for wanting to know the answer to this. It's a very reasonable thing for me to want to know. And she kept arguing still. Well, I felt attacked. I felt I had a right to say that. And I said, you don't have the right. The manager or the assistant manager does not have the right to tell someone, don't tell me how to manage and storm away in a, in a loud tone of voice. You, you have to learn to talk to people, the customers in a respectful manner, or you shouldn't be managing here. So, anyway. I'm sure she loved that. Well, but it's true. I mean, I, I wasn't. I'm I wasn't, not saying it's not true. I, I wasn't. I wasn't looking to get a date with her at this point. I was. You know, I was. I was just. Uh, I was telling her I'm not buying this crap she's giving me about how it's okay to 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 scold me like this in the restaurant and make me look like a jerk when she's the one who just can't take the fact that. I'm asking a question she doesn't have the answer to. And the funny thing is... Her boyfriend didn't get laid that night because (laughs) she went home so pissed off. Oh, I'm sure. Well, the the brunt of it. He had an earful for a week about Oh, he's going to get a bigger earful soon. So I wasn't done here. So so I left. God. Hang on, hang on. So I I left. He's just like ruining people's lives. All right, go ahead. Here we go. I'll tell you, there's (laughs) there's two reasons I was really pissed here. Number one is that I, I was very hungry. I just wanted to eat dinner, and now I had to go find, search out some other place to go eat. A lot of stuff was closed at this point. Like I, was, I, I had to go – actually, I actually ended up going off property to eat something because everything else was closed, and I wasn't going to eat there. So I, I, was, I was already pissed I had to do that over this stupid matter. And and then I was uh, secondarily. This, I just, this is going to end with her banned from all Caesar's properties <laughs> she, and living she, as a coke whore in the underground in Las Vegas. Uh, maybe, but but listen, <laughs> I, I, I was just I was mad because I was I was asking for something very reasonable and I was treated very disrespectfully. Uh, in in the uh, I'm not that mad if they get the wrong answer or if they try and they they can't quite get the right answer even if they should have. I'm mad when I get the this nasty attitude, like how dare you want to know this, and and you're a jerk for wanting to right. know, and so that's what I was getting here. Yeah, she's in the service industry, right? They call it the service right. industry for a reason. So, so, and, and and again, anyone question, anyone thinking I'm being a jerk here? Keep in mind, she was trying to tell me I should just eat the food and not worry about, and just pay whatever price comes up for my rewards credit. I, I just shouldn't, I shouldn't know this information. Is it? So that, that's what she was trying to tell me, and when I wasn't accepting that, is when she was getting madder and madder. Let, let me ask you a question: Is to play devil's advocate? If she came back and the answer was it was two to one, would you not have eaten there? Uh, I, I would have eaten and just paid regular money for it. I see. Okay. It's, it's not, it's so it would have changed it. how you paid. Yes, for it. it would have changed how I paid. Right. Gotcha. So, gotcha. so uh, anyway, the. What if I was there and I offered to pay for it? Would you have eaten no matter what the price was? No, I wouldn't want you to waste your rewards <laughs> credits. Like, a, like I, I just. It's it's like I don't see I don't like seeing rewards credits wasted that way. No matter who's they are. Uh, well, I would have pulled the whole employee of Caesars thing and gotten my way bullshitted into a free meal in the okay, long well, run. That, but... that's, that's, well, I don't think from her. She seemed very hard line. But anyway, I uh, remember I tried to solve this whole thing early on by stating, look, since we can't, since you can't figure it out, you know, maybe since you don't know the answer, I didn't say figure it out. I said, since you don't know the answer, maybe we can just, you know, why don't we just assume it's one to one? If it ends up two to one, just you know, make the meal half price. She wouldn't do it. So anyway, 
I was I decided that after this whole mess, or I had to go eat somewhere else. I, I had the embarrassment of everybody staring at me and thinking I was a jerk. And you know, I said, "That's it. I, I'm I'm going to. I want the I want her boss to know this happened here." And recall, at Caesar's Properties, seven they train everybody. You don't you don't do this type of thing to seven stars, especially that the seven stars you're supposed to. Uh, Basically, you know, be extra nice to them and kiss their ass and not not upset them. I'm not saying you give them, let them just do what they want, but but these are especially the ones you don't scold or get nasty with. So uh, I uh, I tried to reach. Her, so I, she she had given me the business card of her boss and uh, the the had a phone number. The office phone number was the phone number of the restaurant, but it also had a mobile number. So I figured I'll just text the boss. And then, you know, tomorrow when it's not her day off, tomorrow being today, um, that, uh, that that she would then, uh, th- that at this point she would uh, call me. Lose her job? And, no, no, she, mean, <laughs> she, she meaning the manager. Oh, okay. Would, would call me, the, the actual manager. And, and then I'd tell her the whole story. So. So but I texted her, and I meant to just kind of text, hey, I had a problem here, call me, but I kind of just, like, got into the whole thing in the text messages and, like, six text messages describing it. So, uh, and then I said, you know, please call so me. So you're like the crazy ex-girlfriend at this point. <laughs> yeah. So I, Just text I, after text after yeah, text. Yeah. I, so I said, you know, please, uh, please call me, when, you know, uh, to discuss this further. So I saw she read, it gave, like, a red notification, like, late, uh, late at night. But obviously, I, you know, she was not going to call me then. So I figured I'm going to be called the next day. But then the time came when she was supposed to be in, and she doesn't call me. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, mm. crap, this is, you know, she probably was told that I was some crazy guy who created a disruption there, and she doesn't want to talk to me, and they're going to, you know, going to try to cover this up. Like, After I, seeing the eight texts on her yeah, phone, yeah. how could I, she I, possibly I even, I, even, I even worried about that, that maybe she, <laughs> I was, maybe she thought I was weird to text her like that. Like, the, the mobile number was on her business card. It's not, it's not like I just acquired it some way. It was on her business card that it's supposed to give out. Gotcha. So thinking, this isn't like a private number, so like right. I, I would have not pri- I wouldn't have done this to like her personal cell, but this is like on her business card that you're supposed to, the, the customer's supposed to have. So, so so anyway, I, I still did think like maybe the texts were just kind of weird to her, but anyway, uh, just in case she forgot about it or or was still kind of just avoiding me, <laughs> I oh, sent her no. one, I sent her one more text and said, oh this is an ex girlfriend. <laughs> But just, I, I, you did, just in case you didn't see it. So, so I, no, I, but I didn't. I, I just said, I just uh, said something like, "Hey, uh, I, I, I still would really like to talk to you about what occurred here. Uh, please call me when, when you know, when, when you have the time." Uh, and it gave the phone number again. So then I, I still don't get a call for like the next hour or two. I go, "Oh crap! They're 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 really trying to avoid me." Well, it turned out no. It turned out that the manager had. Pneumonia, mm. and uh, so the day she was supposed to come in, she did not, and that's why she she received my message, but then she actually couldn't call me because her voice pretty was like was pretty much gone. So then she texted her boss, who was the food and beverage manager of the entire uh, of the entire market, and and told him uh, there's you know some there was some incident at, the, at this particular restaurant which I manage, and. Uh, I, I, there's a customer who really wants to talk to me, but I can't because my voice is out. And in fact, I'm, I'm at home today sick. So can you? Well, plus, uh, if you have pneumonia, I mean, you know, you, you don't feel like dealing with anything. No, no. So she said, you know what she I mean? said can, I'm can, surprised she even did that much. Yeah. So she said, can you please call this person and talk to him? 
So the, you texted me a hundred times in the yeah, last hour. Yeah, I don't, yeah I don't, you won't I, leave me alone. Right, I, I don't want to know. I'm on my deathbed. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, right. I just want to die in peace. The phone keeps buzzing. <laughs> At this point, she's just like pressing the clicker for the morphine, you know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, that, that, that'll be like the very last thing, that, like the very last thing she ever sees in her life is, is, is texts from me saying, hey, you know, I haven't gotten a call back from you yet. I still want to talk about this two to one thing. Oh, my God. And then she just kills over. But but anyway, so this so the food and beverage manager who's their boss, her, her boss calls me up. And and I said, you know, and he said, you know, this is the manager, you know, she asked me to call you. So I said, you know, who are you? you know, can you please tell me, you know, what your, your position? And he told me, you know, I'm her boss. I'm the manager of all the all the restaurants in this market. So I said, oh, wow. So I thought, oh, wow, even better. Like I, I, I got the highest guy hearing this story. So I told him the story I just told you guys. And, uh, uh, you know, I can tell when someone... Is, is just blowing smoke up my ass and just pretending like they agree or when they really do agree and, in fact, raise points that I was thinking of but didn't say yet. But he, he was definitely in the category of agreeing with me. He was 100% in my corner. He was shocked that they didn't know this uh, this uh, one-to-one, two-to-one thing. He said that they should totally know this here, that he's shocked that they didn't know that and that to not know this is bad and then to not try to make it right when they can't get the answer is even worse. So the fact that I proposed a solution that she should have proposed that, and the, the fact that I proposed this and she refused is bad. Uh, number two, that he was even present on property, that she could have called him, and that she knew that and didn't for some reason, and he's annoyed about that. Uh, that he's annoyed that she did not report to him that this whole incident occurred there, because they're supposed to report when things like this happen. Uh, so obviously she didn't want to report this, hoping that you know this won't be known. Uh, that that he's mad that he that she's never that the thing about storming away angrily that's not supposed to ever happen that that's you know, totally inappropriate that the anyway so they're they're having a, a whole meeting about the rewards credits things so everybody understands it yeah. and they're, they're having a whole meeting to understand about how you know, how to treat the customers and and there's a, a whole a whole lot of changes are coming just because of this here <laughs> but he but he was he thanked me a lot for bringing this all to his attention he has he said there's a lot of things obviously they have to change there that he wasn't aware of that this has brought to light and that he yeah that's code for she's fucking fired yeah, so fortunately her and her four kids were able to get some free presents from raymond davis uh, <laughs> <laughs> well you know maybe maybe she, maybe she could you know you're not that far off trader Ruski. she 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 was actually uh you know fairly pretty so i i think maybe she can join a site like real grinder to become the next blogger and you know claim she's going to Prague and you know she she can she can be the replacement now that explains it. She's kind of pretty. She's probably used to being treated right, uh, right. a little nicer. Yeah, she wasn't like, like super hot, but she she was pretty. Like she's she, yeah. So yeah. so right. And and he also told me that I was lucky enough that, that you know I, I mentioned before that I run well with bed bugs, but not with a lot of other things. So like I ran bad with with managers that night because he said that usually she doesn't manage, and this is like a a once every few weeks thing. When uh, and a once every never thing now. Yeah, when when she got appointed as the manager, and that uh, you know I happened to run into that, and then it was this whole chain of events. Basically, they didn't she didn't know the answer. Nobody else there knew the answer. And then instead of trying to make it right, she she had some disdain for me for wanting to know, and then decided she's just going to shut down and 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 you know not make this right for me, and just uh, and then just got angrier and angrier as I wasn't accepting that she didn't. Uh, she didn't know, and and you know, and she was supposed to 
when this whole thing happened and I'm walking out and she's saying she's going to call security, she, they're told there that they're supposed to call um, the food and beverage manager and tell him when things like this happen, not just cover it, not just, you know, pretended the whole thing never occurred, which is what she tried to do. So, uh, Hey, so, Druff, you, you know how you said uh, in there that you could tell when someone wasn't just blowing smoke up your ass? Yeah. How, how do you think that that came to mean someone, you know, paying you uh, compliments that they don't really mean? I don't know. Like, do how, you, like how the... Do you know the answer? I, I do, because I looked it up after oh, you said it, because I was kind of curious. Okay. Like, how, how do you get from... Well, first of all, how do you get to be blowing smoke up someone's ass? I, I don't know. But, but, and and then how does that come to mean that it's they're paying you insincere compliments? Well, so, you know? so, so, so what is it? What's the answer? Back in the late 1700s, <laughs> doctors literally blew smoke up people's rectums. Wow. <laughs> Believe it or not, <clears throat> it was a general mainstream medical procedure used, among other things, to resuscitate people who were otherwise presumed dead. Right. So, so people, and, woke, people woke up because the smoke was blown up their ass? Well, and they're talking about it, it historically came from the Native uh, Americans who, you know, used tobacco in various ways. And, you know, they would to resuscitate people, they'd blow the, the tobacco with the hot embers up their ass and it would resuscitate them. I mean, I would wake up if fucking uh, embers went, uh, went into my ass. But uh, it eventually came to be discredited and that's how it kind of came to mean you know doing something that doesn't really work or isn't really true the so there you go that's, that's the a little etymology I, lesson learn something new every day here on the show yeah but it, the way i can tell by the way when when managers are are blowing smoke up my ass or when they're not when they volunteer a lot of things to me that aren't even necessarily my business or they uh or that were they expand on what I'm saying and, and fully, you know, fully agree with me and then expand upon it or, or, or bring up points that I was about to bring up in, in my own favor that, uh, you know, that they bring up for me. When I, when that thing happens, that means that they're really thinking about what I'm saying and feel exactly like I do. And, and, they, and they're articulating it to me when I get this kind of vibe, like they're tuning me out. They're not really getting my point They're They're just kind of making generic station statements. Like we're really sorry this occurred. We're sorry. You, you know, we we're sorry you had this experience. Or, th that's when it starts to be BS because you can tell they're not. And when they don't seem that interested in details, you can tell, you can tell when somebody seems to be listening to every word and wanting to know every little thing and seems to be agreeing with you and seems to be, uh, even stating things that, uh, you were about to state that mean that means they're really interested in this. When they're uh, you're just getting a lot of generics in response, then you're typically getting the uh, say say nice things to the customer so he feels satisfied, but not actually do anything response. So I definitely got the former from this guy, where he was uh, this kind of brought light to him that they had some deficiencies over there, and uh, especially when the the regular manager's not there, and uh, he agreed that uh, things need to be changed. So. And, and, you know, for those of you that are listening that think, you know, what a jerk, he's getting this girl in trouble, and, you know, why is he doing things like that? Why is he taking pleasure out of doing this? It, it was it was the, the way I got treated there. It was it was the, I'd appreciate it if you don't talk, tell me how to manage in the loud tone of voice and the storming away. Uh, See, I, I'm torn on it, because on a human level, I think you're kind of being a dick. But on a, from the point of view of, I'm a person that is going to a restaurant, the whole reason why I'm paying this ridiculous amount of money to go here is for the service. 
And you, you, what she should be doing to be a professional is to take whatever her ego or attitude is out of the equation and to placate you and to do whatever you need. I mean, that's what the service industry is. Well, yeah. And, so and, I was giving you shit, but I, I don't really feel sorry well, for her. And, she's got to learn. She's got to learn how to how to handle herself. And, well, yeah. there's two things. One, she didn't solve the problem, and two, she was rude. It was like a, it was a double edged sword that she was she was going out of her way not to solve the problem and be difficult. No, she's thin skinned. She couldn't take it. Yeah. So, yeah. so, but it wasn't even like she solved it, but was kind of rude to me. This was someone who like was attempting not to solve it and then and then also getting nasty with me when I wanted her to solve it so and, and when I was showed an expectation that she should solve it so so that's like uh, it, it, and then not only that it, it it left it wasn't just being insulted it was that I actually then had to leave unless I'd be a fool well what she should have said is I don't know the answer let me find out for you yeah let me that's find it. out right let me find out for you and then if she can't she said well since we can't get an answer and we should we should have this information here we don't and then when you call her stupid, saying that you're surprised that she doesn't know the answer, she should have just said, well, or she said, well, I'm, you know, I'm the assistant manager. And they didn't tell me. I don't know the answer. And you know what I mean? Like, there are ways that she oh, could handle she this. Could, she and she could said... be as personally offended as she wanted to be and still handle it professionally. Right. She could have just said, I'm the assistant manager. For some reason, they didn't tell me this, but we're, we'll figure out a way to solve this for you. That's all she has to say. Right. Like, the, not, but, but, it, but it was just... Uh, uh, she, she didn't even want you. She wanted me to just... See, this is why I don't work in the service industry, because if you said that to me, I would just told you to fuck off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, literally, I would have said uh, that. Even Trader Risk I literally that. would have told you to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> that's why That's why I could never work in that industry. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, you know, If I was working in the service industry, which I admit it's a tough job, and I admit you know you, you deal with a lot of difficult people, but there's people who are difficult and unreasonable, where, you, where they, they're demanding things that, that are not reasonable, that they're just uh, they're asking for things that you can't give or that they don't deserve, and, or, or complaining about stupid things they shouldn't be complaining about, and then you have to maintain a straight face and deal with them and, and, and even either tell them no or tell them yes and hate, you know, hate having to do so. I can understand that's a very tough part of the job, but in this type of situation, if I were the manager, if the assistant manager, if I was in her shoes there, I, I would have thought to myself, using common sense, yeah, the guy has a point. He doesn't. He wants to know what he's paying. He, you know, I, I wasn't told this for some reason. Let me. I totally understand this guy's problem. Let me. Uh, you know, even if I didn't, I think. I think. No wonder this guy's kind of irritated. That that would be my. That would be my solution. That'd be the way I would solve it. Uh, and that, that's that's what got me so mad. It wasn't even just like yeah. she's having to deal with a tough person. She's having to deal with th th this wasn't hard. This wasn't hard to understand why I wanted to know and why I was upset not knowing. Uh, Caller, you're on the air. Hey, this is Brett from Sacramento. Yes. Um, comment on the story. Yeah. Um, I've never worked in the service industry like that, but I worked in another service industry. And just listen to the story. Is I can't see why a person just can't come out and responsibly mature. Listen to your question. And just address it and say, hey, I, I, I don't know the answer, but let me get, let me get back to you. And it's not, let me get your email or cell phone number. I just don't know, see why she had to elevate it to so much and so bad to, to such a, an, an area. I just don't see why you can't just maturely and professionally handle it. And well, that, that is what just, she said. And then Druff said, well, I'm surprised that no, no, the no, manager no, doesn't no, know not, the not answer quite. to this, no, calling actually, her stupid. Not, not quite, not quite. She, she didn't, she, she, no, not quite. She didn't say, I'm going to go back and find out for you. She was, okay. this, my response was in response to her basically telling me, just order and, and just, I can't guarantee what's going to happen. Just, you know, let's just hope it all is one-to-one. -one. If it's not, oh well. And so right. I, I, that was when I said that, uh, then I proposed the solution 
of cutting it in half if it turns out two to one. She said no, and that's when I said I'm surprised the manager doesn't doesn't uh, have this information. Yeah. And then, Drew, if I would have bought, I, if you ordered a steak, I would have brought you half a steak. <laughs> <laughs> I would have just cut it in half and brought it to you. <laughs> yeah, I know Jeff. I know Jeff. I know Jeff well enough where I'm sure he just he wasn't challenger. He's just asking, and just it just infuriates me that customer service just could. It's such a simple thing. She just could have handled it so much better. Well, yeah, yeah I, I, and all she has to do, even if she can't find out, even if there's no way for her to find out at that moment, and, and they and they dropped the ball by not telling her, and she didn't know. Which is probably yeah. the case. They probably should have told her, and she, or what the the food and beverage manager told me that every employee goes through this training, and they're told this, and he's shocked that nobody there knew. Which is possible they've just forgot it, but maybe they had so much information in the training they just all forgot this, and uh, and no one knew. But but if that's the case, it's up to her at that point to realize the customer does still have a legitimate question that can't be answered and at that point that's when you try to make it right with him okay we can't answer this okay yeah. we're leaving you not knowing the price we're going to make sure no matter what you don't pay more than one to one no matter what we, we have to do it that's yeah that's i've given you shit but i totally agree that's I the mean, answer the answer is not yeah. well i don't know we'll tr- try to pay maybe it's going to cost you double oh well uh, that's the way it goes like uh, you can't tell that to the customer it's crazy yeah such, <laughs> such an easy solution and she just couldn't handle it so quickly i know i know you weren't confrontational or challenger you're just asking and it just, it could have been settled in a few minutes. I, I just, it blows me away. But thanks for taking my call. Yeah, no, no problem. Thank you. Thank you. This, this for, I, I don't know why, but I was reminded of something that uh, someone said in the chat earlier on when uh, we're talking to that uh, guy who uh, said he was ripped off for 500 grand. Yeah. He said that what you really should do is get one of these guys' numbers, uh, one of the guys that owes him the money, and pretended to be Chico Loco and that you were collecting the debt. <laughs> Yo, man, I fucking break your neck. You don't fucking pay up, okay? You know, you should. I mean, that would be gold. Do you, do you have Racer's number or any of these guys' numbers? No, I don't have their numbers. You, know you gotta, it? you gotta call up as Chico Loco and he's threaten to cap their knees if they don't pay up. You know. Oh, man. You know, you know, I used to do a prank call a long time ago when I was a teenager, and, and you know, I, I can admit to this now: is this, the statute of limitations is long expired. But I used to make this. I used to make these prank calls. I'd say my name was Big Charlie, and I do this like fake. Uh, like uh, Italian mobster voice, and I'd keep saying that they owe money, and they and they they'd say what for what? And I go, you know what you owe for? You you think you you're trying to mess with Big Charlie here? You think you, you think you you don't you think you can just you know? I tell you when people when when they when they I owe them the money when I got to pay them then they call up and they hey Big Charlie where's your money? But you know what? They they don't when they they owe me then they don't know nothing. Then they they don't know nothing but Big Charlie. Then they don't answer my phone calls. And I'm just telling you that Big Charlie, we, we, I I don't take that sort of thing. That you're gonna you're gonna talk to me whether you win or whether you lose. And and they, you're gonna talk to me in some way. And they they were freaking out. They're like, what? I don't know you. I don't know. That's the problem. You know, people they they when they win, they always know Big Charlie. When they lose, suddenly they've never talked to me before in their life. And we're not gonna ha- we're not gonna have this here. So I, I can come down and pay a visit. And I can jog your memory as to who I am, and they were freaking out because they thought, they really thought it was some some bookie collecting. Thing That's there. awesome. And, uh, um, and yeah, it was it was kind of a, a mean prank to do to them, but it <laughs> was a prank call I made sometimes as a teenager. No, that's beautiful. The big, the big Charlie prank call, but uh, uh, I I wouldn't. Yeah, thinking back to the like, yeah, it was kind of a jerk thing to do <laughs> that scared someone no it's either. fucking hilarious what are you talking about yeah, but uh anyway that's uh in, in this case they really probably owe the money 
Maybe he should hire Big Charlie. I still think Chico Loco would be hilarious talking to them, <laughs> trying to try, trying to collect the money. Well, I don't know. One of these guys has his friends listening. One of his friends was trying to text me earlier and trying to call the show. So he's going to warn him, "Hey, if this uh, Chico Loco calls you, it's really it's really Dan Druff. Nothing to fear." Oh uh, yeah, I guess I gave it away. Yeah, gave it then away. he's going to get a real guy that, and then he's that's like Chico Loco. He's going to think it's Dan Druff. He's going to be like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That would, that, would be, that would be funny. That would be funny. <laughs> Accidentally <laughs> causes a multiple homicide down in Florida. Right. He's, he's gonna go, yeah, come on over here, Chico Logan. Go, go ahead. Come on over here. I don't care. I, I don't care. Oh, my like, God. Like, Here's my address, fucker. Get your greasy ass over here. He's like, can you believe this druff guy is trying to go out and you know, tell me he's going to come down and you know, break my kneecaps? Come on now. Oh, my God. See, I told him to come over. He's not coming. I know who it is. <laughs> yeah, it's that. That would be hilarious if that happened. <laughs> That's actually like like right out of like a movie plot. Yeah, then you'd be called in to testify. You'd have to do your chico loco voice for the judge. Yeah, you know? say, they say, is it true that uh, that you purport to be a character named Chico Loco on on your uh, radio show? I said, well, yes, I, I've done that before. And and can you demonstrate for the jury what Chico Loco sounds like? I go, well, you know, I, it, it's kind of the wrong environment. I, I had to kind of be uh, into the moment on radio. Uh, and the judge will say, Mr. Wattellis, I'm, I'm ordering you to do the Chico Loco voice for the courtroom. And I say, okay. Go. Hey, Holmes, what do you mean i got to be Chico Loco? You know, I, I, I tell you, I come out when it's my turn to come out. What the fuck, dude? I'm in court here. You're telling me i got to just... I gotta just make these comments to you. I gotta, I gotta go dance for you like, like you're the fucking circus master. So, I'm, I'm waiting for that uh, that testimony to come up. H- how do you think the court reporter would would uh, would enter all that? Oh my god! You know, being a court the poor, reporter, the poor stenographer would be having fits. The court reporting is actually uh, a pretty cutthroat industry. I learned about it uh, about. Uh, probably about 20 years ago, uh, there was a family friend who was in court reporting school. And I, I know it's very hard because everybody talks so quickly, you know, because they're just talking conversationally. And if you think about it, it's very hard to just transcribe a live conversation. It just goes by so quickly. So court reporting, they, they actually have like abbreviations they have to type. Right. For, for every word, so this way they can type fast enough to keep up. So, and then they have these rigorous testing processes to, to where they can, uh, you know, prove that they can do it. And and there's these expensive schools where you learn how to do it. And anyway, I, I guess some of these court reporting schools are like semi scams, where they misrepresent how hard it is, and then they charge a ton of money for these schools by also misrepresenting how much money you'll make doing it and how easy it is to get these jobs. So that that sounds like. Um... Oh, what the hell is that? Dog is head, right? Yeah, there's a lot of industries that do this. I mean, there's, there's it's the, the same thing, right? Yeah, like the culinary industry, they do that all the time, too. They have these cooking schools where you're supposed to yeah. learn how to cook and make all this money, and they misrepresent all that. So, like, there's a lot of this going on. Well, so sounds like real estate. Trump University. Yeah, yeah there's a lot, of, yeah, a lot of versions of the same scam, right? So, uh, so anyway, this, this person, this family friend who's uh, older, like it wasn't even a family friend my age or someone older, but... She went to court reporting school at one of these you know, semi-scam companies, and she was kind of unable to hack it. It was like a lot harder than it was portrayed, and uh, 
And then she was also you know, starting to learn more and more. It's going to be a lot harder to get a job, especially not being you know, one of the best in, in the class there. And uh, she started getting she started getting really stressed out by it. And it, it was actually to the point where it was like interfering with her life. And she was like developing like major depression over the court reporting thing. So she finally had to just drop out because she was actually like a, like going crazy from it. And uh, and then when she dropped out of it, she kind of like returned back to normal. But all because of this court reporting school. But I, 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 I kind of just neglected before. I'd see a court reporter on the side in court, but I always just kind of assumed, oh, this is like a court job. Like, you don't really think of this person having to go through this rigorous training and learn all these abbreviations and type so fast and pass tests. Like, you don't really think of this. But it's it's actually very tough to do. Yeah, it's not even a real typewriter. Yeah. And uh, and, and then it's, it's like a very cutthroat industry. There's a lot, a lot fewer positions than there are people who are attempting to to make it and there's a lot of people who waste money on these schools that never even pass the test <laughs> or even some who pass the test who have a hard time getting a job so uh, it's 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 a whole mess so i the, the court reporter there who would be dealing with transcribing chico loco uh, they they would have already gone through a lot of shit to get where they are and it's, it's also a stressful Do you job. think they would know anything about hashtags yeah <laughs> it's also a stressful job in that you don't get much of a break. You're just sitting there. Like, what if the what if the trial's taking for hour? You got to sit there like for hours, just typing like a madman, getting like every word through. What letter do you think is not on the stenographer keyboard? Uh, Q. Well, fuck. You're right about that. Uh-huh. What what letter? <laughs> what letter would you think would be on there that is not? Uh. Let me see. I'll give you a hint. It's a vowel. Oh, I was gonna, see, I was going to say C. Uh, it's a vowel. C, because C, you know, the letter C, you could actually... Uh... You're right about C, because apparently the way that they type it, it's roughly phonetic. That's what I was going to say. So, yeah, there is no C. If you were spelling cat, it would be K-A-T. Right, that's what I was going to say, is that yeah. it's because of the phonetics that C is never used in phonetics. Yep. That was exactly my yep. reason. Oh, see, I'm, I'm getting these pretty well. So, a vowel, and that one I can't... I mean, it's, mm-hmm. that's one of five choices, but... Uh, uh, six if you count a Y, right? I, I don't. Yeah, let's see. You have, is it I? Correct. Okay. And it, there's no Y either. But yeah, they have a roughly phonetic uh, way that they type it. And to do an I, they type E U. Huh. Did, did you ever hear? I, in, did you I ever don't... hear in school? I know you were in school around the same time as me. Uh, did you ever hear in elementary school? Where they claim that W was also sometimes a vowel. No, I never heard that. They tried to they tried to peddle this for a short time, in 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 the late seventies, and I, and I wasn't buying it. I just I I couldn't figure out how W could possibly be a vowel. It just made no sense to me. Why I I, I understood like because it's two U's. <laughs> it's like a double vowel. <laughs> I also always thought a W was actually two V's. If, if you look at it, it's not really two U's. But it's no. But it's called a double U. Yeah, I know. But I, I didn't like. That Is it because you went to school in New Jersey? No, I actually I wasn't in New Jersey when this happened. It was in California. And trivia, trivia fact: W is the only letter in. Uh, the Roman English language that is three syllables. Every other letter is one. Oh, that's true. So, so the, it's an oddball, man. 
Yeah, and so they were claiming that, that you know, there's those five vowels, and then there's the Y, which that one I understood because it could be in word, there could be words that had none of the traditional five vowels, like the word fly. Sure. Okay. So I, I said that that is understandable, but I couldn't understand the W. And, and so the, the, the weak justification that was given is that the W can change the way another vowel is pronounced. So like the wor- a word like now, N-O-W, it, it changes the way the, the O is pronounced. But I, I thought that was very weak. I didn't think that qualified as a vowel. Where the hell did you go to school? <laughs> this is in California. And who told you this? This was in books and everything. There, this was this was for a That's short time. Horrible. This was for a short time in the seventies. They were claiming that W was a vowel. In fact, I'm going to Google Ooh. it right now. I'm going to Google it right now. See if there's any. Who the hell was claiming that? I never heard that. Any reference? To that. No, I was so upset by this as a kid. I said, "This is not a vowel. I won't accept W as a vowel." Let's see. And no. did you tell the teacher? Yeah, but you're my sixth teacher. grade teacher. I'd expect you to know this. <laughs> I would think you would know this. And then. <laughs> And call up the the superintendent of schools. <laughs> here, here, listen, listen to this one. This is from from dictionary dot com. Um, uh, words like low and bow. One can make a good case that the letter W represents a vowel. Both of these words end with end with one or another diphthongs of moderate English. In this case, the second part of the diphthong is represented by W. I think the person who wrote this is a diphthong. Yeah, they can suck my diphthong. <laughs> I, I, I still, I mean, it's it's pretty much what I just said there about the, like uh, words like now and I, I don't, I don't. Buy I it. was spared that, Druff. I never heard that. Well, they didn't press it very hard. I'll say that it, it was mentioned. It was because it was... how is it even, how is it even useful? You know, like who cares? Well, there's a lot of things like that that you had in school, but. I just rejected the I, whether useful or not. I just didn't believe it. I thought it was a bogus claim, and I I, I couldn't just blindly accept this. You know, I'll, I'll say this here, Benjamin, and he's only he's only in kindergarten, so may, maybe this will change. But ben, Benjamin is a lot more easygoing than I am about a lot of these things, and uh, when they tell the, when they teach him things in school, there he he just accepts them. He he doesn't. Uh, try to find reasons to not believe it. So I think if they told him if W's a vowel, he'd probably believe it. So I, I just, I, I always would think about these things and go, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense, and then and then try to challenge it. But You know, speaking of it, I was thinking about it. That's one thing that uh, Benjamin is never going to even know exists, is a busy signal. Oh, and a dial tone. What about dial tone? Dial tone, well, maybe I may might know what a dial tone is. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe not. Like I, I, uh, I canceled the landline phone service in my house. My wife still wanted to have you know the equivalent of it for whatever reason, so we got hooked up with uh, this thing called Uma, which I pay like a dollar fifty a month or something to have landline service effectively. And uh, as opposed to I was paying the phone company like $40 a month for just bullshit that I didn't use. And when you pick up that phone, it gives you a dial tone, even though there's no reason at all for them to do it. They're just trying to emulate what people are used to, you know. You know, I, I always want landlines because uh, I like how they sound better. I think that the, the, the sound quality is better. 
and I've gotten used to this sound quality, and I can't get used to the inferior sound quality of cell phones. Uh, you're going to have to get used to it. So I, I like picking it up and hearing that dial tone. I like well, the fidelity, I mean, the fidelity can get better, right? As bandwidth increases and all that kind of stuff. The, it's will, certainly no reason the fidelity can't get better. You're right, but I don't think they'll do it because it's not a priority. I, don't, I think they don't care. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. They probably don't give a shit. They'd rather just <laughs> milk the, the customers, you know? Yeah, like the, and the funny thing is that the, the poor fidelity on, on cell phone calls dates way back to when they actually couldn't have good fidelity. Well, the funny thing is actually, for a while it was good fidelity because when they were ca- carrying the analog calls on cell phones, then it was actually good, provided you had a good signal. But then once it went to digital, they uh, th- first they had to do that to conserve space or conserve bandwidth. And then now that they, they have so much bandwidth and can easily carry very high-quality voice calls, they choose not to. And it's it's frustrating to me. And, in fact, they don't even build the phones to have uh, the same – the whole concern for these cell phones is to have them uh, be very small and light and thin. And they don't build into them what they build into landlines as far as it's even the equipment itself to sound good. They, they don't put uh, the quality of speakers that they would otherwise need to put in. So – I just I, I like the sound quality on 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 landlines and there's a few other reasons I like landlines. So I'm not I am not going to be someone who abandons the landline. I'm gonna You're going to cling to it. I, I am. But I, look, I got the Mount Charleston line. It's an old '70s uh, rotary phone, and uh, I have. Uh, yeah, I have so a, have you have you taught Benjamin how to say I'd like to see the manager? <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know he is learning some concepts about about money, like he about when I get things uh, for free from from casinos, and he, he, he's at least he understands that that he tells me it's it's good you don't have to pay money here, and uh, the funniest thing was when uh, we were in a hotel. It was actually in Caesars in Caesars Las Vegas, and uh, something something happened where uh, some. Some kind of condi- conditioner that uh, my girlfriend brought spilled, and and it like went down the drain, and she didn't have it anymore. She was very annoyed, and she was like, well, "I don't know if I should go without it or try to go to the, uh, go to the gift shop. I don't really want to do that." And Benjamin, without any prompting, said, "Oh, so you don't want to have to go to the gift shop and buy that and pay a million dollars for it?" <laughs> I said that he's, he's got the concept. He was. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine where he learned that phrase from. <laughs> but I didn't say I didn't use that phrase to him, and I hadn't specifically told him that gift shops are expensive. But he told. Listen, me listen, Druff. He's going to say, "I learned it from you, Dad." Yeah, I learned it from watching you. Yeah, but he definitely got the concept that the reason we didn't want to do that is because the gift shop was going to be expensive. And uh, so I, I was proud of him for that. Yeah, here's what you're talking about. No, not this. Not this. I'm going to skip past this, and this is it. Is yours? No, I'm... Mother said she found it in your closet. I don't know. One of the guys must have... Must have what? Look, Dad, it's Where not... Where did you get it? Dad, Answer I... me. Who taught you how to do this stuff? You, all right? I learned it by watching you. Parents who use drugs have children who use drugs. <laughs> Parents who call the manager have kids who call the manager. 
<laughs> I learned it from you, Dad. I wonder what drugs his parent, his dad, his dad kind of looked like a, a Coke user. That was the, from that commercial. I, I pictured the dad was snort, snorting Coke. The Yale. No. I, I, I knew you'd make that reference, but no, it's. Uh, I, I just think the the dad in this. I, I think he was. This is the mid '80s. I, I just think it was the dad was that was on coke. He learned it. From yeah, that's what that's what Yayo is, man. You not up with your drug slang dress? No, no. I, I called Yayo. I called him Yayo uh, earlier in the show. I was. Did you not watch Scarface? Yeah, I, I saw you sent me the uh, the link. So. Well, I, I think uh, it's it's one a.m. It's uh, I'm, I'm proud of you for making it through. I know we're not as late as we sometimes are, but uh, still, you could have fallen asleep. Trader Risky could have fallen asleep. Neither of you fell asleep. I thought you fell asleep hours earlier, but you're just in the bathroom. We don't know if Trader Risky is still here. Trader Risky, you with us? Hi. I am. I didn't hear. Is that you, Trader Risky? No, it's Scott from the East Coast. Okay, okay. Well, I guess we lost Trader Ruski, but yeah, Scott, uh, thank you for hanging out here with us. And uh, Calwat, thank you for being here for the whole show, minus a uh, bathroom break. And uh, we will be back on Wednesday, January 25th at 7.30 p.m. approximately. I couldn't get it off mute. I am here. Oh, you're here. We, <laughs> have, we have everybody. So we have the whole gang here back on the 25th and for all you new listeners who hung on this long i think if you're still here you're probably going to come back next week if you uh, if you've ditched out before this then i think there's a good chance we will not have you again unless you either go... be wednesday thursday or friday <laughs> it can be any time but to check poker fraud alerts twitter which is twitter.com slash poker fraud alert and you may or may not get an update there but if it won't be wednesday then i'll put an update up say it's Thursday or Friday, whatever it is. But you know what? I, I just realized something. I, I knew the 25th sounded There's a chance it won't be the 25th. <laughs> oh, so you've already uh, lied to the new okay, listeners. I, I feel terrible. Stop the music. Stop the music. Okay. I, I said the 25th, <laughs> and as I said that, I thought, you know, something about the 25th sounds familiar, but I, I can't think of what I'm doing in the 25th. And then I realized in the 25th, I may actually be on the road. I, I may or may not. So I may have to change this. I may have to do this on the 24th. I may have to do this on the 26th. So you actually are correct that it could be on the... It wouldn't be Friday, but I think we, we could have a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday situation. So I, I, well, I if think, you didn't change it, people would start to worry yeah, at this so, point. So I'm going to shoot for the 25th, but it could be on the 24th, 25th, or 26th. Of course, you can always find it in the archives after it if you happen to miss it but uh but follow poker fraud alert on twitter and you will get an announcement when they're going on air right you'll get an announcement two minutes before we go on air. is that a guarantee that they're all people are always going to get an announcement uh, like yeah within minutes before there's a guarantee <laughs> okay as far as anything uh, more in advance than it may or may not but i'll i'll try to keep you guys informed but yeah, I'm, I'm telling you guys right now so don't tell me i'm later that i'm flaking on you that the 25th may not work and uh, I'll be honest, people, I, I have to take a long drive, and it's it's a drive I don't want to take if the weather isn't very good. So it, it depends upon what the weather's like and a few other factors, and uh, I will have to do it a different day if I will be driving on the 25th, but we will see, and I will let you guys know. But there will be a show next week. No matter what, there will be a show 
next week. And thank you to Mark Clank for coming on and telling his story about being scammed for 500k. And any of the alleged victims or alleged, alleged uh, perpetrators here of this scam, or should I say of this alleged scam, are welcome to come defend themselves either in writing or on the next show. I will give you guys all the time you need if you wish to refute his claims. So, with that said, that is all for tonight. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you again next week. The only thing left to say right now is... Shalom. Shalom.